On this, the fifth episode of Pixel Gaiden. We drink Mexican beer with a side of guacamole. The first $100 Sega Master System. Eric and Cody talk about six good Metroidvanias. Our first guest interview. A full review of the Neo Geo Mini. Eric finally plays Super Mario Bros. 3? Red Dead Redemption 2. Eric helps Cody get started with Coco 2. And we talk awkwardly off the mic. Your host, Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman! Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fifth episode of Pixel Guide In. I'm your host, Cody Hoffman, and with me as always is Eric Nelson. <laughs> I thought I'd mix it up. Yeah, no, that sounded good. You know, that show open is uh, so intense. It is. It, it dares me to yell and try to scream and keep it up. And this time I said, you know what? Screw you. It's face melting. <laughs> Screw you, uh, common tradition. I am going to smooth jazz it today. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the fifth episode. Do you know what is special about the fifth episode, Eric? No, I don't. We apparently can now uh, post on Spotify. That's right. I, you know, I did I tell you that? I think you might have. I think I did, yeah. I wonder if you remembered. Yeah, I think we can. And I, I've already registered and everything. I think at the fifth episode, when, once it comes through, you're just on. But I'll double check it. Cool. Right on. All right. Well, good to know. Anyways, it's that part of the show, since we're 30 seconds in, where we open... The beer. The beer. Uh, and so I, Eric, I, Eric again brought the beer. I, I brought the beer today. Um, and this one's themed. I did do this on purpose. Do you all oh, know what I, the theme is? I think I, I think I know what it is, actually. Okay, so this is a 21st Amendment brewery. It's in a an can, El Soli. In a can, yep. El Soli. It's a uh, Mexican-style lager. And I got this to celebrate my favorite game this month that I played. <laughs> and that's Guacamole. Absolutely, it is. And uh, so. It's that one has stolen me away from all the other games I was trying to play. We'll get there in just a yep. second because I want to go ahead and finish our beer tasting here. Yep. So hold on. Let's cheers this. Let's cheers this. Don't jinx us. This cheer. Here we go. Cheers. Ah, uh, yes. To beer and retro video games, feel free to drink. I will keep talking so okay. the listeners don't get bored because how could you get bored listening to this sultry voice? Still in your Dale Earnhardt Jr. glass, of course. That's right. Because that's how I roll. So is this your first time with this beer? Oh, no. no. Okay. I've had, had this. this. I didn't know if you had, so that's why I brought it. I want to say at one point I might have tried one, but I don't recall. So Okay. New to me. What are you thinking? There's that awkward silence. We try to avoid both taking a sip at the same time. but Well, it it true to its name, it does taste like a, a Mexican-style <laughs> lager. It's got a little bit of a... It tastes like Mexico. It, it's, not a, it's not a bland-flavored lager. It does have flavor to it. It's crisp. Yep, it's crisp. Um, but it is, it is, it's a lager. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what well, it's else. It's got some meat on the bones. It's not an American-style lager. Nope. Which is water, for the most part. Yep. Speaking of which, I just got back from um, uh, being up in Milwaukee for work Ooh. for a week. Yeah. 
And there's a lot of breweries up there, but all the famous ones are those American-style lagers. Right. Your uh, old Milwaukee and your Pabst and your... I, I was th- I was just going to say, wasn't Pabst originally from Milwaukee? Yeah, actually, it was funny. We were walking around some random part of the town where there's like nightlife and stuff. Yeah. And one of the buildings on the side, it's all like you could hardly see it anymore, but it was the Pabst logo. And I'm like, I wonder if this was like where it first started, like this building, but it was very small compared to where I'm sure where they are now. It's funny how... They, um, they won that blue ribbon and things just took off. Yeah, it, it, it's funny though that... I don't know if breweries really need that. I mean, I know something like Budweiser has these huge, giant breweries, but I, you know, I like I I was recently by that. Uh, have you seen? You've seen Track Seven? They're like a local local Sacramento, Sacramento brewery. Yes. Yeah, but they're getting big. I mean, you can find Track Seven beers everywhere, but they you know they they don't have no. It's not a giant place. But I mean, pl- it's but perhaps let's be honest, they're all about volume. Right. No, no, they're about <laughs> volume and cheap. Uh, you're not drinking Pabst for the flavor. <laughs> no, you're not. I, I want to. Tr- I want to know the judge who gave the blue ribbon to that beer because right. um, he must have had <laughs> seven or eight Pabst at that point. That's right. All right. Well, let's get on to our next section. All right. Catching up with Eric and Cody. All right. Now that we are officially catching up, why the Mexican lager again? Uh. So yeah, guacamole. Was, yeah, for the guacamole. Yeah. So I got it for you. Played it on PC, right? No, uh, PS4. PS4. And do, what edition was that? Gold standard. <laughs> the super duper turbo graphics extra. Good. Okay. Edition. S- super turbo. <laughs> I wrote it down here. Super turbo championship edition. I have no idea what that entails compared to the other versions. But so I looked it up. Did you? Okay. Because I wanted to talk to you about this game because you're really the reason why I played this. I heard about guacamole on another podcast. But you're the one when you said, oh, it's amazing, it's fabulous. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this because my history with Metrovania is I don't usually play them all the way through. I play halfway through and then I just like usually lose interest. Like Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge. I mean, there's just a ton that I just lose interest in completely. Uh, Metroid, (laughs) um, which we talked about. (laughs) I never played that all the way through. Oh, the the very first one? Right. Yeah, I could could see you losing interest in that one. Um, But Guacamelee, I'm going to beat. And I'm probably going to beat it within the next week because I love it. And uh, How many hours have you put into it? It keeps a counter. Well, I'm playing on Nintendo Switch, so I haven't seen that. I'll oh, look right. it up next okay. time. Um, I'm on the Tule tree right now, so I'm heading up to Kalaka or whatever. Yep. Um, and I'm sure I have a lot more because I haven't opened up the whole map. But I, I'm loving it. Cause, and it's mainly because it has such great beat-em-up elements to it. Like just when you're fighting and you're yeah. you're rolling around dodging attacks and stuff. So anyway, this it's beer... quick and always involved, and yep. if there's not a puzzle, there's a bunch of stuff to beat up, and yeah, sometimes you get stuck trying to beat something twenty times, but it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome. Yeah, if we could, if we can, if we can indulge, in, indulge ourselves and talk about it for a minute. One of the things I really love about it is that some games I get to a difficult screen, and it's so difficult I can't beat it for two, three days, and then I just say. I'm I'm on to the next game. I don't want to waste my time on this. <laughs> yep. So this far, so far, I've gotten to some really challenging spots. But and I haven't cheated yet. I haven't looked online. I haven't looked yep. at videos. Um I get I, I'll try and and and, I, and you know, sometimes my gaming foo is pretty weak. But I <laughs> game will foo? <laughs> game foo. And I will um I don't think I've ever tried something more than like eight or ten times, but I and then gotten through it. So, yeah, I don't know if you remember me talking about it last episode. Well, obviously, you remembered enough to play it. But yes. that was kind of my thing is it's um, 
you're always in the middle of a challenge, but you're always beating challenges at the same time. Yeah. Like it's not, it's challenging, but it's not difficult. I don't know how to explain that. Right. They're challenges that you get better at every time you play them until you beat them. Yep. They're not just like, oh, I'm going to spend months trying to figure out how to get past this. Part. And this one, the, the this one, the combat for me is easy. I, I love it. I I I just I'm just mowing down enemies, right? But the challenging parts for me are the are the platform parts, like the puzzle platforming, trying okay, to get yeah. up through an area or moving around. And I'm on one right now. That's just it, it's it's tough because those ones where you have to jump from a platform and then switch to the to the dead world. Yeah, you have and to then switch between worlds mid mid jump. Mid jump, and uh, I get halfway up this huge climb and then I fall <laughs> all the way back to the bottom. But you don't feel like it's impossible. You just nope. go, gosh darn it! I just, I, I messed it up. I never felt, end. yeah. So far, I've never felt it's 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 yep. completely unfair. And you know, I proclaimed my love for Guacamelee on Twitter, and someone jumped in and said that one of the bosses was almost impossible, and he quit the game. Oh, uh, really? But you you said you beat it, right? Oh, I played all the way through. Yeah, so I'm. I think I can get through this. I one. think I think there, especially if you're not having problems with the the battle. No, not that at all. That was the more challenging part for me. Yeah, and uh, I think that might be where. It sounds like he was in the battle because the issue with that is if you don't if you saw the end of the game mm-hmm. before you started the game you'd probably be overwhelmed because before you know it you're using like eight buttons in a battle doing these combos that are like twelve times yeah and I hate combos like mm-hmm. fighting games and stuff like I'm never gonna take the time to learn those combos right but this game just through playing it they give you one thing every like fifteen minutes and it yep. sticks and it flows yep no it's I am I am digging it and we can go back to a couple of these but so. In the beginning of the month, I started playing, um, or the beginning of our last, the end of our last podcast, I started playing through Super Mario Brothers 3. We can come back to that. I was going to, yeah. Well, I think it's a good time, unless there's anything else you want to say about Guacamelee. Nope. So. Great game. Go get it. Guacamelee 2 is out now as well, so. It is out. It's not out for me yet, because I like playing on the Switch. Yeah. Because that way I have it portable as well. Um, It comes out next month. On December. The okay. On the Switch, yeah. So I'm going to wait for that. Uh, but I just didn't want to play them back to back because I know I'm going to love it, but I want to like fall in love with it all over again. I don't want to just continue it. Right. Or so. squeeze another game in between. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's funny. Last time I made, I don't know if it was last time or two times, whatever, I made fun of you for never playing Mario 3 before. That's right. And so <laughs> that's what I started. So at the end of the last podcast, I started, I went home and the next day I started playing Super Mario Brothers. Three. For the first time. For the first time. Well, I, I dabbled in it, but I would always get through the first couple sections, not even the first world. I never beat it's, the first world. It's probably one of those things where you've got like your Raspberry Pi and you're just flipping yep. through games and you can't stick I looked to a at game. it and yeah. I was like, oh, he's got this little fox thing. Okay, that's cute. And then I'd go on to something else. So I started playing it and I was doing it on my on my uh, NES Mini so that I could have save yep. states. And save states are brilliant for that game because... <laughs> Not not because you need a place to save, because you can get through the the world. The little sections don't take that far long to get through. But it when you screw up and you're losing lives, it's nice to just go back to the last state, save state, so you don't you never really lost any lives. Yeah. So it's kind of like cheating a little it's bit. It's kind of one of those games though where you never actually lose all your lives. Well, you're kind of plentiful enough. And there's so many spots where you can just kind of harvest them. Yeah, you do lose, but it always says, hey, you can continue, and then yeah. you start again. And so I get that. But the cool thing is that if I have, like, eight lives, I can just – if I lose – I have this limit where if I lose three, I just go back to the save state, get my eight back, start again. There you go. 
and and just takes out the wasted time. Yeah, and I just want to have fun with it. And I did play it for about a week and got through, and you know, with limited gaming time. Um, and then Red Dead Redemption Two came out. <laughs> well, I was gonna bring that up as well, but let's go back to Mario Three. What's your okay. what's yeah, yeah. your what are your take out or take backs from that? So did, did it work? Uh, was it worthy of all the praise? I'm sure you've heard about it. It is, and as soon as I beat Guacamelee, I'm going back to that. Okay. So it, where, I'm where are you at? Back. Can I ask? Yeah, I just beat World One, so I'm that, starting. You World did not 2. get very far at all before you got into Guacamelee. That's right. All I right. didn't get far, but World One. I mean, there's how many sections? I mean, there's probably. 12 sections? I 10? believe there's eight actually. But Is there then, eight? But then there's also like the hut where you play the mini games. And, the and I did all floating those. Floating airships will pop up. Yep. I did everything in there. Yeah. So, what the the brilliant thing about Mario 3, well, lots of things, but one of them, is that every world feels completely different. They have entirely new enemies. Yeah. They have entirely new landscapes with entirely new ways to play. Yep. And Level I started. Level 4 is one of my favorites. Oh, is it? Yeah, when you get there. So I, I beat World 1, but I also got maybe, I think, two of the little sections, first sections in uh, in World 2. Which is desert, I believe. It is desert, yes. yep. With the sun, with the cool glasses spinning yep. around in the sky. Yep. So, so I, I'm the, I guess the takeaway with it is I'm enjoying it, so I'll definitely be back, and my goal is to beat it. And realistically, with these other games going on and our projects with this podcast, I'll probably take me two or three months. Yeah, well, but, if, if you play other games during, yeah, yeah, and but, I'm def- but you can with that game, absolutely. Yeah, so that's it. That's that's cool. That's so, my experience so far. I want to touch on that. So it's funny hearing it from your perspective because I grew up with that game and I grew up knowing all the cheats and everything for that game before I played the game or owned the game. Oh, really? So they've just always been there. If yeah. You want to call them cheats? I mean, they're built into the game. Yeah. Um, so I won't tell you where and all whatever, but long story short, there's magic whistles. Have you heard of these magic whistles? I've heard of them. I've never found, I haven't found one yet. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to find it on your own for the most part. Okay. Um, you have to do some very specific thing that you wouldn't know to do. But long story short, uh, in the first map within 10 minutes, you can get a magic whistle, which takes you to, I forget which world it was. It's like the five, warp zones, right? Warp zone five. Oh, wow. And then right there, you get the other one. You go to warp zone eight. Wow. So within 20 minutes, you can be playing the last world of the game. And so... That's crazy. My Amer- my American mentality, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah. It's a beat game. So every time I've played that, especially when I was a kid, I've always just done the whistles, gotten there. And so I've played World 8 probably more than any other world in the game. Wow. Which is weird. Yeah. From probably from someone who's never played it before. But it'd be really fun to play it your way, which is... I mean, I magically, I just naturally do those cheats without thinking about it. Like, oh, now you go here, now you do this, now you right. get the whistle, now you do this. So to play it literally would be really, like, probably like a playing a whole different game at this point. Yeah. Because it's been years since I've done that. But I know World War- 4 was the one I would use the warp whistle to go to World 4 just because it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> See, my wife, my wife, it's strange. My wife's very good at Super Mario Bros. 1. And, um, which she- is a game I just, it's hard for me to play that anymore. Yeah, she can go from the beginning to the end and and in one sitting and not use warp or use warp. She knows where everything is. She knows where the secrets are. I I was always not I was never very good at that game. So, I never I never tried to play all the way through. But you know, I I she won't even touch Super Mario Brothers 3. She just looks at it and goes, ah, "I don't like it." And she just watches it and it doesn't want to. It sounds to me like she might be kind of like my wife, where if she doesn't know everything about the game, she doesn't want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kills me. There's only a couple of games my wife will play, so. If yeah. I want her to play a video game with me, we're popping on Super Mario World. That's her game. Yeah. And she can play, like kind of like you said, she knows every nook and cranny. and 
My wife loves Joust too. So the cool thing is that's we, good one. We play Joust cooperatively, and we can get pretty far. And one time it was so so awesome. This is one of my best gaming experiences with anybody at any time. We played Bubble Bobble, all the way I from love Bubble Bobble. We played from stage one all the way to one one sixteen or whatever the top one is. I don't remember what it is. So you can only get with two players. Yep, you can only get with two players, and we got there, and we we could not beat the final level. No matter what, how hard we tried. What system did you play that on? We played on NES. Yeah. Okay. Played on on regular my, NES. My history with that game is all Nintendo. Yeah. Yep. God, we played that and we could not get through the. It was kind of disappointing because we we and we did we 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 didn't cheat through the whole thing until the last one and we looked on YouTube. We saw them playing it and beat it. We still couldn't even replicate what we saw. <laughs> so we never really beat it, but we got all the way. I, I consider it a, a moral victory. So That'd be a fun We should play one of those, too. That's yeah. a fun one. Yep. Um, so uh, here's a fun little side story. Sure. I was... Every Thursday, I have a board game group now. Yeah. And uh, I, I always, used to always do one at my house, have people come over and play board games here. But I got on the internet, on the interwebs. Yeah. And um, found a group in Elk Grove and started playing with a bunch of other people that really loved board games. Oh, wow. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, excuse me. So we've been playing like five weeks in a row, more or less. And this last week, or two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, we were playing and uh, the guy, his name is Dave, goes, well, you know, we want to start a little early because I have to leave early today. So we started early at like 5.30 instead of 6.30. And we were trying to get a game in. We had to rush it at the end to make sure we got it done in time. And uh, right when we finished, he's like, just leave your thing out. I'll clean it up the morning. I got to go. We're like, all right, whatever. All right. So we uh, hop out the door. He grabs his son. They just jam out the door and close the door and lock it. And I was talking with one of the other guys out in front of the house. And I'm like, yeah, so what do you have to do anyways? And he's like, uh, yeah, him and his son wanted to go pick up their copy of Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Like, wow. we, we really just got kicked out so he can go get... Red Dead Redemption Two. See, on I launch day. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> we can. That's a whole nother thing we should have a topic on podcasts about is camping out for games because I won't no, do it. No, no way. There's too many games existing. That too I, many days exist, and honestly, you know, I got sick of going into GameStop like the day after a game released, and I say, "Hey, I want X game," and they go, "Did you reserve it?" <laughs> and, and, and I was like, "No." Oh, we don't have any copies that aren't reserved. And then I would literally literally drive across town to Target, and they have about 10,000 copies sitting yeah. there. And then I just buy it. I, that's why I don't. I, I won't shed sure. a tear when GameStop goes out of business. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, have my, I mean, they, yeah. That should be a whole other topic, like yeah. you said. Anyways, how was RDR? Was it RDR2? Yeah. There you go. This is, this is our segment where I'm going to be like, this is where I get real. Uh-oh. He's getting real. I'm getting real. You got to get quieter and closer to the microphone. <laughs> Next. On Pixel Gaiden. <laughs> Unpopular opinions. So do you now feel like you can ride a horse? Yeah. And, and <laughs> let me ask yes, you this. Did, did you play Red Dead Redemption 1? I did. And of course, knowing me, I bought it when it was, uh, was a greatest hit for $20. And yep. But you, you did I play it all the way through it and beat it. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I liked it. Did you like it generally? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people to play it rave about it and we're so excited about this one. And I'm like, it was good. It was absolutely good. Yeah. And, and I'll play the, the next one for 20 bucks. I think that's the way I felt about it. I mean, I, I, I liked Far Cry 5 way more than Red Dead Redemption oh, 1. I do want to try that one. Yeah, I loved it. I, th I thought it was really good. So just so you know. And, and 
I'm not a big giant fan of Far Cry. The Far Cry three was good, um, but four whatever. I, I I don't have a lot of opinions on it, but yeah. So anyway, well, let's talk about Red Dead Redemption two. Um, We're all waiting. Yeah, <laughs> stop filibustering and get get real, as you put get it. Get real. Um, so far, and I'm only I I think what what did I tell you last time? I think I was five or six hours into it. Five hour. That's like still the tutorial nowadays well and so that's probably what this is because right now i'm really not enjoying it mm. it's too many cutscenes, too many conversations and i and i i'm not a huge fan of cutscenes. i mean it's yeah. they're okay to have once in a while to get the story going but a game is a game i don't want to watch a movie i think we mentioned that last mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago and i was talking about why don't we go back to half-life which changed the industry yeah. where you never left the cutscene. you were you were talking and people were talking and you could still walk around and do stuff while they're talking and it just kind of became yeah you know and, and they immersive, try, if you will they and they try to do that in red dead Redemption too but you're riding a horse to a different location and you're having a conversation as you're riding your horse but nothing can happen you're locked in that conversation so you're really just watching a movie gotcha. have you, i mean have you played like uncharted i love uncharted okay. those are probably some of my favorite games of all time and maybe I'm t- thinking about the wrong one, but there are ones where you just like it on the screen. It's like mash the A button while you're doing this and you hit it over and over again to try to clear something. Yeah, I know what you're talking. I think they call those quick time events or basically, yeah, they're, they're playing like a, a video and you're just kind of pressing yeah. a button to get past the video. Why do that? Yeah, I don't know. So that, that kind of stuff drives me crazy. And I feel that kind of way with, with Red Dead Redemption 2 so far. Um, there's a lot of good things about Red Dead Redemption 2, even, even right now, the parts where I do get to actually play the game, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Unfortunately of the four hours I've been playing so far, it's about an hour and a half of real yeah. game time. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it gets better and I think it will. I think you're right. I think they've stretched the tutorial because this game's so huge. They've stretched the tutorial to be, you know hours and hours long so you can learn how to play or whatever yeah so i'm not giving up on it i'll keep trying but i i can't give it a high recommendation yet i just there's just not enough game and there. actually most of the have you listened to any reviews or anybody else talk about it no all right i it, haven't heard anything a yet. lot of people sound like you do they they're, they're they're just saying there's a lot of story and the story is good but i want to play the game i just want to play because you know that's why we're into retro games. There's that's exactly nothing retro about Red Dead Redemption. I know we're talking about it on our retro slash retro inspired podcast. That's right. But this is probably the furthest thing from retro. Well, the good news is that Guacamole stole me away from RDR two, <laughs> and then Hence, I went right full in circle. <laughs> exactly. Retro inspired gameplay. See, Guacamole does it right. You get a you see a dude like the goat. You have three panels of conversation, <laughs> the and then goat. you're back to plan, right? You break a Chozo statue, you get yep. a thing, he tells you how to use it in two sentences, Yep. and the only way to get out of that screen is to use it. Right. So you learn it. You have to learn it. That's it. Done. Yep. That, that's a game. That's a game. That's not like a weird little movie. So it's funny. <laughs> that's funny you mentioned it. So let me, let me catch up with what I've been doing, which- Yes. It drives me nuts every time I listen to podcasts. I know people, it's probably legitimate and real, but they always say, oh, I haven't played much retro lately. It's I've just been so busy. Well, that absolutely is me this month, which yeah. stinks. Yep. But I did, uh, I told you last time I was going to try Okami. Mm-hmm. By the way, you can see I decorated the table here with a bunch of stuff. I do. For us to talk about so we can actually look at it and feel it. and Pretty stuff. Boom. Here's Okami. <laughs> 
Yeah, let me check that out. But there you go. So I don't know why I, I've been really into this whole like Japanese aesthetic lately, yep. where they kind of do the uh, kanji and like the simple. Uh, um, I don't know if they're watercolors or whatever, but the uh, style—it's just a cool stylistic look. And uh, yeah, heard great things about that game. Got the HD version, and I'm like, oh, finished my last game, which I can't remember what that was now. <laughs> Threw this in there. I'm like, this is my new game. I'm gonna play Okami. It looks awesome. I, ha- I have to admit, I don't even know what this is. I and, mean, I don't to be know honest, I didn't really is. either. I just heard great things about it, yeah. and it looked really cool. And the, you know, it's got that really cool, almost cell shaded, but Japanese style art. Um, I got four and a half hours in, and it felt like a tutorial still. Uh, so this uh, this game originally came out on PlayStation Two. Okay. So. It is retro by your standard. It's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we talked about that last episode. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our previous episode. Um, but yeah, so I, I started playing this thing, and it it, it didn't have any of the, like what you're talking about, the cutscenes where you hit buttons, because this was PS2 era. That wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. But what it did do is every time I collected something... All of a sudden, my little minion who's bouncing around with me has to explain to me what that is and how many I have to get, and then this becomes available, and then uh, now you're a, a god with a new power, and you can do brush strokes to do this. <laughs> and every time you came up to something, you're just thinking, what of the 37 things that I've learned do I have to do to this thing in front of me? So it's not even challenging. It's just trying to remember, am I supposed to draw a circle in the air? Nope. Am I supposed to like make a line here? Nope. Oh, wait, kind of. A flower grew. What do I do? So it... In four and a half hours, I already looked on YouTube like three times to figure out how to get past something that's not even a challenge. It's just like, there's a dead tree. Make it live again. Okay, how? So what what, what kind <laughs> of game is it? Is it an RPG or hard that's, to explain? It is, I guess it is hard to explain, but no, you're roaming around. Um, three, like first person perspective or? It's third person. Oh, you're, okay. um, it's kind of like, hey, I don't know how to explain it. It's not an open world sandbox or anything like that, but it is kind of like, you're free to roam within that area until you get to the next area. Okay. Um, but the battles that are happening are very infrequent and they're very easy. Um, so I don't think it's much about the battling. It's almost just like walking around getting stuff. But it's 3D kind of third know. person it's... looking behind you or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. You're, this, oh. you're this wolf. And again, oh. it looks super cool. And I watched gameplay of it and it looked awesome. But actually playing it, I'm just four and a half hours in and like, I was trying to get myself to keep going. Yeah, what's with these four-hour tutorials? (laughs) And this is from the PS2 era. Yeah. So that's not even a current thing. Hmm. I don't know. So anyways, I finally canned it, said I'm going to put that away. For now. Are you going to go back? I don't know if I'm going to go back, to be honest with you. Okay. Unfortunately, it looks cool, and I would love to get to a good part of the game, which is probably in there somewhere. But now I'm playing this, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah, my neighbor has this. He has a PS4, and... uh, or their son has a PS4, I should say. And so, he, I, I've watched him play this. Um, uh, and it looked really good. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, there's nothing retro about it. It is Horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the, the full name is Horizon something. Yep. A New Dawn or something. What is it called? Horizon? Horizon Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn. There you go. And you got the completed issue, which I'm assuming has some of the D- DLC built in. Yeah, probably. I, yeah. I got the 20 book greatest hits version if you will but you can see on the front it's got all kinds of like nines out of tens tens out of tens yep. i've heard amazing things about it um they talked i remember when it came out their big thing was like the snow uh like you leave footprints in the snow and the snow like changes depending on the what i don't know all this kind of really specific nitty-gritty stuff but ultimately the gameplay and it's good i'm enjoying it don't get me wrong 
it just it's um i feel like all modern games are this game now it just feels like a far cry game a far cry game or i'd say it's a little bit better than the far cry game but it feels like it it's very yeah when i watched him play this my neighbor um he it reminded me a lot of the witcher witcher 3 which i i don't witcher 3 is awesome yeah but it reminded me of that a little bit um just put that over there speaking of like uh if we can go back just one step to cell shaded uh yeah you were saying it's kind of got cell shaded oh akami yeah do you like cell shaded games i love them i think it looked great borderlands uh, I, I love it so i love <laughs> borderlands so back in that 360 era um the xbox 360 i beat i beat borderlands the first one because i really loved it and that's yeah. not really open world you know you go you have to go through you you're in in sections and you have to complete that section to go to the next one correct yeah i guess it's semi-open we'll call it semi-open world yeah that's kind of like i guess now a comedy is even more restrained than that but um, did you ever play Jet Grind Radio? Jet Grind Radio or Jet Set Radio, Jet, depending where you're yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. For whatever reason. Right. One market grind was a thing and the other one it wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> it's the, the only thing I don't like about that game is the time limits. If if it had yeah. no time limits, I'd, I would that would be one of my favorite games. Yeah. Yep. I, I can't stand time limits. I, I It depends what it is. I, I agree to a point, but like Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, mm-hmm. love those games. Yep. The cool thing is you could start. You could start a mode and the time would start, but if it failed, you just kept playing. You just kept playing, yeah. And you'd go back and start it again. But yeah, like Jet Set Radio or Grind Radio, whatever. I think, yeah, you started, the timer happened, and if you failed, it's like you're out of the level. You're out of the level. Like that was just frustrating. You're like, I want to play the game. I've like, thought about help me, help me practice. Help me get better. There has to be um, those action replay kind of things for. Uh for the dreamcast so that we can play that with and, and kind of hack it with some cheats i'm sure there is yeah because then that game would be amazing i should know that i love the dreamcast okay yeah but anyway well that covered a couple of my catching up i uh so you said horizon and then was there anything else or are these for later <laughs> oh all the other stuff there those are for later okay good um Let's see, Guacamole done, Turtles. You remember Turtles last time? Yep, I do remember that. So I opened it up, tried to clean stuff off. I recapped it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. Um, And I got it to the point where... Let me see here. It turns on, it makes sounds. Doesn't that just sound like entertainment? The sound sounds good. Does it sound like somebody died there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, whoa. I was just about to tell you, even though I got it up and running and the sounds happened, the joysticks didn't work, but I just tried it and they're working right now. <laughs> wow. Oh, now it's not. And do the graphics work? Yeah. Look at those. Oh, that's pretty crisp. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, um, I don't know what you call that. Hard diodes or hard... It's not like it's an LCD or a, a, a raster screen or anything. It's, no, it's, no. It's like the LCDs, right? It's yeah, just is L- it what you call it? I don't know. They're colored LCDs, if you will. So like red and green. Yeah. But um, anyways, it's not perfect. I still have some more work to do to it. Uh, I think I'm going to just clean some stuff up. A lot of those uh, three-way switches, I think, are just dirty. Yeah. So I'll probably need to either replace those or clean them out. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to get my Dremel out and grind some. There's actually some rust in some parts there in the battery compartment. Yeah. So I find using deoxid. That's that, uh, you know, uh, contact spray, the oxid. Okay, I'll get, get some of that. Put that on there and just use a little toothbrush. Just clean it up. Scrape stuff away. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Get the crud off. But that's cool. 
So Turtles is now making noise and it's making pretty pictures. That is good. Uh, check, check, check. Uh, Mario 3, check. Um, hey, Eric. Yeah. Do you see my Coco 2 sitting there? I do. It exists. Yep. It is now here from, from the Goodwill. And unlike your GameCube, it came with uh, packaging. Yep. Uh, the box was not the, it came in the original box and it was not the box they shipped it in. They actually put the box within another box. So I appreciated that. And uh, first of all, here's your controllers I was talking about. Yeah. Which do not reset. They're just, that's nope. how they are, right? That's the one. I, I have one that's made by like Kraft. There you go. The Kraft joystick. Kraft. So it, it it's the same. Same people that make the mac and cheese? Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Um, but they're like this. They don't center. I think that's just the way it was. Just how they did it, huh? But but my buttons aren't on the top. Oh, really? My button's on up <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, there's a, a big red button on the top, like you're uh, where, in between where the shoulder buttons would be on a Super Nintendo controller. Yep. Um, but yeah, there it is. And I again, I told you how busy I've, I've been. I've yet to plug the thing in. I hope it powers up. But the big, a big part of the reason I haven't plugged it in is because I have nothing to run on it. So I, I do, so I do have something for you. It's in my car. So remind me on the way out. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got the video cable for you so you can use it on composite. So you don't have to do RF. That would be awesome. It would be easier. <laughs> that would be awesome. So I got that for you. Cool. Um, so when I got my Coco 2, which by the way, the Coco 3 is hard to get. So oh, okay. you can keep looking for it and maybe you'll get one. It'll probably be pretty pricey. Really? Okay. Because uh, the Coco 2 is more in line with like w the graphics of more like a the early 20? PC or an Amiga. No. Wait, the Coco 2? The Coco 3. Oh, Coco 3. The yeah, Coco yeah, yeah. 2 is more like a VIC-20. Yeah. 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 Um, the Coco 3 is much more high end. Amiga almost. Almost Amiga-esque. Um, not quite they're, Amiga. They're interesting. They're kind of half steps. Yeah. Like I would say from what I could see online, the Coco 2 is kind of in between a VIC-20 and a C64. Yeah. It's like a half step. And, you know, back in junior high, when I touched my first computer, which was a TRS-80 Model 4, we also had a color computer one, the first one, which is gray and has the little square keys that aren't. Now aren't I've seen like Coco 2s that look like that too as well. Yeah. They're kind of like, they almost look like, are they metal? Are they, they are plastic? No, they're all plastic. Okay, they look yeah. like they're metal in the pictures. Yeah, all the color computers are <clears throat> plastic, but the Coco one who had the gray. Okay. Like the gray color. Um, yeah, the, the, there's some fun games. I will tell you, these are going to, it's going to be pretty rudimentary, like a VIC-20. Well, I remember thinking about getting a VIC-20 and I looked at the games and I'm like, these things are just so, this is kind of like my, my cutoff point. Pre-C64 seems to be my cutoff point. Mm-hmm. But then rather than get a Big 20, I saw the Coco 2 for sale at a good price, in mm -hmm. my opinion. I'm like, well, let me just snag one of those, and that'll be my... It's something different than a Big 20. And it's, it seems to be like this is probably the scraping the edge of playable for me. And this Which will is be, funny, because I have an Atari, and I do... That's what I was going to say. The Atari 2600, this is a step up from that. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I would say a Big 20 is a step up from the Atari 2600, though. I would have to play one to agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's some graphically, pretty... Graphically, I can, I can kind of see it. There's but. some pretty pretty good VIC-20 games, especially with the memory expansions. I mean, you can start getting into the Commodore 64 territory with that. There are RPGs for the VIC-20. Yeah. Um, but for this, um, for the Coco 2, when I first got mine, I went about three months to just loading stuff on from tape. 
because there's a cassette port on the back. But you, you'd have to use your phone or a program. You use, a, yeah. use a phone with tap dancer, and they don't take that long to load. I mean, it's probably five minutes, and then you have a game loaded in. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Five minutes. Yeah. I mean, three, five minutes, something like that. It's it's uh, it, it works, though. So you, do, you can get away cheaply because the cassette cable on the back is like five bucks. So Or you can yep. make your own. It's funny because I do have a couple of cassette cassette tapes in there. Like legit cassette tapes. Oh, Came for with this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you're. Came with it. Yeah. You can find. But I don't have the, a player or any way to get it yeah. to that, but I have them. Yeah. <laughs> so that I used for a long time. And then I got the. Um, there's a cartridge port right here on the side. Yep. And you get the. When I wrote this down, because I forgot the name, the Coco SDC. Which yeah, that's is, what I was going to ask you. Because I found a website and they have like. They actually had like 20 different modern accessories for this thing. Mm -hmm. And. A lot of them overlap, and a lot of them do different things, and I don't know where to start. Um, for my Commodore 64, I have an SD2IEC, mm -hmm. which is basically just, this is a pretend floppy disk drive, and you can put games on it. And I'm assuming that's probably all I want for the Coco 2, unless... That's it. Yeah. Because almost everything was released either on tape or on cartridge. Mm -hmm. So the Coco SDC can run all the cartridge images and it can also run all the tape images so Perfect. you're pretty much set i think it was like 50 bucks yeah which is actually a little bit more than they paid for this and that's just <laughs> a that's a circuit board right you're gonna have to get a i bought a 3d printed case for it oh to make it pretty to make it pretty all, all your other uh, ever drives you left bare i did but <laughs> if you notice this cartridge port has a door on it so I the did door not even look yeah there's a door so if you have a bare circuit board that goes in there the door lands on the circuit board, uh, okay. which it's not a metal door. So you're okay. It won't short it out, but I was afraid it was going to scrape it. Yeah. If you pull it in and out a bunch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, or if you pull it hard and it snags on something. So I wanted the case. Yeah. I like cases anyways. I don't yeah. like leaving things bare. One, th the nice thing, one thing about the Coco too, is that the keyboard is really nice. I like it. It's a good full function keyboard. Yeah. And that one, if you look, it's, it's clear and white. It looks like it's the same color it was when yeah. it came out. Um, it didn't do the Super Nintendo yellowing thing. Nope. And mine um, looks exactly white, just like this. It's in great shape. Maybe they just used better plastic or something. Yep. I actually heard something about the uh, a YouTube video about the Super Nintendo plastic. How, like, you'll see, like, half the case will yellow, the other half won't, or or they yellow differently. Mm -hmm. And I guess they, the plastic was AB, what do you call it? ABS plastic. Yep. Which is flammable. <laughs> so they had a fire retardant so, in there. So yeah. they had to squirt a fire retardant in there and they put it in different amounts and different things. And they use different chemicals yep. to do the. So yeah. all the, it's always, all, every piece is a different color yellow. It's right. weird. It's weird. You'll like it. I remember, um, it's been a while since I booted mine, but I remember there was a really good Space Invaders clone. Oh, you and your, you and your ports. Well, I mean, that's what you're going to get I, on yeah, these old computers. True. I want to play some originals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's been so long. I really don't remember too many titles in particular. But um, there's a good, there's a lot of good old ports. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. It does have a. You and I were looking before the show here. It does have a few marks on it. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like a. I was gonna say cigarettes, but no, not cigarettes. Almost like something pencil size laid against it and melted it. Like yeah, you were thinking a soldering iron, which would make some sense. Because if it if it was cigarette burns, it would be yellowed kind of stained unless they were scrubbing it yeah they look clean i think it looks to me like a soldering iron and, and it probably makes sense because i think a lot of people had these on their workbenches and stuff and would yep. work next to them and yeah. it just gives it character it does so anyways i'll probably pick up that 50 dollar adder 
so I can put games on it and a cartridge shell of some sort, whether I get a lot of old games and just use one. Yeah, meanwhile, for testing it, you should try the tape thing. It's it's even fun just for the novel novelty of it. Yeah, yep. We say novelty, but to me, it's a whole new world. I never, I didn't live right. through that period of time, but... Yeah, my VIC-20, I only, I, that's all I had for my VIC-20 when I was a kid, was yeah. the tape, the data set. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, how do you like your C64 Mini? The C64 Mini is good. I know, we talked about it last time, you mentioned the uh, controller wasn't quite up to snuff and whatever, but you've had it for a while now. Yep, so let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the system first. We'll talk about the joystick second. The system itself, a new firmware came out just recently. Okay. 1.1.4, I think it is, or 1.4.1, something like that. It's the latest one, anyway. You flash that. Couldn't be easier. You put it on the root of the USB drive. You plug it in. You reboot it. It finds it. You install it. Couldn't be easier, right? Cool. What that does is you used to have to, when you wanted to play a game that wasn't on the menu, you had to put your single game at the root of the USB drive, rename it something, then boot and and the game would start. Okay. You don't have to do that anymore. The new firmware gives you a whole menu of everything on the SD card. Cool. So, or thumb drive. It's got like a launcher. Yeah. So it's got a launcher and it works great. And it, it, you can go through all your games. I put my one that I have my, for my ultimate 64. Um, I, so I have an SD card that has 10,000 games on it. Mm-hmm. I just I could pop that in there, navigate through all the menus, launch whatever game I want. Um, it doesn't have multi-disc yet, though. I think there's a way to do it, but it might be a little kludgy. I've never figured out how to use that on my SD2 SD2 IC. IC. Yeah, oh, I've, never sh- got, I've never got it to work. I can show you how to do that. You got to make that little auto exec file or something, auto something. It's a file you make, and you got to put the name anyway. It, it, That's just another one of those things that makes me want to get the uh what's it called the ultimate c64 the yeah so the, the ultimate whole new yeah guts you put inside of an old case yeah because say, the, boom done the ultimate 1541 it's yeah. as easy as hitting a button and it jumps into a menu and you can swap discs there but that's not the whole new commodore that's the but that's built into that new commodore it's built into so it, yeah. the ultimate okay. 64 has the ultimate 1541 built right in that's awesome oh it's beautiful and, and i've been got, using mine it's got a little hdmi bit. which you didn't mention last time yeah I, that, i've been looking into it that's part of my errata so, oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't think we went to the errata section, but I guess now's a good time. Why not? Go for it. Um, I said the Ultimate 64 doesn't have Commodore AV out. It only had HDMI, but oh, okay. it, it actually has both. Nice. It was because I I want to use my PVM at home. Yeah. So I I plugged it right in. It's got both ports, HDMI and the Commodore out. So it's got the the round DIN for the Commodore yeah, that right. has. So you actually got yours and you've been using it. When oh did, yeah. When, when did you get it? Oh, I got it. I got it a while. I got it a while ago. So oh, you realize that I got it. Think right after our last podcast ended. No, because I was talking about it. No, I got it. I got it. I got I didn't it. Think you had it yet? I do. I got it. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> I want one. It fit right in the case. I had no problem installing it. It was a smooth setup. Um, but anyway, I wanted to let people know that in case they were taken astray by our last episode. So it's got HDMI and Commodore out. So the AV for a composite. With the cool little connector on the back. Yep. The MIDI with two more pins. Correct. <laughs> and um, anyway, the other errata is not important. 
<laughs> you made another mistake. I did make a mistake. <laughs> hey, I was it, making them all over at first. So. Now that you mentioned it, I go back and listen, and, and it airs now because you before I didn't really care, but now it's like that you well, brought it up. Now honestly. that you brought it up, I think you tried to correct me, or you did correct me on text. You said you plugged in the uh, NES Classic controller. What was it? The Switch. It was the Switch. Um, yeah, yeah. The online buttons service. backwards, right? Yeah, the, I, I heard the buttons were backwards. They aren't. They are not. They are not backwards. They, they feel are not normal. backwards. It, well, let me correct that. They are not backwards if you keep the switch. But yeah, see that? So first thing I noticed was on my pro controller, my pro controller, they're exactly like they are on there. Well, this is a... I guess that's my point is... Yeah. If you play like this, then you're fine. If you play like this, like I do, they're backwards. I don't know if it's... I'm just going to have to bring it over So here. I'm looking at this, and Y and B and B, in my opinion, should be jump. Y should be shoot. Or if you're playing Mario 3, you hold down Y so you can run, and B is jump when you do that. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to th think about that. But unless you're doing this. Yeah. And now, at when I say this to the listeners, I'm holding down B and hitting A to jump, which is like my hand's over the top of it, and it feels awkward and weird. All right. So t here's what we're going to do. <laughs> uh -oh, uh oh. Next next episode we're going to do a live demo and Ooh, figure, I like it. figure it out. I'll bring my switch over. We're going to get it. We're going to settle this once and for all. Can we go on top of a building and have a party and just break it out and sure. everyone just stops what they're doing like I the would commercials? Love that. I Perfect. would love that. <laughs> um so anyway, go ahead. You have a what if that was socially acceptable? Just go to a party and you break out your switch and everyone just does that. All right, cool. I've never seen anyone public with a switch playing it yet. No, nor have I. Okay. <laughs> I've actually only seen one in the wild, to be honest with you. I have one that leaves them plugged into their TV, to my knowledge. But yeah, I saw someone playing it. Uh, what do you want to call it? Brother-in-law, I guess? I don't know how it works. But we were at a cabin. He pulled that out. I'm like, what the heck is that? And it dawned on me. Oh, yeah, switches are portable. Yeah. I always forget about that. And it makes me want one when I remember that. All right. Um... I think that's it. I think it's about time for us to crack open our next... Well, you still got to take a sip oh, there. I'll, I'll chug that you down. clean that up. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about if you... Sure, and then we'll get to the minutes. news. The... Oh, see, I forgot. <laughs> I, I knew I forgot to bring something. Uh-oh, uh -oh. I wanted to show you something. I'll have to save it for next time. But I told you that I used to work at Prima Games. Yes. And uh, that was from 1995 to 2002. Seven years. Yep. So I worked at Prima Games and I started there as a systems administrator and worked my way up and was director of IT at the end. Then Random House bought us. And I stuck around for about a year to help transition. And they never fired me or anything They want, or laid me off. They wanted to keep me on board, but I wanted to keep my skills sharp and I wasn't really doing anything. I, I would sit in my office and do nothing. Ugh. So I, I left 2002, but I did work at Prima Games and... They were. It was announced this week that they were. They are going out of business. Oh, so they after twenty. I think they were. They've been doing it. And you've been on the payroll this whole time. No. And they're giving you a part of the company. No. The no. funny. The so the, oddly enough, I do consulting for them. So I was. I do. <laughs> I would do IT consulting for them, and more. More like the company that I work with. They one of their engineers works for them. So I still was in touch with them. But I had no idea, and then I learned that after 28 years in business, they're they're folding up shop, huh? Which you know, I, I just felt weird because I went in there the day that they closed down, or yeah. the day that it was announced. Is is was there? I should say was is they're not shut down yet, right? Mm -hmm. They're not shut down yet. Is there um, 
current product still paper cattle or paper strategy guide? Oh, yeah. I, I actually bought one not long ago for The Witcher, Witcher 3. I'm sure they have some kind of online versions as well. But. They have e-editions, so you could log in and get these e-editions. They have uh, streaming, YouTube channels, stuff like that. Um, it, You know, it, it's a hard market because everybody just goes on YouTube to get yeah. strategy. I, I'm, I, and listen, I, I, I love Prima, but they it seems like they should have died a long time ago. Well, it's like, kind of like, unfortunately, the newspaper industry. Yeah. It's the same no, thing. No, you're it's, absolutely how right. How do you stay relevant? I, I'm, I give them props for staying open as long as they did. Yeah, I didn't even know they were a thing anymore, to be honest with you. Oh, no, they and they I'd see their guides all over the place. I mean, I'd see them in stores. I'd see them... But anyway, what I was going to bring was uh, in 97, so I worked, started working there in 95. In 97, um, they were working on the Twisted Metal 2 strategy guide. Yeah, you were mentioning this. And uh, they... They said, hey, you want to do the you technical gotta, editing? You got a credit, right? And so, like, if you open the book, and I bought it. So I have, because I, I lost my copy years ago. Oh, did you just buy it recently? So I just bought it oh, again. Cool. I, yeah, I saw it in a store. That. You open it up. It says technical editor, Eric Nelson. and See, Eric's guy. big time. Yeah, now, exactly. I'll also point out that right now you're wearing your AmigosPodcast.com shirt. I am. Of which you were a uh, a patron. I am a patron. And therefore, the shirt has your name on it. So it does. I, you know, I'm feeling a little bit uh, underrepresentative here with my lack of credits in the video game world but you know what <laughs> but anyway i just wanted to pour out a little for the for prima games i'm tweeting now darn it i've gotten like five a month i'm working my way up on these social medias <laughs> excellent doing what i can all right well let's open up another beer here right on this one i see is also from a 21st amendment brewery it is called tasty ipa yep now um tasty ipa Go ahead and crack that in the microphone. Oh, listen to that. Perfect. Um, so go ahead and pour that and take a sip so we can get your feedback on it. But yep. I wanted to point out, um, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, made a comment that he, he asked, why does everybody who has a, a video game podcast nowadays have a beer section? And uh, basically I, my explanation was otherwise there would be like five minutes of dead air while we drank beer. Right. So we might as well talk about it while we're drinking. We're going to drink beer regardless. And why not? <laughs> v- video games, good. Beer, good. It's all good. Together. Actually, you know what? This is interesting. Do I have a bottle up there? Ooh, I'll have to find a bottle here. Um, so my buddy and I brewed uh, beer. We we made, of course, we made our own company name and everything, right? And called right. it Hoffman Klaus Brewing. <laughs> uh, yeah, both our last names. And uh, we had two batches that didn't turn out great. We finally made one really good batch. We called it 8-Bit Ale. I'll have oh, to get nice. you the bottle up there. Cool. Um, but that was a while ago. I think we made two or three more successful batches, and then we I kind of gave up on it. I think he still does eat. Cheers. Cheers. And while we take a sip on this, we'll get Eric's feedback here. I can hear your, uh, your swallows in the microphone there. Perfect. All right. What do you think? That's not bad. And, and the story behind this one, because I always have to have a little story behind behind the beer, is that... I do not like IPAs. <laughs> I don't like them. But I do keep an open mind because some people tell me that just like um, like red ales, some red ales are really bad. Some are really good. Really good. I love good red ales, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and one of my favorites that I'm drinking right now these days is that red trolley. I love that one, and that's a red ale. But, so, I, I'm keeping an open mind. I like 21st Amendment Brewery, so I decided to try their IPA here. So, uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, people get way too creative with the 
imaging they put on beer. Yeah. <laughs> what is on this one? I saw it was Have leafy. you not looked at this? This is apparently Benjamin Franklin laying down with topless. His, with his kite. With his kite in a big old pile of hops. And for some reason, two hops are right over his nipples. Yeah. I mean, at least what he's... What on earth? At least he's covering... And his, it's called Tasty IPA. At least he's covering his nipples there. What are they going at here? I have no idea. I do see the alcohol content's pretty good, though. 6.8. Yeah. yeah, this... I mean, I'm... I'm. You, we've talked about this before. I'm in the same boat when it comes to <clears throat> IPAs. And to me, this is, sounds like kind of a straightforward... Um, tastes like a straightforward IPA. This like, one's not bad. It's got a little bit of a floral taste to it. A bouquet. No. <laughs> it's got like... It does have a bit of a... Last the hops, right? Do you... Do, you've had fat tire? Yeah. That's too much for me. Yeah, and I don't like fat tire. I, I think this is a similar flavor profile. It's it just does. less. Exactly. So it's not that bad. I mean, I don't like fat <laughs> tire, but it's not... It's not... It's for not an IPA, some IPAs are so skunky and hoppy, I can't... I can't tolerate those. Yeah. This one's not bad. Yeah. Again, I, I hate to put it that way. It's it's, it's drinkable. It's I wouldn't, drinkable. I wouldn't go for two in a row. I would probably go back for a Sully. Yep. You uh, like the Sully. It was good. Yeah. It was solid. Yeah. Um, If we had to put a rating on them, I'd give it, I'd give it a give it a good C plus on the Sully. Yep. Which, you know, Mexican pass. style lager. That's... Yeah. It's a pass. Yeah. So. What'd you, what would you give the IPA? I'm with you on this. I'm trying to. I'm trying to learn to like them. Now, Twenty First Amendment has the one that I like a lot. There's an IPA they make, and it's I believe it's summer only. Okay. And I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's it's actually very hoppy, but also very light, and that combination works for me. Have you had their uh, watermelon one? I have. It's okay. Yeah, I I kind of like it. My neighbor hates it. My fruit wife forward, hates it. Fruit forward is hard for me. Yeah, my wife hates it. My neighbor hates it. But they, my neighbor has a friend who brings it over all the time, and so there's always some in their fridge, and so I'll drink it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I you're it's not one I'd go buy myself. I did before. Yeah. And then I tried it, and I was like, it's not bad, but I wouldn't buy it normally for myself. But it's not bad. All right. All right. Well, it might not be news to you, but it's news to us. All right. Well, like I said, I don't have a whole lot of news to me. I didn't either. And and we, we're, I think you and me can both make the same lame uh, excuse that we just didn't have a lot of time this month because yep. I know I didn't. Usually this stuff just falls in my lap. So this time I, I went searching for a few things. So this will be pretty short. Yep. And there's a few things I actually forgot last time we talked. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with mine. I think mine is a little longer than yours here. But Okay. Um, Again, kind of breaking my rule that I don't like to talk about things before they happen. But this one kind of happened. Uh, they did release a, a demo of Limbo being demade for the C64. I saw a video of that, and it looked pretty dang good. Have you played Limbo? I No, I have not. So I did play Limbo a little while ago. It's a game that I'd wanted to play for a while, um, and I finally got around to doing it um, probably six months ago. And uh, I think it was so highly rated because it was kind of a pioneer for that kind of indie style, the whole like dark silhouette thing. Yeah. And it was actually made a really cool story. By the time you got to the end of the story, unfolded, it was really cool. The gameplay itself was actually kind of meh, to be what, honest What with did you. you play it on? PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've wa- I saw, v- when it came out, I saw videos of either the PC version or I don't remember what it was. And I thought it looked 
really good, but I've never played it. I mean, I'd suggest playing it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I'd probably get a seven or eight out of ten. Um, okay. It's, I mean, it does some clever things with the shadow tricks and things like that. It's just, it's, I mean, it's puzzle after puzzle, um, which is fine. Actually, it's funny because I did play it with my uh, daughter in the room a little bit. Yeah. And it's such a black and white game, you wouldn't expect much, but you are this little boy kind of running around, and if you have something drops on you, like your arm gets chopped off and your blood sprays everywhere. Ah. <laughs> I mean, it's shadow blood, but it's still kind of like, whoa. Right. So, and you kind of forget that if you don't die for a while and then something happens, you always go, like, whoa, that's right. Um, but anyways, the game is kind of known for the big spider in the beginning. These big spider legs that come out from behind a tree. And, and they like kind of tap down at you. Yep. So if you watch a video of it, I'm not giving anything away. People either played this game or they haven't at this point. And it's one of the first quote unquote bosses you play. But you kind of take these little bear traps and push it underneath the spider's legs so that when it stabs at you, it hits a bear trap. That's what I saw in this, the 64 version. And yep. like, and I noticed that when the boy goes behind shadows, all you see is, are his eyes. Yep. It's very faithful to the actual okay. game and the pacing and everything looks great. Yeah. So actually in this case, I wouldn't even call it a demake. I mean, it's a port. Yeah. But I just, and I don't like ports because you can do something better with your time, but this one is pretty impressive to me Yeah. because they're not porting, you know, from the Commodore to the Spectrum. They're porting from, yeah. Well, it's a demake because <laughs> the, res the resolution is so much. The resolution and it's very, but it's also very, um. What uh, physics based? Yeah, the whole game is very physics based, so it looks good on the C sixty four. Without playing, I don't know how much of the physics they're able to put in there, but if they are, that's cool. They need to sell that with the portal version in a pack. There you go, like a twenty dollar pack or something for both of those. I want to. I would love to. I would buy cartridges of these games if I could. Yeah. The problem I had, I did try to buy some of the Cytronics releases. They put mm -hmm. them on floppies. Yeah. And uh, I did try to buy some. Um, a couple of years ago at this point and I just told them straight up I'm like you don't have a floppy drive so I don't have a floppy drive but I want to own the copies and then they also give you a digital download yep um, but the shipping was just so astronomical that I just couldn't pull the trigger I even talked to them and I said because I checked the shipping the, or the um, what do you call it conversion rates between pounds and dollars and it was off for some reason it was way off and I don't know. I just couldn't pull the trigger. There was a game I really wanted, and uh, the only way to get it in physical format was on tape. And I, I, got, I bought it. I don't remember the game right now off the top of my head, but I got the tape, but it came with a digital download. So I, I was played it Monsters and Mayhem? Or May Mayhem or whatever? Was it Monsterland? No, it wasn't that one, no. Which, what's that called? I should know that. It's Monsters and... Wait. Mayhem? Monster? Mayhem. No, Mayhem and Monsterland. <laughs> okay, they, see? That's it. Yeah, there you go. Mayhem and Monsterland. That's a good game. I played some of it. I want to. I want to sit down and dig through that one. By the way, I so with the Ultimate sixty four, which is really awesome. You know, one thing it plays super well is Sam's Journey, which I can't play. Which you. That's why you need this because it's so smooth. When it because you have to flip the discs a lot. You have to swap the discs. Okay. But with the Ultimate sixty, with the Ultimate fifteen forty one built in, you just hit a little button on the back, and it just jumps you right in. And that's you awesome. Pick the disc and you. So I mean, it, it's the ultimate Sam's Journey machine. Yeah, I need to get one. I need to get one. Um, a couple other things. Uh, again, it's funny. I keep bringing up ports, even though that's not my thing. Uh, the reason I brought this one up is, have you ever played Power Blade on the Nintendo? Yes. Oh, you have? Okay. I have. It's kind of this like over-the-top 80s mm -hmm. badass guy throwing it, it's metal been a, boomerangs and punching it's, bullets. And... It's been a long time, but um, 
but I did play that. So they're they're porting it to the ZX Spectrum. Uh, ZX Spectrum. ZX Looking me correcting myself. We because have, I'm about to be the proud owner of one. We have UK listeners, so it's we do. Zed. Although I have to say, I went on uh, our our metadata there, and our USA listenership is is outpacing them lately. Yeah, unfortunately. So over there in UK land, if you guys could represent, and tell your buddies. Let's right. get the numbers back to where they should be. We have to drink more British ale. That's the that's the problem. Is that what the problem was? We're we drinking all the... these U.S. breweries. Yeah, we are now. That's well, that's a Mexican lager. So let's see if our our Mexican <laughs> listenership will increase. Um, so it's coming out to the Z, the ZX Spectrum 128K, which I have now. The reason I bring that up is because I watched a little playthrough video of some of this. It did not sound like a Spectrum at all. The 128K has like a legit, uh, a legit sound chip, doesn't it? It does. Okay. Yep. I mean, it has one that's, you know, better than the one that comes on the 16K model. It sounded very much like an NES. Uh, I'm gonna sound take notes to though. Me. I'm gonna take notes here because I, uh, that's Power Blade. Power Blade. How many, how many uh, squares with lines next to them are you putting on that one? It's gonna get two. Two, two squares with lines. Yep. A barbell. Hey, what? By the way, this is a little off topic. A little personal here, but what what was the game for the ZX Spectrum we talked about that one time that you had looked at? Was that Power Mages? Or I'm not sure which time you're talking about. One of our podcasts we were talking about it. I'm going to have to look back through our notes because I, I need to have a ZX Spectrum day where I boot mine up and play some of these games. God, I can't remember. Something with Mages. Well, we, the, we were talking about an NES game that was being released where you're, I want to say Mages jumping up a, it's almost okay. like a tower fall in reverse kind of a thing. Maybe that's what I'm confusing it with. Nah, no, no. It might be. All right, Power Blade, though. I'm going to go get that. Yeah. Is it, it looks, out yet? It looks really cool. I uh, know it says it's coming. Okay. Um, But again, it's, it's surprising me because when I see the ZX Spectrum colors and the screen, the color clash. Yeah. It just, cause that, since I haven't really played one, it's hard for me to mentally translate how fluid the action can be in a game like that when the graphics look the way they do. Yeah. Because I see that those stills and i think like vic 20 that's where my mind goes like they're going to be stilted like really jerky but then i was watching this thing and it's pretty fluid like it looks looks pretty clean there's a couple of showcase games on the zx spectrum which show that it can be like r type like if you play r type on zx spectrum Mm -hmm. it's it's really cool and it's a lot of fun smooth high action my favorite game on the zx spectrum is jetpack and i've played that that's the one game i've played i think you and, on your 128k yeah and it has color clash all that all the all that but it's still it's so much fun but i love the noises yep the firing is like yeah <laughs> i like that i think it's oh i do neat. too i actually really do um that's why i was surprised to hear the uh the power blade music and the sound effects and like, it sounds like an nes yeah because the plus still two, not c64 sorry guys exactly but it's i want to an nes it, i think it's it's the yamaha chip i think isn't it in the mm, ZX Spectrum? I don't know. I think it is. I might be wrong. But anyway, it's good. It's a good chip. Not as good as the SID on the 64, but it's pretty good. Oh, we talked about that. They considered putting an emulated SID in there in the FPGA, I believe. It, for the next? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was shot down. I think there was a lot of controversy. Yeah. Half people loved it. Half people didn't. I'm hmm. not sure. Um. Another one I saw, again, on Indie Retro News, my favorite website for Indie Retro News. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. La Sims or La Sims Legacy. Hmm. Um, it's an isometric RPG. So okay. You, so you know it's British. It's isometric. Right. Um, we'll talk about that later, too. 
But the cool thing about this one, it's a new game being made for the Atari Lynx. I haven't heard of any games being made for the Atari Lynx before. No, I've heard of some Jag, and the British say this, Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar or Jaguar? They jaguar. say Jaguar. Mm-hmm. But jag- I say Jaguar. I, I don't jag- know. I just straight American. It's Jaguar. Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> okay. Jaguar. Um, no, I haven't heard of that. So for the Lynx. Yeah, I mean, it looked really cool. Uh, the gameplays showed him like walking around this uh, RPG area with chests and opening chests and getting loot and finding a key and opening a door and going to different areas. Do you have a Full Lynx? Full color. Uh, not yet, but there's a few on Goodwill waiting for me. Are they really? <laughs> I'm going to get on there. Hey, delay I've, this one by two weeks. <laughs> I keep seeing them on there, actually. Don't post this podcast there's, for two weeks. There's two versions of the Lynx. Um, the original one goes a lot cheaper than the Model 2. Have you looked into them at all? Yeah. I So I bought my ColecoVision from a guy in Davis, and he was selling a Lynx lot, and he had it in a box in the car. Uh-huh. And so I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I just don't want to. He, he wanted a lot for it. Oh, he's going to sell it to you, like, right there on the spot? Right there in the parking lot. He was just going to sell it to me. And I didn't know if it worked, and he's it wasn't charged. Uh, so I was like, no. Not yeah, from the money he wanted. Red flags, yeah. There was, like, there was like probably eight games with it. Well, that's where you got to throw out a number. You're like, well, we're already here. If you want me to put a number, here's the number, blah. Well, I had never bites. taken the links apart, so I didn't. I wasn't confident in my ability to fix it if it was not working. And I didn't know yeah. this guy. So. Gotcha. Anyways, that Model 1 is seems really, the buttons seem awkward and out of the way, and it's kind of scarce looking, where the Model 2 just cleans it up, and it looks more like a, a commercial product. <laughs> the first one almost looks like a prototype. Yeah. Um, so I really don't know the differences. I do know I want the Model 2 just because it looks better, and I'm sure they did some improvements. Um, but the Model 1 may be a better machine. I don't really know, yeah. to be honest. Speaking of differences, did you ever get that upgraded uh, Game Boy Advance yet? How's that? I going? have been trying to do that. So yeah, yeah you get that. listeners, if you <laughs> <laughs> that became an obsession of mine for like three weeks, and I'm trying not to overspend. I almost dropped like ninety bucks on one. Yeah, and I'm told myself, no, I can't just cave in because I want it. Um, but yeah, if you guys listened to the last episode, Eric and I pulled out our Game Boy Advances while we were talking about some six good Game Boy Advance games. That's right. And I made the mistake of looking at his after looking at mine. I'm just like, what is this? Only to realize it is the AG101 version rather than the AG001 version, which is I have. And Eric was under the impression that it's a little bit brighter. It's not a little bit brighter. It is. I was shocked by the change. I I had never seen it. Well, if people say bright, you're giving an understatement because. It's not even the brightness. It's crisp. Compared to mine, mine looks washed out. I mean, I was never. It's one of those grass is greener things. I never had a problem with mine until I saw yours. But mine looks, the colors looked washed out. They look kind of separated. And yours looks to me almost, I, I described it as kind of looking, the difference between a PSP screen and a Vita OLED screen. Like they just looked clear. The darks were dark. The contrasts were different. The colors were punchy. Everything was kind of cohesive. Well, you know, I have an original Game Boy Advance that's not the clamshell. Yeah, with no backlight. And with no backlight. And it was more similar to that than the one I have. Yeah, it looks like that, but with sunlight. Right. And so I, I, I didn't know there was a difference, or that big of a difference. I knew there was a difference. I didn't know it was that big of a difference. So I've been searching, and I lost a few auctions. Yeah. I've, I've lost tried a, like yeah, I've five, lost a few lately. Five or six trying to get that thing. 
And again, I almost did a buy it now just to get my hands on one, but I can't. I need to. I have to get a deal. You have to score to the deal. Yep, I have to get a deal. Otherwise, if I bought everything I wanted, this room, which is already overflowing with stuff, would be ridiculous. So I've been having the worst luck with auctions lately. I, I mean, I've, I've participated in probably three or four since our last podcast, and I've lost every one of them. Shoot. I know you're looking for a, a, a was it in television or ColecoVision? Either, um, either one. Actually, I'd, I'd get either one. Yeah, I picked both those up at, uh, well, Toys R Us, rest your soul. Um, <laughs> rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> I think I picked those up for like 12 bucks each when they were yeah. blowing them out you know, in summer. Yeah. And of course, they brought it, them right back in a few months later for Christmas again. But yeah, I was glad I snagged those. Yeah. Um, all right. So anyways, Lassim's Legacy. Okay. Uh, on a similar vein... It looks like another game, which I can show you on the computer behind me here. Invasion 1984, which is my birth year. Um, really? So a new oh, it's so depressing to me. <laughs> it's a new shoot-em-up announced for the Game Boy. 84 was... Uh, did you know that 84 was the first year that I touched a... No, no. 83 was the first year I touched a computer. But 84, I was in junior high school. Oh, okay. Well, I got a <laughs> screenshot of it here for you. Okay. Wow. But, that looks uh, pretty good. It almost looks like... Have you played Life Force or Salamander? Yeah, absolutely. Played them a lot. So you can kind of see... Horizontal, this guy, he's got like a whole level layout here behind me now. So what was what was this game again? It's uh, called Invasion 1984. On what? Game Boy. Oh, on the original Game Boy. I was going to say, that looks like Game yeah, Boy you, graphics. You can't tell by the, uh, what, Monarch, the, uh, the lime and, and green, or lime and black. Wow. So you got that? Or it came out. No, it's That's coming. News. Out. This is news. News to me. I'd like if if it. Came, I think it. They made a mock up of it in a cartridge with a Game Boy box. And if it comes out for sale, I will pick that up. You have an original Game Boy, right? Yeah. And you also have yep. and a pocket. And you also have the adapter for your SNES, right? Yes. See, I, I have nothing. Oh, really, for standard Game Boy stuff. Standard Game Boy stuff. Well, those are twenty bucks all day long. Yeah, I need to. I want to get one. I I've toyed around with getting one for music, like with the chip tunes. Uh, okay. It has, comes up with that DJ something. I've heard of that, yeah. Um, with uh, Game Boy that's modded for stereo sound. <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty popular thing. Is if you it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it has like a, vol a volume knob installed. Well, let me, I'm going to put a, two squares with a line between them. Exactly. Use of, in, of interest. I'm going to write DJ Game Boy stereo sound. Yep. Look, they're all over eBay. People mod them. They'll paint the Game Boy's orange and stuff, they'll make them look all crazy and, like, DJs use them on their sets, like, uh, for live music. Really? So they'll play, like, a... I God, I can't remember the name of the... It's, like, DJ something is the name of the software. It comes on a cartridge. You pop it in. It's got a tracker, so you can, like, write music. Yeah. You can play live music with it. Uh, it's a big deal on the Game Boy. Yeah, it's funny, too, because a lot of people don't realize the Game Boy sound chip is better than the NES. Yeah. So it's actually a really good sound chip. Unfortunately, the actual gameplay on the on the Game Boy is typically subpar to the NES, just because it doesn't have as much real estate. But yeah. Anyways, um, somebody made a, a a hack for Super Mario Brothers. And now you can actually play two players at the same time. I did hear that somewhere, <laughs> but that sounds interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah, I mean that's you always. No one ever played two uh, two player Mario Brothers because it was just one after the other. Or if you did, you were waiting forever. You fell down a hole, cursed, and then waited twenty minutes while your buddy who was better than you played for. 
that's me and my wife. Yeah. Like she plays for, you know, 45 minutes and then I play. She's for, in the snow world. And then you're like, all right, I will start level two. I play five minutes <laughs> or, or five seconds sometimes. And then she's playing for another long period of time. So no, the two player one is useless in the original. Yeah. So it's cool. They got that yeah. work in. That's a cool concept. This is one I was going to bring up last time. And again, it's not news at this point, but it's news to us. Um, arcade one up. These are the guys that make mm-hmm. the three-quarter scale I've seen them, yeah. arcade machine. And I actually got to see some. In person? Mm-hmm. Where? Fry's. Really? They have them there. Fry's okay. had a couple in the front. How do they look? I'm very curious. They, um, I think they look pretty good. I know a lot of people online are, you know, God, you go on the internet these days and just everything is negative. Everything is negative. They, they, let's, they, you know, they're not perfect. But they look pretty good. I mean, I'm sure they're a flat panel. There's a flat panel in there's there. A flat, which... There's flat panel. It's not a CRT. No. It's flat panel. Um, I think they did a good job on the graphics. They're all licensed graphics on the sides. So, yeah. I mean, they're not exact replicas because they're multiple games. Yeah. But they're taken from the originals. How so, does the size feel? Small. But you, can, you can okay. buy a pedestal, and they had them at Fry's. You can buy a pedestal that you put it up on, and it becomes a full-size one. Or, or the right height. Full height, yeah. The right height, not width, but the right height. Um, controls feel good. I'm sure. I mean, controls are kind of standard now. Yeah. The, the one I, there was one there that had the trackball because it was a centipede one. Yeah. So it had missile command, centipede. Um, I didn't touch it because I'm a little grossed out by public <laughs> things like that. Um, All right, Howie Mandel. Yeah, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'll go to I'll go to arcades and play stuff, but I mean, but I I'm wearing in, gloves. I was in fries. I mean, every little <laughs> scrub, scrub rat walks in there and is touching these things. Um, it looked. I think it looks good. Now I have seen online where, like, uh, there'll be these ones that are on demonstration in a store, and the graphics have rubbed off, kind of like you remember the old. Oh, really? Yeah. So. I don't know, you know, the, yeah, the graphics where your wrists le- lay on the, you know, on the yeah. top of the machine. The the size doesn't bother me. I mean, you could get a stool and sit down. They're almost like those um, candy machines, you know, the... the yeah, the, can- the egrets or the, yeah, the yeah. candy cabs from Japan. Yeah, which I love. I'd love to have a candy cab at home. Sit down, yeah. just play those games. Uh, so the size doesn't bother me. I do... I, they didn't have a Street Fighter one, which I want to see because I want to see how far the two sides are apart from each other. Oh, so you're, the one you played was single player. It was. Well, it, it was the trackball. It was one. the trackball one. Yeah. So uh, Which is super cool, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, to catch other people up, um, there are four of these, and I will list them off here, and I'll get your opinions on one. Yeah. So there is the asteroids cab, and they kind of primarily have the, a main game is kind of prominently displayed on them, mm-hmm. and they show two or three other below it, kind of um, on right. the body. It looked like. Yep. So the Asteroids cabinet comes with Major Havoc, which I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what that is. Uh, Lunar, Sounds cool. Lunar Lander and Tempest. And I'm all about Tempest. Tempest is great. That's, In my opinion, that's the one I'd be playing the most on that cabinet. Tempest is great. And, and I will, Asteroids is one of my favorites from when I was a kid. Is it? Yeah. Asteroids is one of those ones that um, I guess I was just kind of born a little too late for that one to click with me. It always felt archaic. Yeah, so well, I never had a, a a decent appreciation for that game. A small side story on Asteroids, which you know, Gaiden, you know, yeah, side a, story, a Gaiden, yes. So, <laughs> you know the Roseville auction. 
I do not, but I want to go now that you mentioned that. You've never been to the Roseville Farmer's Auction? Denials? Yeah, Denials. Well, I've never been to the auction part of it. Okay. I've been to the, uh, I just call it the flea market. Or yeah, the, or the flea the, market. Yeah. Yep. We used to go there at least once a month when I was a kid. My family would go. And do you know the, there's like an, there's like a, almost a barn kind of thing yeah. that's inside. So when it was raining, you could go in there and there was like vegetables being sold or whatever. There was arcade machines back in the day. So like in the 80s, there was arcade machines in there, like three or four of them. One was one was Asteroids. So I'd go up there and you could look in the coin slot and there would be quarters stuck in there that you could see that were stuck. Hmm. And if you hit it with your fist, a quarter would drop in and a credit would be given. <laughs> so I would. So my I tell my parents, hey, I'm going to go over here and I'll meet you over here later. And they would be like, fine, whatever. So I'd go in there and I'd play asteroids. Every time I went, there were quarters stuck in there, and I would play for, <laughs> I would play for free. So I loved. It. I got That's I got awesome. this big fond appreciation for asteroids from that. So That's cool. Anyway, <laughs> was it an asteroids deluxe with the background? It wasn't. Huh. It was just asteroids. Doesn't seem cool. Asteroids deluxe. I fell in love with when I built that meme, my bar top. Yeah. Because I found I discovered it. I never played it, and I was like, this is a, this is awesome. Very cool. Anyway. Well, that's one. Here's the second one. Okay. Wait, what? What <laughs> are the games? Take a while. So it was Major Havoc, Asteroids, Lunar Lander, and Tempest. Lunar Lander. See, it's funny. I actually enjoy Lunar Lander. I I love definitely not action packed. I loved it on Vic. So the Vic Twenty. It's one. It's of a the, good computer game. You're it, right. It's one of the killer games on the Vic Twenty. Okay, and I've got actually. Uh, you can see Moonlander right there for yeah. my for my Vectrix. Yeah, and it's a really cool game to play. I mean. You can't play a ton of it, but I love it playing every once in a while. When you get your uh, 64, like when you start really playing and finding games, there's a game called Space Taxi. For the 64? Yep. Oh, I played a ton of 64, but but I haven't played Space Taxi. Oh, Space Taxi. Because there are literally hundreds of thousands of games on that system. It's got Jupiter Lander kind of feel to it. Okay. But you're a little tiny Space Taxi and you have to pick people up from platforms. I'm writing that down with the little handlebar. Yep. (laughs) I, I, I love that game. Love it. Barbell. Space Taxi. Two and squares. It, it's got voice synthesizer in it, too. So it's like, hey, taxi. And you have to come. And it's like, up, oh, please. And you go through the little Standard door. Standard C64 can do that? Yep. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next machine was Rampage. Yep. Which I do enjoy Rampage. With Gauntlet, Joust, and Defender. That would be a good one. That is good. Defender is one that's escaped me as well. I've never enjoyed that type of gameplay, but... Rampage is fun. Gauntlet is awesome with a few people. Gauntlet's a blast. And Joust is a classic. So in that list, Defender's probably my least favorite. And it's not a bad game, but I was never, I was really bad at it. I just, it was a quarter muncher. I don't know what it was about that. That just didn't work for me. Um, I'm going to save my favorite for last. Street Fighter 2 is the next one, Champion Edition. Now this one confuses me because the three games included here, Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition is the headliner. Followed by Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And the final one is Street Fighter 2 The New Challengers. So you get three Street Fighter 2s. I thought it came with more than that. I thought it came with five of them. That's five, what, two more Street Fighter 2s? Mm-hmm. So, like the, I thought it came with the original Street Fighter 2, which is just Street Fighter 2. No. And I thought it... According to this, no, but... Okay. I don't know. My my point is it's a whole bunch of Street Fighter twos, which I'm sure there's differences. There but... are differences. Like the turbo, it's it's much different. <laughs> it's much faster. Faster, yes, but it's the same game. 
Yeah, but playing faster, it is. It's a different game when it's faster. That one kills. I, I'm not a fighting fan to begin with. As, I love Street you, Fighter too, as you guys know. But um, it's hard for me to to swallow three of the same game from my perspective. New challengers, I'm sure, is has a couple more people. Yeah, neat. More more moves to memorize. Nope. Anyways, my favorite, and I'll ask your favorite later, Centipede, with Missile Command, Crystal Castles, and Millipede. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a trackball game. So they get, they're all trackball games. They have the trackball built in. That, to me, is what's just flipping cool about that. Yeah. Um, the- I, I never had a trackball accessory for any of my consoles. So I, it would be fun to have a trackball. Like, I, I, I always thought about building one into my, my bar top. Yep. I think they're about 50 bucks for trackball. Yeah, that's not Arcade bad. Arcade quality trackball. And the, the mini they pack. They take up a lot of real estate. Yeah, the mini pack, which is the little uh, encoder that yeah. I have installed inside yep. of my, it supports a trackball. Yep. So I it would, wouldn't be, it would be trivial to hook it up, but it takes up, you'd have to put a. You can, it'd almost be worth it for you just to build an adder that you put in front of your barcade with just a trackball in it. You plug it in for those games. Just a big box with yeah. a trackball in it that just plugs a wire yeah. in it. I it think... wouldn't look pretty, but it just feel good for those games yep. and then put it away. You can make a little slick port on the side or something to just plug it into the port. Oh, mine's not here anymore. I was going to say, yeah, mine, the way I did mine, I used a, uh, a, uh, wall outlet cover plate. Oh, and I have a, an on off switch on the bottom to turn the power on and off to the whole main cabinet. And then the top has two USBs, which inside just connect to two USBs on the Pi. Yeah. So I can just plug whatever I want from plug that side. Plug a controller in or yeah. whatever, a keyboard, whatever. Or a trackball. Yeah. So, anyways. Cool. Um, so the cool thing about those, we didn't get to the main point of this whole thing. If you don't know, they are two ninety nine ninety nine. They're 300 bucks for you to have a three-quarter size arcade machine in your house, which to a lot of people, a full size is ridiculous. Three quarters is doable it's a livable thing yeah now the thing is i want i want to know how these things actually run i don't know what's in there running them because the first thing we're going to want to do is add games right <laughs> let's be honest well with the announcement of those a company a pretty well-known company was offering the same size one with 60 games in it that was just one machine well yeah because they have the the board that's a 60 in one right yeah, a Jamma board. board that the Jamma board that's sixty and one. So if somebody can make the three quarter arcade machine, yep, and just make it Jamma compatible, then you can put whatever you want in it. That'd yep. be awesome. Yeah, and I'd probably honestly buy one, even though we can make our own. Yeah, the the cost to make one is probably close to that for a full for a three quarter size. Yeah, I think my main machine, after I and mean, it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I actually went out and got laminate and glued it on there and cut it and routed it and. I did mine entirely by hand, which was, I'm proud of, but um, cost-wise, it wouldn't be that much more for something nicer like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a budget of $200 for mine, and I, I did it for 200 bucks. Yeah. Raspberry Pi, mini pack, LCD, wood, um, you know, just pretty basic. You've seen mine. Yep. Yep. I think ours are both actually very similar. Um, cool. Moving on to my, uh, do you have any more news over there? I have a ton. I have three things. A ton? And by a ton, you mean three? So uh, yeah, I meant three. <laughs> news, news to us, a ton to Eric means three. That's right. A couple means one, and a few apparently is two. And I have one thing that'll probably take a while to talk about. <laughs> well, what do you got? What's your news? All right, so let's do the quick ones first. So I found- I think one uh, of them I, caught, I have as well, by the way. 
You have what? I have one more on here, and I think you're about to cover it, but go for it. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't know. Get there. Okay, so I saw on the Indie Retro News site, the uh, there is a Cherry MX keyboard for the Amiga. And the reason I bring that up for me is that the Amiga is one of the machines I use almost every day because I call BBSs with it. But I play a ton of games on it, too, and the Amigos podcast kind of spearheads me into games like they'll review a game and if it's good i just boot it up and try it out and i love my amiga and, and my amiga 1200 i recapped i i clean it i i mean i keep that machine is like my modern day pc like i play it every day almost i turn hmm. it on so this is called the kipper 2k and it's a cherry mx keyboard that you just install it's basically the circuit board for the keys so it just is a direct replacement inside of the amiga so can you tell by looking at my face, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you? What does Cherry MX mean? It's mecha- it's the mechanical keyboards. Okay. So you know how you have the regular keyboard on the Amiga? This gives you the clicky mechanical keyboards. You've seen you've seen the mechanical keyboards, right? I, you know, I've heard about this a lot lately. I, yeah. I thought that was a mechanical keyboard. Is no, that... no. So these are okay. tactile switches that are inside. They're like micro-switched individually. They're, exactly. Every single key is a micro-switch. Okay. But their claim to fame is that they're very clicky, so you get a really good feel for the keyboard as you're typing on it. Um, it's so a, not like the ZX Spectrum. Exactly. <laughs> Horrible keyboard. Yeah. Not like the ZX you Spectrum. You bite your tongue. Anyway, I thought that was neat. I'll never get one because they're too expensive. But the, it's pretty neat that they're coming out with... I mean, this is a modern day... So essentially, you can turn your Amiga into a mechanical... I mean, let's say the Amiga was your favorite system and you got an Amiga that the key, the keyboard circuit board is worn out or, or whatever. You can just go get one of these, pop the keycaps on it, and you have a mechanical keyboard that Hmm. is very clicky. So I thought that was pretty neat. That is cool. Yeah. Um, The other thing, the quick thing is I did see on 8bitcentral.com that... I don't know what that is. I need to look that up. Yeah, it's a pretty good website. Um... What is that company that has the uh, games that they release in uh, in hardware format, um, like cartridges? Um, do you know what we talked about it last podcast? You're talking about like a limited run? Limited run. Yeah, for like the modern systems. So they're, they are releasing a PS2 HDMI cable. I, okay, yeah, I saw that. So basically you just plug it in HDMI, you plug in your PS2, and it's on HDMI. No converter boxes. It is nice. just a cable. How much is that going for? Uh, it was thirty bucks. You say it was? Is it still for available? It it's is still lim- available. It it is this is this isn't like their limited run. Okay. This is like uh, this is thirty bucks, which, as you know, that's pretty cheap for something to plug into one of the old machines and it looks good on HDMI. Whoa! So I could play Okami on my PlayStation Two in HDMI. Oh wait, I've got Okami HD. That's right. <laughs> but you could. But I could do it. And supposedly what I was reading is it looks really good. Um, nobody has a complaint other than um, like the aspect ratio looks weird on a widescreen TV. Oh, yeah, because it's still four by three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So I thought the last one? So last one, I think this is the one we, we need to discuss is the, maybe, maybe not. The list came out for yep. the PS1 classic. And I have the whole thing right here in front so of me. So do I. And I printed <laughs> one out for you just case, so we could talk. I think we have it in the same order too. Well, let's go every it. other. You go first. Go. Well, let's let, let's <laughs> talk about these because I I didn't I haven't some of these are unfamiliar to me. So let's talk about these. Okay. <clears throat> Battle Arena Toshinden. Toshinden. That is a game I had back in the day. 
Is it? Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. It is a fun fighting game. So it's a 3D kind of virtual Which fighter. Which to me doesn't make sense. Fun and fighting. Ah, oh, come on. There's going to no, be one you like. See, the problem is you have to have friends to play fighting games. You Eric. do. Because you get quickly <laughs> bored with the computer. Yeah. But we're okay. going to play we're going to play some cuz uh sure. I love fighting games but I'm not good at them. So you you'll you'll I'm not going to like overwhelm <laughs> you. Street Fighter 2 is about the only one I'm good at. All right. And everything else I'm horrible at but I like to play them. So. Gotcha. Well, I I'm not going to turn down any gaming at all, but Okay, Cool Borders 2. So I did play um I played 1080 on the Nintendo 64, which is an older mm-hmm. so This is newer than that, Cool Borders. But did you ever play the Cool Borders series? Not specifically, no. Me either. But I did see the graphics on that, and it looks pretty good. I just, downhill snowboarding just is fun. It's a great arcade mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So I, I guess I can get behind. I'm not particularly excited about that, but I can get I can get behind that. Destruction Derby is right up my alley. Yeah, I love Destruction <laughs> Derby. So you played Driver. I've actually played Destruction Derby. So have I. I haven't played Driver. And I actually, you know, and me, I love the burned games and the, you know, <laughs> the copies. Yeah. I have a I have a original copy of Destruction Derby. So the only time I played Destruction Derby is on my PC when I was younger. It was a demo disc. Oh, okay. So I played. The so you're same... playing on PlayStation? No, I only played a PC version of one level over and over and over and over and over again. And the only thing I remember about the demo, and it might have been so early that it wasn't reminiscent of the actual product, is it started out really fun, and then it got to the point where it's like 20 minutes in, and you can't do enough damage to each other to finish the game. <laughs> See, I remember playing it right. I played it. I had it with Driver back in the day. Okay. And Driver. I I hated the single player campaign, which was the okay. whole thing with Driver. I would just go into like the a la carte mode where you were just driving around the city. Okay. And I loved that. I loved just driving just around, exploring around, and doing jumps, crashing into things. I loved that part of it. And in that mode, you could hit a cop and then drive off, and the cops would chase you, and it would be how long can you stay free before the cops rammed into you and took you out took you out it's kind of like uh yeah grand theft auto with just the car scenes exactly yeah. and so i played driver a lot but the point is destruction derby i think has a similar engine so it was all like i'm sure it's probably if it was packaged together like that uh, yeah yeah it's probably the same engine so i i, I got really into carmageddon back then oh carmageddon's on pc one. yeah which was just carnage me being yeah <laughs> me being a, a immature little young brat so r- running over people people and cows Destruction Derby is a thumbs up, then. I'm lukewarm on everything. So far, we're at Battle, Battle Arena, not interested. Cool Borders and Destruction Derby, lukewarm. Okay. That's my honest opinion. Final Fantasy VII. This is, I'm sure this is one of their big titles they're stoked about because everyone says this is like the best Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, I played it. Or I tried to start playing it like a year ago, mm-hmm. and it just felt too archaic to continue. Okay. But I'm sure it's a good story and all that. The thing with this is I I have Final Fantasy VII, the original discs, because it came in the double disc yep. kind of, you know. And uh, I, I did not play it back in the day. I wasn't in RPGs back way back in the day. Um, I bought it recently and I started it, but the lack of save states... Mm. prevented me from playing because i'd play for 45 minutes and it couldn't stop and can't get to a safe state but i gotta go to work because i'm an adult so i basically well, that's your first problem i had to turn it off and go all the way back so with this classic mini and with the save states i'm kind of interested in trying it again okay 
So cool. I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know if it'll be any good or not, but I'm going to give it a shot. So this next one I mentioned on the podcast, I actually really want to try the original Grand Theft Auto. Yep. Because it's top down. Yep. It feels like everything I love about Grand Theft Auto without the kind of boring running in between stuff. It seems like it's just more action packed. Yep. 2D top down. The top down. And I, I've, I've always loved top down car games. Have you played supercars on the Amiga? No. Uh, supercars. I, is, is the Amiga awesome. is one I have probably played the least and I need to dig into it. Oh, yeah. Um, see, I think you'll love Amiga games. I'm I mean, sure. you love Genesis, right? I mean, do you love the games on the Sega Genesis? Yes. Do you? We talked about that kind of last time. My, my big issue with the Genesis is not the games, it's the controller. Right, and so you don't have to worry about that on the media. You pick whatever controller you want. Nine, he, as, long as, as long as it doesn't have more than one button. <laughs> yeah, but that's... I mean, you still can pick whatever you want. Uh, that's been, honestly been my biggest point to bear, uh, entry, buried entry. I can't talk. I look at the Amiga. I get excited. I see the games. They look Super Nintendo Genesis-esque. I get excited, and then I remember there's one button. Yeah, I'm but like, you know... How? My favorite how? game... One button. My favorite Amiga game is Cannon Fodder. Doesn't use a joystick. That's true. So what I have played on the Amiga... Yeah, just, I'll tell you right now. I played all the way through Monkey Island because I've never played that before. Oh, that's a good one. That was fun. And I did. I cheated a bunch. It wasn't oh, sure. Whatever. Who does? I wanted to see the whole game. Yeah. So and there's stuff in that game that you would never do. I can't remember exactly, but it's like, why would I throw a parent into a parent into a fireplace? Well, you have to to get to this next random thing. I don't <laughs> right, know. Right. Right. It's like what the hell? Whatever. Um, but no, the music on that was really cool. It uh, for is. Their, all the Amiga games had a bunch of Calypso music. Oh, Cannon yeah. fodder too. The Never yep. had so much fun. Yeah. Um, I played some Cannon Fodder, and I think I can really get behind that. Oh, Cannon Fodder is a beautiful game. I love it. Um, I've, I've only played... Speedball? I tried, and it, I didn't click yet, but I, I wanted... Speedball 2. I'm not huge. good at it, but it's a great game. Uh, Alien Breed? Alien Breed, you and I tried to do two-player on one time. Um, there's, a, there's a few on there, and we'll, we'll get there eventually, because I know a lot of these games, especially, in, again, in the UK, were huge. Yeah. Um, anyway, we should get back to yeah. this list. <laughs> Intelligent Cube. Does that mean anything to you? Never heard of it before in my life. Nope. Nor Same Jumping here. Flash. Jumping Flash, uh, it's kind of like this archaic 3D platformer. I don't know how to describe it better than imagine if it was like Mario 64, except in, it's all platforming. And when you jump, you jump super high. And your goal is to try to like make it onto that next platformer without missing I don't know. It, it, All right. Well, to me, I'm gonna. I would say thumbs down. Metal Gear Solid is a thumbs up. Yeah. Now here's the deal. I never played the original Metal Gear Solid. I have actually never played a single Metal Gear Solid. Really? Nope. I played. Uh, there was one on PlayStation Two that I played. I don't remember the name of it. Solid Snake <laughs> or one of those. Something. I think that was it. Something like that. But I would. As the. I know the, you can hide under a box. Exactly. <laughs> the the digital archaeologist in me wants to try this Metal Gear Solid as the original and see. Well, the original was on a, the the first Nintendo, right? Oh, Metal Gear, yeah. Metal Gear, yeah. Yeah, Metal Gear, and then Metal Gear Snake's Revenge was the second one, and then yeah. it became Metal Gear Solid, which kind of changed the entire franchise. And that was the first one on the PlayStation One. That 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 was. I believe so. Yes. So I do want to go back. I've never played it. I want to try it out. Yep. Same here. I'm the same. Kind of like when I did um, uh, Resident Evil when they came out with the HD remake. Yeah. I wanted to try it just to try it. And of course, the remake did not have the tank controls. We talked about that. They fixed the tank controls. So I was able to enjoy four or five hours of the game before I decided to stop. 
but I did enjoy it. Hmm. It was good. I need to, I, I got to, uh, everybody puts Resident Evil at the top of their lists and everyone I've played, I just could not get well, into. I'm, I'm sure this one still has the tank controls too, yeah. if it's the original. Yeah. Which I'm sure I haven't actually used, but I can imagine. I mean, tank, left tread, right tread, right? Yeah. Left tread, right tread. So you kind of have to somehow, I don't know how to explain that, but yeah. I do. I, I could <laughs> maneuver not, I, on all the Resident Evils I played. I could not dig. I couldn't gel with the controls. Yeah, so I that would never, kill it for me. Yeah. You're really excited about the next one, though. Yeah, I am. I actually am because the 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 thing is, I've only played this on Game Boy Advance. Okay. So, so what's it called? Mr. Driller. Yep. I would love to play that on the big screen. I played so my first experience with Mr. Driller was on uh, Dreamcast, and it's it's probably Mr. Driller Two. I'm probably sure it's what's. Yeah. I think it's the same game. It's kind of like when they did 400 different versions of Tetris. They just reskinned it over and over and over again. I hope so, because Mr. Driller, you're right. Mr. Driller Two is what I played on Game Boy Advance. So. Oh, okay. I don't know if this is the same, if it's good, but I I I, I love sure the franchise. So yeah. Yep. I'm down with that. Yep. Oddworld. Have you ever played that? Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, specifically. Um, I actually own a copy of it, but I have not played through it. But it is a, uh, the way I understand it, it's a story-driven 2D platformer in this way, like Flashback or those kind of games. Or it's kind of a slower, Prince of Persia. It's okay. kind of a slower. I didn't know it was 2D. More methodical. That's interesting because the PlayStation 1 was all gung-ho for 3D. I didn't know it was a 2D game. I think it's 3D-ish graphics, but it's 2D gameplay. Okay. Oh, that's cool. If I remember correctly. All right. Yep. But kind of in the in that flashback um, Prince of Persia sense where you're kind of gauging how far to go, stop, kind of wait for momentum. Yeah. That kind of a thing. And I guess the story's great. So. Rayman should be a straight-up platformer. Yeah. And uh, I've heard great things about the first Rayman. I've never played this one, though. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to trying that. Yep, that one excites me. Um, that's kind of what the uh, re- remakes were based off of the Legends and the Rayman um, Origins. Um, I know it, Rayman 2 and 3 went 3D and they kind of lost their step. Yeah. Resident Evil, we just talked about that. That is also on here. The director's cut specifically, apparently. Which I don't know the difference. So. Yeah. Uh, Revelations Persona, I'm guessing this is that first Persona game, which we've mentioned before on the show. I think my the first episode I talked about playing Persona 4 and how... It was just so long and drawn out. There's parts I loved about it. The combat, I actually kind of liked the turn-based combat. The story was just, again, school kids, which that's a Japanese thing that... Yeah. That, yeah. If it's a <laughs> lot of storytelling and cutscenes, which seems like that's pretty prevalent with the Persona games, then I probably won't dig it. Yep. So I'm not stoked about that necessarily. Ridge Racer Type 4? I'll, I want to give that a roll. I think I mean there's so many Ridge Racers. I'm sure they're all really good. I I, I'm I, not specifically excited about it, but I have one. I can't remember which one. It's yellow and it's got a double disc tray again. I have the original, um, and I love playing it. So I, I'm looking forward to it. HDMI. I mean, with, with it on a big screen with HDMI, I think that would be pretty pretty sweet, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll play if I if I picked it up, I would play it. I wouldn't buy it for that. Okay. If uh, if this next one is what I think it is, Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo, that is a good game. <laughs> is it? If it's what I think it is, I love it. Yeah, because uh, I, I think I played this a while back. Okay, they yeah, they released it on a lot of systems after this. I have it on the, 
I have it on my 360. I have it on the Saturn. I love it on the Saturn. And it's, yeah, it's kind of a Tetris-style game with uh, Street Fighter guys in the corner. So you can pick your characters, and then the, the parts that, the pieces that fall from the top appear randomly, but within the percentages that your character is. So yeah. Blanca might have a whole, I can't, I don't quote me on this, but Blanca might have a whole bunch of the green stones or whatever yeah. compared to um, Chen Li might have more of these other colors and so you kind of play to your character's strength but it is a puzzle game that you guys are battling each other Yeah. and when you complete bigger and bigger stuff more crap falls on the other person it's just battle back and forth and yep. I love it yeah so I think that's going to be a big win Siphon Filter I have a memory of that I thought I had that back in the day but I don't remember anything about it the only two words that come to mind are green the color green Okay. Feels green to me and horror. Yeah, I like just sci-fi horror maybe. I think I had that or had it for a short time when I was a kid, or not a kid, but when I had the PlayStation One. I I just don't remember much about I it. I don't either. I get the feeling it was kind of like a sci-fi Resident Evil. Okay. Well, but I could be job. completely wrong, and our millions of visitors, uh, listeners, can correct me on that. Tekken Three. That, I like that it. is a fighting game. That yes. is a fighting game, and I had it back in the day, and I I do like it. Neat, good, good game, good <laughs> neat. Game. That is neat, Eric. <laughs> Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. This was a game that was revolutionary for its time, but I don't, I'm not sure if I would be able to play it now. I gotta remember because the the I have a, some Rainbow Six ones on the PC. Yeah, and my son and I will actually play it once in a while, and it's pretty fun. It's like a first person, but you're the squad leader, and so you pause and like command people around right you, well there are at least the modern ones you there are commands for your team but you it's it's a more tactical first person game it's not fast paced you go behind walls you can kind of duck out you know you, you one shot one kill typically more so realistic basically. it's much more yeah. realistic um so i don't know i'll try that out i just feel like that style of game when they're trying to create a realistic situation the fact that it's older doesn't hold up right like if you're, if you're doing a simulation, the newer is going to feel better than the old. Right. Kind of like I can't go back and play Gran Turismo 1. It's like there's I'd have to better simulations it. now than there were right. back then. So. Yeah. And you were saying you really couldn't go back and play Grand Theft Auto 3, right? The th first 3D one? Correct. Just because there's such better better versions. I don't know. See, I think I would try to try to play that because it's kind of the original one. And well, I, I tried. Oh, you did? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like with Resident Evil. Uh, it was on Steam for like 90 cents or something, so I bought it. Yeah. And I ran around for like a half an hour, and I'm like, okay, I got the idea. I can't anymore, though. <laughs> Just a little too archaic. So the next one, Twisted Metal, which is a real travesty because Twisted Metal <laughs> 2 is the best one. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they put the original in here, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't know why. But it, if you look through here, most of these are originals except for like Cool, cool Borders 2. But they, I think all these ones on here are the first playstation release of these games that's probably true yeah yeah because cool borders the first one came out in nintendo 64 is that right i believe so yep yeah and then resident evil 2 could be on here but they picked the first one um yeah a lot of these games and then wild arms which i never played rpg i believe yeah yep i'm willing to look at that now here's that's the here, list here's my hopes and dreams I hope that this is as easy to hack as the Super Nintendo one and the. Yeah, I'm the, sure it will be. If it is, I if so Nintendo I, who are who is super conservative about their copyright and trying to protect people and block them out. If they can't keep people out, 
Sony doesn't give a crap. <laughs> well, here's the only thing. Sony games, are these are going to be ISO images, and they're going to be large. That's true. Because they're CDs, so they're 500 and something megs, right? So there, there's this one, this machine's going to have a lot more RAM than the NES and SNES one. Yeah, it's copy protection might just be space. Yeah, physical ex- space. exactly. But I'm hoping that they'll have a system where you could swap these out and then swap in ones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, because you, you can do that with the the NES and Super NES. You can do, you can remove the old ones, mm-hmm. the ones that are originals that are on there, and you could swap in all the ones you want. But there's so much room on there, you could just put everything. Yeah, which yeah, I've done. Yeah. Um, this one I could see there being a finite limit, like a very like th- they probably just filled it up. Well, yeah. If you think about it, there, it's this is a company that. If you look at the Vita or the PSP or whatever, they're really good at finding proprietary small um, memory cards. Right. So there's a very good chance they found the lowest bidder to fit exactly the gigabyte. That is exactly what I think happened. (laughs) They were like, "Hey, we got 20 games. We're gonna get the exact yep as close to possible because we want to cost reduce this." Yep. So, but I'm okay with swapping it out because I'd swap out half of this list. Right yeah. off the go, without even trying them. I'd swap out half of this. Yep. But at that point, I already have a PlayStation, so who cares? But you don't have one that hooks to HDMI. This is true. And with save states. That is also true. Because uh, I'll tell you, the killer app for me on the SNES and NES Mini is that is the save states. Okay. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's a whole new way of playing for busy adults yeah, with but, lives. But if that was the case, you have a Raspberry Pi. Does the same, yeah. same thing. It's gotta, I don't know. The human mind is a funny thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, Wait, I do make pros and cons. I mean, I want the original controllers. I want save states. I want it on HDMI for just w- flexibility of playing it downstairs instead of up on my CRTs. Yeah. I mean, when you start checking the boxes, these minis are handy. Yeah. You can take them on vacation, too. I still don't own one, so yeah, I, I'm not much to talk. I'm eager to Although, help you oh, hack them up. Yeah, well, like I said, at this point, I think there's enough NES classics out there that are starting to drop in price. I see them everywhere. And so now, I'm going to yeah. buy one used, and that way I don't have to feel bad about supporting Nintendo and the practices they did with this thing. And um, yeah, I'd like to get both of them. I really do want both of them. Yep. But I don't need the boxes and everything. If I can get both of them out the door for $80, bucks, i am I'm happy. Right on. So I'm all about that. That's all my news. Cool. That's all my news. <laughs> Right, this is it, the first $100 Sega Master System Edition. Um, I always do a couple of caveats before I start on these things. Uh, When I collect these games, I collect Sega Master Systems complete in box. Well, at least they have to have the box. I don't have uh, manuals for all of them. Um, For those who haven't heard, uh, this is a segment where I I say you've got uh, $100 to spend right after buying a brand new to you console, in this case, the Sega Master System. You have no games whatsoever, except for what's built into the Master System. We can get to that in a second. And what would I do uh, if I have $100 to spend? What are the games that I would want to get first to fill out my collection and feel like I had a good um, feel for the system? So that's where this comes into play. And systems like the Nintendo, I don't don't collect the boxes. I, I store the games... 
uh, loose on the shelf, uh, Super Nintendo loose on the shelf, Atari loose on the shelf. And then there's games, the CD games, you pretty much have to have complete. Otherwise, it just feels wrong. You can't just have a spindle uh, with the tower of CD games and, and say that's a collection. To me, that just doesn't work for me. I don't care what you guys do. It doesn't work for me. So in this case, my $100 uh, is here to support a collection of games with boxes. Um, and again, with or without instruction manuals. Preferably with. But So that being said... Um, I, I currently own a Sega Master System. This is the uh, Model 1, if you will. And uh, it is the red one that looks like a, um, uh, a kit from Knight Rider. It's the, uh, the black and red Super 80s. Um, pretty cool looking machine, actually. Uh, the top loading cartridge is there. But I also do have the um, card port, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, so let's go ahead and dig right into it. What would I buy if I had no games and I had $100 to spend? Well, my system does have uh, a built-in game. Um, this must have been the one that came with the 3D glasses uh, because it has 3D missile... Oh, shoot, what the, what's the game called? The 3D missile game um, built into it. It's a light gun game where you put on the glasses and everything looks 3D. Um, I know there's a lot of systems have the snail maze game where you're a snail and you literally just kind of go through a maze. It's not a great game. When I was a kid, my buddy had that, and uh, I remember him being excited because he had a, a game built into the system when he showed it to me. I was not impressed. Um, that being said, when I grew up, I actually had a Sega Master System 2. Now, uh, it was technically a cheaper unit, but it was rounded. It was kind of more of the era. Um, I think it came out early 90s, in 1990 or maybe 91. Um, I, I believe after the Genesis was out. I got it because it was super cheap in a magazine. And... Um, ordered it up and it turned out it had this game which is my first pick um which is alex the kid in where is it here alex the kid in miracle world now there's a lot of alex the kid games out there they are all of varying styles qualities it's a very interesting story that we can go into on another day but um alex the kid in miracle world is the one i would recommend uh great little game um, I do have a copy now because I do not have my Master System 2, which I do want to get again um, with, the, with the game built in. So what is this game? Well, I believe that this was supposed to be the kind of mascot answer to Nintendo's Mario at the time. Um, so it does kind of share a lot of elements with the Super Mario games. Um, I mean, primarily Super Mario 1. Um, but it is a platformer, in a sense. Uh, but it's interesting because instead of Mario jumping on top of enemies to kill them, the main form of attack here is you actually punch. Um, and it's kind of funny how the animation works. When you punch, you basically have a boxing glove kind of just appear in front of you. I mean, it's connected to you, but it's just there's no in-between animation. You just, boom, boxing glove. So uh, you're, you're punching rocks. You're punching uh, blocks that have stars in them. When you punch those, items come out. Um, there's also some blocks with question marks. And the, the, the star items... Uh, release money bags for points. Essentially, you just get points. There's money bags all over. That's your um, your coins if you were playing a Mario game, right? And um, it's interesting because the game starts... Uh, um, basically, you're going down a, a shaft, um, which is interesting because it's not a side-scrolling platformer at first. You are traversing down a shaft. So uh, the whole thing's... Inter I don't know a lot of games that do this. Um, but there's rocks and stuff you're breaking to get further down to open up areas you couldn't get to before. There's enemies that are going back and forth, uh, birds in the first level, and uh, eventually you get to the bottom of the shaft, and then goes to level two, which is, of course, the water level, where you are swimming, 
And um, it, it's just, it, again, there's a lot of similarities to Mario here. The music is really good uh, in that water level. Uh, the music is good in the whole game. It, it's pretty addictive. Um, not addictive, what's the word? It gets stuck in your head. And um, I just I just love this game. Later in, in, the, in the game, you get a motorcycle. You can buy a motorcycle from a store or other power-ups. There's a ring that um, allows you to shoot kind of like shock waves. Uh, basically becomes kind of a projectile weapon for a period of time. Um, and then what's interesting about it is you eventually get to the point where there's a guy, um, a bad guy, a monster, standing there, and his head is a hand making a shape, which never made sense to me as a kid, but now it makes perfect sense because you're playing a game that in, the, that in this game they call Jenkin. I've never heard this called that before, but it's basically it's rock, paper, scissors. And uh, when I was a kid, this seemed so unfair and ridiculous that I could... I had a one in three chance of winning this game of rock, paper, scissors. I guess you do do best two out of three. You know, you do rock, paper, scissors, shoot, right? It just makes this noise. It's boop, boop, boop. And then you have to pick one. And uh, for whatever reason, as a kid, I didn't realize that these guys picked the same pattern every time, and I could have just written it down and beat it every time. Um, there's definitely an element to having to know what's, what's coming up in this game, um, which isn't a bad thing nowadays. They don't really do that anymore, but... Uh, there'll be, as I said before, blocks with a question mark on them, and they can give you a ring power-up, or they might give you this ghost that basically uh, terrorizes you down the level, and it's almost impossible to get away from. You're pretty much going to die. Um, it kind It's kind of like the uh, the ghosts that appear in Bubble Bobble, if you've played that. Um, anyways, this game was Sega's attempt at creating a mascot for them. Um, they kind of gave up on this right after the Genesis kind of started. Uh, eventually they found Sonic, right? Um, this guy never caught on in large part because all the games were just so different. I don't think there is a lot of continuity there. But um, this game, according to my recent research, uh, you can get it for about 30 bucks in a box now. So I would suggest you start your, your collection with Alex the Kid in Miracle World. Where do I go from this? Well, I'm going to hop down to, let's go Shinobi. So there's a lot of ninja games at this time. Shinobi is obviously a very popular one. Um, you've heard of it. Shinobi 3 on the Genesis is really well known. And um, Revenge of Shinobi is also on the Genesis. The arcade made the game popular, the, the standard Shinobi title. The funny thing is I have never clicked with the Genesis Shinobis. They've always just seemed, um, I don't know, not fluid. They just kind of, they didn't flow for me. They didn't fit, the, the gameplay didn't fit with me. Um, so when I first got this game uh, in, a, in a pack with other stuff, I wasn't too excited about it, kind of waited till last to play it. But when I played it, I was really pleasantly surprised. It just felt good. Um, it's kind of got this mechanism where there's an upper level and a lower level. Um, there's boxes in the way you can hide behind. Um, but if you were to jump up to the upper level and throw your ninja stars, you can kill some guys up there. You're kind of hiding behind boxes. Uh, in the rare occasion, you're jumping over their uh, attacks or dodging their swords to get your, your shuriken, ninja star, what do you want to call them, attacks in. Um, but you can press down and jump to drop from the upper level down to the lower level. And I keep saying these levels because uh, in some of the, the levels of the, um, the stages, we'll say that to differentiate. In some of the stages, uh, the levels are buildings. Some other stages, you're within a building, they're just different floors. You're going up in a warehouse, for example. That level's pretty cool. You actually keep climbing higher and higher and higher. So in that case, there's more than two levels. Um, the graphics aren't 
much to write home about. Um, it's just a, a good, solid game with some some boss battles and power ups. Um, you don't get the the overall sense that you are a uh, badass ninja like you do with Ninja Gaiden, in my opinion. But it's just a good arcade, well, good arcade port, and it's just kind of some fast, simple, fun action. Uh, you can pick up that game in box about fifteen dollars if you look hard enough or if you wait long enough. Um, so that is game number two. Now, again, I'm not going to go with the whole history here, A, because I don't know the whole history here, but B, because um, we don't have time. But I will mention that in Japan, the Master System came with an extra chip they called the FM chip, which allowed for a greater sound palette. And so a lot of the games, on not a lot, but a handful of the games, um, sound a lot better with that hardware or... Um, than they do with the American or, I guess, PAL version. I, I Again, per, depending on the game, I don't know how much of that's true or how much of that I'm making up at this point, but um, I think there might be an expansion module that came out in some regions but not others to add that chip back. Um, but nonetheless, if you pick up uh, R-Type, which is about $25 nowadays in box, you're going to pick up a great game, but you're not going to get the full soundtrack because that was only on the Japanese release um, and again, maybe some other markets. Um, so I suggest you check that out on YouTube and listen to the uh, the the sound there, or emulate it, I guess, if you want to hear the sound. But it's definitely worth pick, worth picking up this port of R Type um, because many people consider this to be one of, if not the best, port of R Type, which is interesting because R Type was ported to everything, and um, the Master System is not necessarily the most powerful system in the world. It has great colorful graphics but um as far as some of the ways it handles sprites and things um not not you know not 16-bit for example but th th it does do a killer job of this port um you're going to get again the great graphics that you expect from the arcade r-type i mean not quite there but as close as you can get on an 8-bit system for those who are not familiar with the game it is a side-scrolling shmup which is a shoot 'em up you are a spaceship um, taking on all kinds of... Uh, well, it's very creative as far as what the en enemies are. Um, but there's all kinds of different things. Uh, the series is known for its extremely large battleships, which is kind of like a, uh, a video game first, uh, where you actually take on these ships. Your small ship is dodging around the screen while the large ship is kind of coming into, into frame in pieces, if you will. So you might start attacking the front of the ship, and eventually you make your way down below the ship, shooting off turrets and things. Um, enemies are shooting out of this mother ship and coming at you. You eventually work your way almost all the way around, well, sometimes all the way around the entire ship before you actually destroy it. And so there's some really cool tricks to make it feel like you're attacking this gigantic spaceship. Um, you get to levels eventually where you're in some kind of like biomechanical uh, situations where alien flesh and stuff is attacking you. Um, you might be within a spaceship and it's in there, or else you might be within the organism itself and spaceships are within there. I mean, it's, it's uh, well, it's chaos, but it's controlled chaos. Um, the main feature of the game is the, what's it called? Pulsar or what? I would call it an option. I'm used to playing um, uh, the Gradius games and they call it an option. But basically you have this, ball on the front of your ship and you can power up the ball in different ways so it 
acts as a weapon for different in different types. If it's right in front of your ship, it'll actually kind of shield you, and you can use it to um, stop enemy fire from in front of you. But you can also shoot it out in front of you, and while you're shooting, and if you have a certain power ups, the ball will be shooting its own uh, bullets, if you will, uh, up or down or or in a scatter pattern, all kinds of different things, and it will slowly work its way back towards you. So you can go out and get it again, connect it to the front of you, or you can go out in front of it and back into it and connect it to the back side of you so you have a shield in the back, depending on what you are doing in the level. So it becomes very strategic when you use it, how you use it, if you want to use it as a shield, if you want to throw it in front of you into a boss, for example, so it's attacking the weak points while you're running around dodging stuff. Um, it's a very methodical game, uh, and you're going to need to continue a lot. Um you know, it was originally created as a as a quarter eater, so you'd sit there and just keep pumping quarters in. Um, now, the game doesn't continuously scroll. You'll hit points where if you don't defeat something, you're going to go back to a checkpoint. Now, the checkpoints are very prevalent, which is good, but you might need to play a part 20 times before you finally not only figure out how to get through it, but figure it out and correctly... Um, do I guess do what you're trying to do to correctly manipulate the screen and enemies the way you you can see that they're trying to get you to do it. Um, great game, definitely worth the $25 asking price. So the next game is actually going to be a Sega card game, and what I mean by that is Sega released these small form factor. Uh, very low capacity. I think they only held 256 kilobits of memory. Um, these these card games, and it's actually a holdover from the previous iterations of the system before it became the Master System. Um, I think it was called the Sega SG-1000, and then the SG-3000, and then it became the Mark III. And over here, it's the in the U.S., it's the um, the Sega Master System. And uh, whereas the regular full-size cart games can hold, I think, up to four megabytes at the largest. Most of them, I think, were about one or two. Um, but these only, you know, held a, a fraction of that. But what is cool about them is they physically... I'm opening mine right here. They look like a little credit card here with a bunch of little teeth kind of towards the bottom. Um, and they come kind of individually wrapped in their own little um, plastic protector here. And then the boxes that they're in are actually... Uh, are we going to say half? Yeah, about half the size, almost exactly half the size of a, a full-size regular ROM cart box. So I thought this was cool to have um, some of these games. I have a couple of them myself, and it's just neat. Um, they're kind of nostalgic. Um, very similar to the Hue card that the TurboGrafx-16, or if you want to call it the uh, Core Graphics or PC Engine, um, used. These were not nearly as successful, uh, but they do exist, and they play in only the... Model 1 Master System, not the Model 2. They do not have the, the, the slot for those anymore. So my favorite game out of the bunch for the card games is Ghost House. Now, this is a uh, horror-themed year, basically in a haunted house. And um, it's just kind of a fun, um, if, if you want to call it, I guess you can call it an arcade platformer. It's not a single-screen platformer. You definitely go left and right. Um, you can go down ladders and, and kind of scroll further down into the haunted house. And then there's also doorways all over the place that if you go through there, you kind of show up on another side of the haunted house. So there's kind of a lot going on in each level. Um, I, to be honest, I've played a lot of this, but I, ha I, I can't get very far in it. Um, I haven't read the, ma the manual and realized everything you have to do. Um, 
but it definitely looks very, there's a lot going on on the screen. There's a lot of sprites moving around. Uh, there's these lanterns that if you attack them, they kind of freeze all the enemies for a few seconds. You've got mummies walking around. You've constantly got bats to deal with, um, which can be a nuisance. There's these really large, funny-looking, jumpy monsters. I don't know what they are. Um, if you get too close and stay still, they stop jumping and they breathe fire at you. Um, there's coffins all over the place. You got to... Uh, run past the coffins, Draculas, I'm gonna, uh, vampires, I call them vamp they all look like Dracula, but vampires will pop out and you have to attack those, or all special special pickups pop out of those. And then there's these little um, item boxes that lay around as well. And I know you have to run around here and you're trying to get keys to open things and just collect everything on each level to move on to the next level. Now, the next level kind of changes in background color. There's a lot of palette swapping going on in this most likely because it's on a 256 kilobyte card. Um, but given that it's such a small game, they do a great job of using all the real estate available in the memory. Um, looks like a fun little game. I enjoy just hopping around attacking things, trying to survive and collect things. Again, I would really love to go back and um, try to figure out actually how to play this game and how to how to high score it and, and do better. Uh, but I, I'll, you know, I'll throw this in almost every time I turn on my, my master system. Just have fun for 15, 20 minutes. Um, yeah, Ghost House. I would suggest that you can pick this thing up for about $15. Great little addition. So that leaves me with approximately, let's see, at 15 more dollars. So before I give my last pick, let me just point out there are, um, well, it's not a huge library of games with the Master System. And as with every system, there's definitely more junk than there is gold. That's kind of true with all systems, all platforms. Um, but unfortunately with the Mega, uh, Mega Drive, the Master System, a lot of the games that are really good, some of the cream of the crop, you do have to pay for them nowadays. Um, I think I, I'm going to mention outside of this, uh, some of these games outside of this part of the uh, show, the first $100 here, so I won't name any of those names. But... Um, it's kind of harder to find these $15, $20 titles. There's a lot of them out there. There's some good ones. Okay, well, I should say good. I should say some playable ones, some ones that I would still add to my collection eventually. Um, but there's not a whole lot more that I would consider a must-have in this price range. Uh, but there is one little gem down here. A lot of people do really like this game. I find it to be good. Um, it's not one I go to every time I turn on my system. Uh and it's also a theme I've already discussed, but it's a ninja game, and it's literally called The Ninja. This game plays, um, I guess if I was going to describe it, it's, it's like Commando, but with with a ninja, throwing uh, shurikens or ninja stars. Um, the screen just constantly scrolls. Um, you're running around. People attack you from all directions, diagonally, orthogonally, whatever. And again, keep in mind that the Master System gamepad it's a square directional pad, so the diagonals are really easy to hit, which is why I would also recommend finding a way. Um, yep, I think you might have to get an adapter to protect your Commodore. But if you ever play like The Last Ninja on your Commodore, which is a very isometric game, using a Master System pad works great because those diagonals are so easy to hit. Any of those isometric um, games that you want to play on a system that uses a regular nine-pin D-pad or nine-pin um, joystick. The Master System D-pad 
lends itself really well to those. This game, um, the levels scroll kind of in every which direction, but there are quite a few diagonal portions of the game where you are actually scrolling um, up and to the left, which is interesting because I don't know of an, a single other game that does that. Um, but it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty arcadey. Guys are coming at you, attacking you with um, all kinds of weapons, projectiles, or swords. Um, there's also levels with boulders that are bouncing around. You're trying to avoid those. And uh, I did watch a playthrough right before we started this. And, uh, of course, I've never gotten far enough to realize this. But if you play the entire game through without dying, it only takes nine minutes. I can almost guarantee you, you are not going to play this game for only nine minutes. A, because you're going to die a whole lot trying to get there. And B, it actually is, um, it's one of those, uh, I just want to go one more time. It's really quick to restart. And you do kind of have to start the whole game over again, but um, it's quick. So it's easy to get back in there and have fun with it. So there you go. That is the first $100 Sega Master System Edition. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you guys have any um, other ideas or thoughts, feel free to send them out to us via email or Twitter. We'd love to hear some email, um, hear some responses and uh, mention some of your ideas on the show. So, thank you much. Welcome to Cody's Big Review. Cody spent days firmly playing this title and wants to give you the full, unadulterated truth. This week's title was... Dig Dug. So, tell us, Cody, how good is it? Well, I thought it was pretty good. Whoa! Well, stay tuned next week for another one of Cody's Big Reviews. I figured we'd try a little something different for my segment this month, and I decided to, I, I have some interest in the Neo Geo Mini, and that got me thinking of a person that I follow on Twitter named Anthony, who goes by at Glowing Rice, um, and he has a, an incredible collection on the Neo Geo Mini. I think he has just about everything you can get for it, and I'm always impressed by the size of his collections, and uh, when he decides he wants to collect for something, it seems he goes all out and is has a lot of knowledge. So I want to introduce my guest for this month, and that is Glowing Rice. Hey, Anthony, how are you doing? Good, Eric. Thanks for, uh, thanks for including me today. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, remember when the Neo, Geni- G- Neo Geo Mini first came out. Uh, I saw the picture of uh, the things you got with it, and I was pretty amazed by that. Um, I, I, I remember. Do you remember the the Neo Geo X came out? Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. 
I, I, I kind of like to reserve my own opinion on these things for either somebody that I know reviews it or get it myself, but it, it got pretty dogged and, uh, you know, people didn't seem to really like it, but I, I, it kind of burned a lot of people for Neo Geo. So I kind of wanted to give this new mini a chance and I want to hear the good, the positives and the negatives on it. Uh, because for me, at least I'm not that finicky when it comes to systems. I, you know, if it's not exactly perfect, it's okay. Um, mm -hmm. But I did play that Genesis, uh, you know, that one by At Games. The I, I did see a, one of those Genesis, and it is pretty bad. So it's something I would definitely yeah. never get. But let, let's go back a little bit and first talk about your experiences with Neo Geo in general. Did you have a lot of experience with them back in the day when Neo Geo was new and in the arcades? You know, I did. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, Neo Geo was... You know, it was one of those arcades that was kind of off in the corner uh, when I was in college and, um, you know, also kind of in the local arcades, um, you know, and it was, you know, back then Street Fighter was was pretty big. So, you know, everybody flocked to the Street Fighter machines, you know, put their quarters up on the marquee, you know, and I was the guy off in the corner playing, you know, World Heroes and playing Sengoku and, uh, you know, some other Neo Geo um, classics. I call them classics now. But back then, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun for me. And the, and the machine was always open. You know, you could just walk up to a Neo, Magio, a Neo Geo machine, <clears throat> excuse me, plunk in a quarter and, you know, have at it. Um, you know, it wasn't like that when when Street Fighter you know, existed in the, in the same arcade. Um, and what's interesting about that too, um, you know, not to go back through the timeline extensively here, but, um, you know, I actually owned a Neo Geo AES system, which was the home console. And believe it or not, um, it was back when the, the Sega CD, um, was uh, gaining popularity. And I, and I had one brand new, I was playing sewer shark and pop full mail. Um, that's and awesome. it was through, yeah, and it was through BBSing. I was actually connected to a local BBS, and I was, and I was, you know, talking about the Sega CD, and I was just like, oh man, you know, you guys need to really look into this and get, you know, get in on this. And I was posting on the, on the forums for that, and um, you know, this guy, you know, I didn't ever met him, you know, popped up and said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I really, you know, I really want to get a Sega CD, but I just, I don't have the money right now. But I do have a Neo Geo, and I have Magician Lords and, and Cross Swords for it, and I have two, you know, controllers. And I was wondering if you know you'd be interested in the trade. Well, you know, I knew you know back then Neo Geo systems like what seven eight hundred dollars just for the console and yeah, game. I, I didn't know anyone who owned up because they were way out of the price range of all the friends I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they were just they were grossly expensive, you know, and. So, you know, I, I saw this as a way to get into, you know, playing the Neo Geo, owning one, um, being able to, you know, brag about it, you know, because, of course, you know, back then, you know, like I said, Neo Geo, at least in my geographical area, you know, like I said, it just wasn't very popular. So not only being able to play it in the arcade, but have the home console and being able to take the memory card and exchange it between the arcade system if the arcade supported it um, and the um, the AES console at home, I mean, that was unheard of at the time. And I remember the local arcade had cross swords, and I had cross swords on the AES. So I remember taking my memory card to the arcade and inserting it, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, people are looking over my shoulder like, whoa, what is that? And it was just, uh, you know, this door-opening moment where, I was like, you know, oh, it's this memory card, and you know, this is, and I didn't even um, know that that was a thing. 
Yeah, it, it and it wasn't, you know, and that's the thing. It wasn't. Um, it, it, I don't think it was marketed very well. I mean, you know, and we're talking about a time, you know, talking like early '90s here, uh, late, late, very early '90s. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, this is back when you know we had VG and CE um, Game Pro. I mean, that was really, you know, and besides, you know, bulletin board systems and you know, modeming and stuff. Um, you know, this is back before the internet was a huge household commodity, um, and you got your information from gaming magazines. Um, and I remember reading an article, you know, a very small article about it, and I thought, man, this is this is innovative. This is huge. Um, and again, not a lot of people knew about it. Um, yeah. I, and, yeah, uh, I, and I remember, like your like your memories, not a lot of people would go to the Neo Geo systems. They'd always play Street Fighter or. Or something else, and I know the one at the bowling alley and the skating rink near my house were. Um, they didn't have as many buttons, and I kind of think that that you know, if it was like a King of Fighters box or or some fighter, it didn't have as many buttons, and I think that turned off a lot of people when actually the game seemed to be, you know, the fighters seemed to be pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I only I I'm really not a Neo Geo expert by any means. I I. I love the the home stuff, like the metal metal slug um, mm-hmm. on, on my main box, um, metal slug on the Game Boy Advance, um, things like that. Um, but the funny thing is, the skate rink close to my house still has a multi uh, multi game Neo Geo box. Oh wow! Yeah, it's old and it's all beat up and <laughs> it barely works, but it's uh, it's it's there. It's still there. So and now yeah, lots of people are on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, yeah, you know, going back to the whole button architecture thing too, you know, like Street Fighter had this, you know, six buttons per player, you know, um, you know, of course when Mortal Kombat came out, it was, was like a five button configuration. Um, and then, you know, with Neo Geo, it was always just the standard four button configuration, but I think what really made it appetizing for gamers, um, you know, breaking into like world heroes or King of Fighters is that, you know, the, the buttons were, were, um, segregated by color. Yeah. So you had, uh, and that probably sounds wrong, but, um, you know, you had A, B, C, and D, but each button had its own individual color, you know, red, yellow, green, and blue. Um, so rather than having to memorize, like with street fighter, I had to know that, you know, jab was the button in, in the upper left hand corner where the, you know, the hard roundhouse kick was the one in the lower right hand corner. Whereas with the Neo Geo, I just had to know that, you know, a light punch was red. Right. You know, it yeah. was so it, it, it simplified, you know, uh, you know, like the fighting genre as an example. I think it simplified it. And, you know, as more people discovered the Neo Geo arcade and start getting into, you know, uh, some of those games, I, I think that was an easy transition. Yeah. Um, just that's just my opinion. So sure. did you own the Neo Geo X? I did. Um, and what was, so what, what were your thoughts on that? I'd, I'd be interested in hearing that. Um, and just for you know, people that don't know the Neo Geo X, it was this, this thing that was released not that long ago, a few years back and yeah. it had a handheld and the handheld played the games and then you could snap it into a quote unquote console. Um, and then you had controllers and you could play the games that way. And mm-hmm. I, I did hear a lot of things about it, but I'd like to get your opinion on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, the Neo Geo X to me is what the Nintendo Switch is to most people today. You know, it's the ability to, 
you know, to your point, you know, you can consoleize the experience. You know, you can plug it into your TV. You have a couple controllers. Uh, and when I mean controllers, I'm talking the big arcade stick. So it really gives you that arcade feel. Yeah. Um, but then if you wanted to go portable, um, it was kind of like this this um, hatch type system where you just, you know, you slid a lock and then the, the top of the console popped up kind of like the hatchback of a car. And you pull out this little, uh, you know, Sony PSP style device, you know, um, or if you, you know, for those who are into like, you know, handheld emulators, if you ever seen like the Dingu A300, you know, kind of look like that. Yeah. Um, it's just this little, you know, handheld device that you unplugged and then you could take the Neo Geo games on the go. Um, to answer your question, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm talking about in context to the time I had it. Um, meaning that when I, you know, I no longer have it. I, I did, I did sell it. Um, but, uh, and I, I kind of regret that cause getting one new in the box now is like twice the cost. I saw that cause I looked at it <laughs> days ago and it, I used to, I remember when they were getting kind of blown out towards the end, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could get them, I don't know, 20, 30% off the regular price because they just didn't seem to be very popular. And, mm-hmm. I, I thought that the one of the biggest um, complaints about it was the way new games were delivered. You had to buy a pack of games and get them yes. a little... Explain that to me a little bit, because I, I didn't see it firsthand, but I did read about it. People seem to hate it. Yeah, I mean, it did have some, some built-ins, you know, obviously. I mean, that was kind of the appeal at first is, you know, and I think that was the introduction to the market is, you know, let's get something out that satisfies the nostalgia of it, which is... You know, the, the console dock, if you will, looks like the AES home console. You know, it's got the arcade sticks with the, you know, the, the gray button layout that was iconic, um, you know, to the AES, at least in the U.S. market. Um, and it had some built-in games. So, you know, immediately it was plug-and-play. You take it out of the box, you know, the, the little handheld unit, you know, had some, you know, a modicum of battery charge on it. So you could just fire it up and start playing. Um and as it gained in popularity, and I think, you know, and of course, you know, with the advent of the internet, people were like, oh, it'd be cool if it had this game. It'd be cool if it had that game. I really missed this experience. And I think, um, I think it was Tomco, I think is the company that, that was licensed um, or had the license to, to basically you know, build the system. And I think they latched on to that, that outcry from gamers. And that's when they decided to say, you know, yeah, we're going to release these mega packs. Though, you know, to be honest with you, Eric, I think they, I think they had that notion in mind when they developed this, because obviously, you know, it had the port in it, you know, for the game cards. So, you know, I think from the very start, they said, you know, oh, or, you know, we might release more content for this. And if we do, you know, here's the expansion port for it. Yeah. Um, and then the mega pack came out and it was like $99. So, I mean, it was, it was expensive. And how many games uh, did that have in it? Do you remember roughly? Gosh, you know, I I want to say probably about twenty games. I could be wrong, um, but the, it was. And the yeah. ne- the Neo Geo Mini that one has forty, right? Yes. Oh wow. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I could see how the new model is going to be better <laughs> for people and kind of more cost effective. But um, one thing I did like about the look on that was the joystick. It seemed like a very beefy, cool arcade stick. Mm-hmm. Was it was it nice? I mean, was it had it did that did that have, have a nice feel to it? And you're talking about the Neo Geo X Correct. or the, ne- the yeah. Neo Geo X, yeah. 
So the the controller that they made, to, in my opinion, and you're talking to somebody who owned, you know, at one time owned an AES system, the original authentic one. Um, I thought they they hit the hit the nail head on, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, you had the you had the clickiness, uh, you know, what Neo Geo um, gamers and enthusiasts called the you know the click the clickiness of the joystick had that, um, you know, the button feel was there. Uh, and it, it truly, it, it, to me, it truly felt authentic. Um, you know, of course, the controllers were just your standard, you know, USB. Um, and I do remember, you know, hooking it up to a uh, PC and, you know, Windows recognized it just as a, you know, a standard joystick. So, oh, you know, wow. even with, yeah, even with emulators, you could plug it in and, and it was just literally plug and play. Um, which is probably why those USB controllers still, you know, f- fetch a pretty penny because, you know, again, to buy the Neo Geo X system, you know, used is like two or three hundred dollars, you know. Right. Um, but you can still get the joysticks for anywhere between, you know, forty dollars up to eighty dollars, you know, oh, depending wow, on where you know that. Yeah, depending on where you go, and um, and I think that's kind of the appeal is that you know people you know, like myself who owned a Neo Geo X and experimented with the joysticks know that you can use them with MAME and other emulators and that you can, um, you know, use the, the joysticks in that capacity. So if you want that authentic control experience, but you don't want to spend the hundreds of dollars on the, on the knockoff console, <laughs> right. um, you know, you could get into it fairly inexpensively. So what was the, and I don't want to talk too much about the X since we have a lot to talk about on the mini, but, um, what, what would you say would be the biggest downside to that X console? The wiring (laughs) for me, okay. you know, well, it was, you know, again, it was kind of, I think it was the size, you know, the size and all the wiring and the cables, you know, and, um, you know, and I'm going to kind of draw a comparison to like the, the Nintendo, um, you know, classic consoles that have been released. Um, you know, everything's being miniaturized now, um, to where they can still deliver that iconic, look and feel and the, you know, the plastic and the smell of it, you know, so you can connect on, you know, with, uh, you know, on all sensory levels with this device. Whereas the Neo Geo X, the, the console dock was large. The controllers were large. You had to plug, you know, a, you, you know, you had to plug power and HDMI into the back of the console. Then you had to plug the joysticks in. So, you know, like on a weekend, I, you know, I'm a casual gamer, yeah. um, I, you know, and I like plug and play. Um, so to take this out of the closet or take it out of a box and plug it in, it just, it felt sloppy to me, gotcha. you know, cause, cause I knew this wasn't a console I was going to leave hooked up all the time. I mean, if you, you know, if you're one of these, uh, you know, gamers that, you know, has the, the, the big, you know, all your consoles out on display and plugged into like a HDMI splitter, I mean, you know, by all means, leave it out. It looks cool. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're just going to, you know, play it, unplug it, put it back in the closet, it was it was really kind of cumbersome compared to some of these smaller or, or miniaturized um, plug-and-play consoles that are coming out today. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, that's 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 really my feel of it. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, like uh, I said, I was a big fan of it when it came out. I thought, oh, wow, that looks really cool. But, God, the, the reviews just seemed to really vilify that like it was sloppy i I remember there was complaints about um what it looked like on the screen once it was docked like something about the aspect ratio or the or (laughs) something i don't remember exactly what it was but something about after it was docked and you were trying to play it on a tv there was something wrong yeah you know it it was stretched um 
you know, the HDMI signal, you know, I, I don't know the technicalities behind what they did, but, um, you know, I don't think there was a lot, a lot of thought put into how it was rendered um, on the screen. You know, I think really the core experience that Tomco intended for the unit was, you know, hey, you have a Neo Geo in your pocket, take it with you. But if you want to share it with friends, you know, here's this dock and controllers. Right. Um, so I don't think a lot of thought was put into it other than let's just put the image and sound on a screen to where multiple people can enjoy it. Uh, and I think that's, you know, part of the reason a lot of people, you know, poo-pooed it and was like, yeah, this, you know, this doesn't look good. It's, it's stretched. It didn't have any filter options. You know, you couldn't put a good CRT type of filter or, you know, scan line filter on it. So it just, you know, I think the, uh, the on screen presentation of it was just very blocky and disseminated. You know, it was just, uh, it, it, it took away from the authenticity. I mean, you open the Neo Geo Xbox, you see the console, you see the joysticks, and you're just blown away. And then you plug it in and you start playing on the TV and you're like, what the heck is this? Right. Uh, and I think that's what you know contributed to the poor reviews. Um, okay. That and probably some of the emulation as well. So let's let's roll that right into the Mini. So tell, tell me your experience about purchasing the Mini because I, I did – get a little bit of um, feedback on Twitter that su at some places it was kind of hard to get. Um, mm -hmm. how, what was your experience buying it? And what, and, and why don't you just wrap right in what you got with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first and foremost, I, you know, I, when it was announced, I did a lot of research on it. You know, I looked at like, uh, you know, some, some non U S sites. I looked at U S sites. I ended up getting it through Amazon ultimately. Oh. Um, because it was, uh, you know, eBay had a lot of, you know, hey, here's the international or the the Japanese version um, being sold by, you know, a Japanese seller. So it was something that was going to have to be sent overseas, um, you know, and uh, go through that whole process. Whereas, um, you know, I just kind of bided my time, and eventually, you know, I kept checking Amazon, and lo and behold, uh, you know, it the Japanese version came up and it, it came at a price point that was, you know, to be honest with you, it was a little more than I wanted to spend. But at the same time, it was a price point that was cheaper than what I was seeing elsewhere online. Right. Um, so I went ahead and, you know, I took the bait, I bit down on the hook and I, and I ordered it. Um, and then shortly after that, I ordered the, uh, the, what, uh, what's called the international version, which is more for like the U S market, I think. Gotcha. And you also, you, with that, you bought some controllers too, right? I did. Um, I bought two black controllers and two white controllers. I'll tell you um, that I, I like the controllers, at least the look of them. They look. I, I always thought the Neo Geo controllers were were pretty slick. The game pads. Um, they yeah, absolutely, and they are they are solid. They feel good in your hands. That's cool. um, you know, uh, and I'll talk about a little bit about the differences between those and like the original um, pad type controllers for the Neo Geo CD um, and why, you know, some gamers who have been reviewing them, you know, have have some negativity about them. But, you know, I'll, I'll contrast that in just a moment. But to answer your question, you know, what came with these. So out of the box, yeah. you know, you get the the miniaturized um, what I call the candy cabinet or the candy cab um you know, Neo Geo style arcade cabinet. Um, you get a USB cord, um, no AC adapter, just a straight USB cord. Um, 
I think that's it. Yeah, you don't even get a you don't get an HDMI. I had to order the the HDMI cable separately. Yeah, which um, to me is not a big deal. I know I got the no. sixty four mini recently, and it didn't have a power supply, and some people were complaining about that. And I mean, I have so many cables laying around, and nowadays you can even just plug them into the TV. Yeah, absolutely, and and that, and that's exactly what I do with the Neo Geo Mini. Um, you know, I just. Uh, when I first got it out of the box, I actually plugged it into like a power bank, um, that, you know, portable battery charger, yeah. um, because I saw a lot of YouTube reviewers who are getting like early production models of them and they're reviewing them. A lot of, uh, those people just plugged them into battery packs and I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, I could take it in the car or, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm traveling, I can, and, and actually kind of just going on that perspective for just a moment, there's companies that are actually making carrying cases specifically for these little arcade cabinets. So it's kind of cool that you can get this little protective case that encapsulates the, the little arcade unit and protects it. So if you, you know, if you are traveling, you know, for work or with your family, you know, you can take it to the hotel room with you. And like you said, plug it in a USB port on like the back of a TV or yeah. on your cell phone charger and you start playing, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. But you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not like, um, like the Nintendo mini classic or SNES classic where it came with the controllers and it came with an AC adapter. Um, so I think there was a, you know, initially there's a little bit of negativity around them based on that. You know, it's like, Hey, for this, you know, hundred dollar price point or like the Japanese version, you know, I paid like 140 for mine. Uh, I think it was, uh, you know, you don't get controllers, you don't get an AC adapter and it felt, you know, kind of limited, you know, what you got for what you paid. Yep. So um, in the box was the was the unit itself, the little arcade looking mm -hmm. machine, and uh, a USB cable. USB cable, and there's also a sticker pack. That's what um, I thought. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I think it was in your picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a sticker pack, so you can, you know, uh, it's got adhesive, and you can put it uh, in the marquee. Um, and there's some other stickers for like uh, the the control panel that you can lay over it. Um, an overlay. And, and honestly, I still have the stickers in the wrapping. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't applied them to my cabinets. Um, right. Probably just for nervousness. So it's like, eh, I don't want to mess it up and get an air bubble or something. Right. Um, but the cool thing about the sticker pack is, you know, there's websites like, like play Asia is an example where you can buy, I think it's for like $5. You can buy a, uh, a marquee and, uh, I think it's just a marquee sticker pack, but um, for relatively cheap. And I think you get like two or three stickers with it. So it's, it's pretty neat that you have the ability to, to change the marquee over time though. That is cool. It's probably, yeah, it's probably car tab style where, you know, you don't take off the old car tab on the license plate. You just put the new sticker over the old one. Right. <laughs> so it's probably more like that, but that's cool. Uh, still a cool concept. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so that's what's in the box, and then you ordered the controllers separately. When those arrive, they're just the controllers, right? Just the controllers, right? Can um, you get different. You can get black or white, right? You can get black or you can get white, and you know, selfishly, I ordered the black ones to match the aesthetics of the international version, which is more of a black and gray type of look to it and then i ordered the white ones for the japanese model which is the one that's got the colorful buttons it's got the white red white and blue cabinet um and, so and you can use those controllers in in the arcade mode using it as a little arcade or on the tv right yeah absolutely and okay. you know that's really the appeal to me about these consoles is the versatility with them um for example 
you know, if I have, you know, if I have control of the television, you know, I can hook it up to the TV, plug in the controllers and treat it like a console. And when you do that, when it's in console mode, um, or console mode, the, uh, the screen on the arcade unit has the Neo Geo logo on it, which I think is cool. It's just a neat, neat little, uh, feature they put on there to remind you that, you know, Hey, you're playing a Neo Geo. Um, but the cool thing is, is like if my wife's watching Netflix or something, she has control of the TV, but I'm, you know, feeling the itch to play some metal slug. Um, you know, I can just pull up the Ottoman and, um, and I can plug in the, I can either use the onboard controls, you know, on the, on the cabinet itself, or, um, or what I like to do is set the arcade cabinet up on the, the arm of the couch, um, and then plug in the controller and kind of play it that way. And, and also too, on the back of, of each of them is a headphone jack. Um, oh, so I nice. can plug, yeah, you can plug in headphones and then, you know, that way the, the sound's not bleeding into, you know, the movie my wife's trying to watch or vice versa. So, so do you, when you play it that way, not on the TV, but on the arcade, do you prefer the controller or the, are the arcade stick and buttons on the actual machine? Whew. Man, that's a, it's a toss up. Um, you know, for me, since I've experienced both, I would say I like the controller in my hand. Um, especially when playing fighting games and you have to do those rapid, um, you know, deep D pad style movements to pull off moves. Um, definitely a lot better, but you know, the, the onboard controls, the little joystick and the buttons, um, you know, if you just if you want a quick fix, like if you're you know in your cubicle at work or you're at home in front of the laptop, I mean, you could just plug it in and you know just play like a quick five minutes of Metal Slug, unplug it, and then go about your day. And that's do those does the stick and buttons have a good arcade feel to them? Um, yes and no. I mean, I feel like the I feel like they're solid controls. They perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is like with the, the controls and, and with the pad control and, and this was kind of the segue I was going to take with talking about the difference between these modern pads and then, and then the, the older Neo Geo CD style pad is, um, the clickiness, the clickiness is absent, um, from the arcade cabinet and from the handheld controller. Um, so if you're looking for that clickiness, you're not going to get it. You're so gonna they're get probably a, not micro switches, right? They're definitely not micro switches. It's okay. um, it's definitely like a rubber or a silicone membrane that sits under the the buttons and the and the joystick. Um, so the joystick, uh, you know, I'm kind of got one in front of me now here, though people can't see it. Um, it you know, it feels good. It feels solid. It returns to center perfectly. You know, you can feel. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely got some good feedback to it. Um, but it doesn't have that clickiness. Right. Uh, and I know a lot of people that have reviewed these online, that's kind of like their big thing is like, Oh, it'd be cool. You know, if it was clicking, it had micro switches. Um, but you know, my perspective on it is uh, look, this is a miniaturized, um, a cool little, uh, I don't want to really call it a toy, but that's kind of what it is. I mean, it's, um, um, you know, and it, it, and that's the thing is it looks like a toy, but when you turn it on and you play it, you start experiencing, it, you quickly forget about the clickiness. And that's, what's cool is like the screen on it is so bright and vibrant. Um, yeah. And that was the feel- next thing I was going to move into was how do you like yeah. the little screen? It's a, what is it? A three inch or three and a half? Yeah. I think it's about three. Yeah. About three and a half, I believe. Okay. Um, 
I mean, looking at now, it looks good. Yeah, between three, three and a half. But um, yeah, it's it's bright, it's vibrant, um, it's it's you know it's crisp and clean. Um, words I like to use when I'm describing resolution. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's and it and it feels good. So you know, for me, when you're when you're playing on it. Um, you know, if you're looking for, you know, if you're going to nitpick it and you're going to look for like, you know, the clickiness in the joystick or micro switches, those things are easily forgotten. As soon as you start playing it, um, you, you just, you dismiss all that and you push it aside because you have this, this miniaturized Neo Geo arcade experience, like literally in your hands. And right. it's, and that's powerful for me. You know, I, um, I, I did you get enjoy the, it. Did you get the C64 mini yet or have seen one? You know, I haven't. It's on my gotta get it list. So I'll tell um, you that, and I'll probably talk about this more in a future episode. But sure, I really love it. I love the system. Um, it's a quick, easy pickup, ready to go. Sixty-four games that you can play them on a big TV with HDMI. Mm-hmm. I don't detect a lot of latency. The only downside is the joystick is not micro switch, but it's also not a great membrane kind of contact pressure buttons it's very spongy and it it doesn't do diagonals well so mm-hmm. i think that i think you're right i think there are good implementations of non micro switch sticks and there's there's good implementations and there's bad and um because i have a a 64 joystick from way back in the day that i don't remember the name of it but it doesn't use micro switches and it's a good it's a good stick it works great you yeah you know if I can, I mean, these are great. In my opinion, I love what they did. And okay. if I can compare it to anything, you know, for anybody who's, um, you know, I don't want to say our age, but, you know, you know, if anybody's owned like a, a Nintendo entertainment system, you know, the, the, the controllers, you know, the BA button, the select start, and then you have the directional pad. Those controllers are, you know, a testament to time that, you know, 20, 30 years later, people could still use those controllers, you know, without having to replace the, the membranes on the inside. I mean, they're just, they're built very well. And yeah. I feel that, you know, comparing these controls to like what you would get with an NES pad, um, is really comparable because, um, you know, I feel that same responsiveness from the, from the membrane, like the, I don't know if it's rubber or silicone, but you, I mean, it just feels good. It feels like the, the quality of components they used, for the control experience, um, they didn't they didn't go cheap. And you, you know they put you make a good point there too because the NES and SNES ones aren't micro switches, but they do feel great. Yeah, so, and and they yeah. and they last. They they lasted for 20, 30 years. You know, yep, people exactly. are still using their original controllers. So, yep. you know, if I can get that same performance from from a Neo Geo Mini, you know, I'm not complaining. Well, hopefully <laughs> you'll test that C64 Mini one and and let me know if you feel the same way I do. It it. I have yeah. a really tough time with diagonals on it. Uh, it doesn't seem to register two button pushes when you go diagonal. Um, it, it It's just, uh, to me, not a great implementation, but the system is is awesome. I'm kind of hoping they release some alternate joysticks for that. There was some rumor that they were going to release one, but anyhow, that's neither here nor there. But how's the sound on it when it's not in TV mode, when it's in the arcade mode? How's is Are there two speakers? Uh, there's, there's one speaker, okay. um, but it's, it's, it's loud. Oh, good. Okay. So it's a pretty good size speaker probably in there. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I think there are two speakers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me correct that. There are, I think there are two speakers. Cause I remember getting the stereo sound effects from metal slug and I was pretty impressed with that. Oh, um, right. that's amazing. That's good. And 
you know the sound is the sound is is vibrant it's loud um you know if i have if i have a complaint about the neo geo it's the uh, the neo geo mini it's that you know in the settings menu when you can control the volume mm-hmm. um Right in the middle, there's like I think there's like four or five little settings. It's it looks like a slider bar, but you can't actually slide it. There's only like four or five fixed positions. But between positions two and three on that sl- on that slider, it goes from mildly quiet to loud. Oh wow! There's almost no in between. So uh, I know it's kind of hard to verbalize, but um, you know if you get one and you play it and you mess with the volume settings, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Um, it just goes from from quiet to loud, and there's no in between. Um, so that could be it's a drawback for me a little bit. Yep. Uh, because the the mildly quiet is a little too quiet, um, and then the loud is a little too loud. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you find there's a difference in volume between games? Because I know, like on my main cabinet, I have to go into a menu to change the volume. I don't have a a knob or anything like that, and it is a little annoying that like one game sounds great. And then the next game will blow you out of the room and you have to go in and adjust it down. Are all the games pretty consistent with the sound? They are. They okay. are very consistent. And I think a lot of that, uh, to be honest with you, Eric, contributes to the fact that um, Neo Geo games themselves, um, you know, the animations, the, the sound quality that the SNK and other developers put in these games, um, they've just they've always been just, you know, high quality, vibrant you know, animations, sounds. And I think that contributes to this, this miniaturized experience is that when you go from game to game, um, I don't, I find that I don't need to address the volume. Once I set it to where I'm okay with the volume, um, I get the same unified experience across all 40 games. So that's definitely not an issue for me. Great. So let's move on to the TV. So you, you, there's an HDMI, is it a mini HDMI or full HDMI on the back? It's a mini HDMI. And then that um, plugs into your TV. Tell me about mm-hmm. your experience with that. How, how does that look? How does uh, Just tell me everything about that, because that seems to be where Neo Geo seems to drop the ball a lot. And I, I just wanted to hear it from someone who actually uses it. Yeah, and this one, um, you know, and comparing to some of our past conversation about the Neo Geo X, is I feel that they, they, they did a good job. With the Neo Geo Mini, um, when you hook it up to the TV, you know, you can, if you want that widescreen experience, well, okay, you know, set it to 16 by 9. But if you want the original 4 by 3 aspect ratio, um, which is what you got with the the arcade and the AES home system, you have that available. Good. Um, and um, you know, there's nearly no um, filtration per se in terms of like adjusting, you know, the percentage of scan lines or anything like that, but. You also don't get that crappy, blocky, pixelated experience um, like you get with cheaply emulated consoles, like like you were talking about at the beginning about like the Sega um, from At Games. You know, you, it really the the quality uh, and display of the the graphics and the animation um, are amazing, um, and, and you know I'm blown away by it, what they did. Oh, that's awesome! It's uh, good to hear. Um... So tell me about the games. Let's talk about that. 40 games. Yeah, 40 um, games. We, I, we don't really need to list them since people can – yeah. I can put a link in there to show. But I, I did notice there's a lot of King of Fighters. I mean there must be like seven versions or something like that, right? 
Yeah. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's on the Japanese one. There's ten. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it goes from King of Fighters '94 all the way up to the King of the Fighters '2003. Um, and you know, and, and some of those king of the, the king of the fighters yeah. um, are also available in the international version, um, but uh, it, it seems like for the Japanese market, you know, the king of the fighters must be very popular and very big in Japan because they definitely, so. yeah, they definitely delivered. Um, and you know, there are some similarities between the game list. Um, you know, like for an example, the king of the fighters ninety five. Uh, just to pick one out of the list exists on both the Japanese version and the international version, but there are exclusive titles, you know, per unit. So like the Japanese version, um, there's, for an example, there's five, the King of the fighter titles that are exclusive to the Japanese version that you won't get on the international one. Um, real bout fatal fury Two, the last blade aggressors of dark combat, um, cyber lip, Twinkle Star Sprites, These, you know, and the list goes on. There's there's quite a few exclusives on the Japanese one you don't get on the international one. But but likewise, you know, you flip the coin. Now, on the international one, you get Metal Slug X, Metal Slug 4 and 5, King of the Monsters, Shock Troopers, um, and some of the more popular titles that, that really made it in the arcades, like Magician Lords. Was, I remember Magician Lord was huge. Uh, I, I played it a lot when I was, you know, in the arcades, yeah. uh, as well as Last Resort and Ghost Pilots. Oh, I didn't see uh, Shock Troopers on there either. That's one of my favorites. That's a yeah, good one. Shock Troopers and Shock Troopers Second Squad are on the um, are on the uh, international version. Oh, that's but nice. Shock, but Shock Troopers, the first one is exclusive to the the international one. Okay. Um, and you know the the games list. I think they. I think they did a really good job. Now, obviously, I can't speak to the Japanese market because I'm, I'm not an expert when it comes to gaming and preferences in that in that uh, in that culture uh, and and how they're marketed there. But on the you know on the international version, um, there are a few titles that, and, and I don't know if this is planned, but there's a few titles that were missing that I thought would have really appealed very largely to. You know, people like me who you know own the original console played it in the arcades, and that is, um, you know, like Baseball Stars Two as an example, was hugely popular. Uh, you know, in my area, the Pacific Northwest, uh, it was hugely popular in the arcades. Uh, I remember Baseball Stars was one of those games that you know, you, you had your, you, you know, you had your clicks in the arcade. You know, you had your jocks and your nerds, and so I, I hate to click people out like that, but you know, I kind of when I look when I go back in time, I kind of see the different people hanging out in the arcade and it, it baseball stars was one of those games that everybody played kind of like street fighter. Yeah. You know, everybody played it. Um, regardless of, you know, how your friends classified you or whatever, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was missing from the list and I was like, you know, wow, that was kind of a big omission. Um, you know, and there was a few others like viewpoint and world heroes was huge here in the U S and, it's missing from the list. So again, I don't know if that's intentional. Like, are they going to do like a volume two, uh, you know, um, is there you a know, reiteration? I don't yeah, know. It, there's no open USB port or anything on there to actually add anything. Is there? No. And as far as I know, um, you know, it's got, well, it's got USB C, um, for the powers that that's, that's how it's powered up is right. on the back of the arcade to USB C. 
Um, but as far as I know, I don't think anybody's jailbroken these yet where they can, you know, mess with the firmware. If you had your ear to the ground to kind of see if there was any kind of hacking scene, because I know I, I hacked my SNES and NES and mm-hmm. it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I like keeping stuff original, too, but being able to put the games that I wanted on there was a big deal and i threw two or three i I didn't go overboard i did i know a lot of people like to cram as many as possible i just added two or three right yeah glaringly missing and i'm hoping that the playstation you know classic coming out the mini is going to be hacked because you know there's a couple of omissions on there that i would just love to add um so that's 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 interesting well, and you know, not to change the subject of of this conversation, but like the the PlayStation Mini that's coming out, I've heard it's running a very popular emulator that you can download for free off the internet. So yeah, it's only going to be a matter of time before that's jailbroken and and people are loading their own you know ISOs or or whatever on that. As large um, as those ISOs are, though, I was having a yeah. conversation with Cody. Um, the, as large as those ISOs are, I imagine they didn't spend a lot of money on internal you know, memory space on those things, you're probably going to have to swap them out, you know, to because of the room and the, the pure size of those ISOs. That's what intrigues me about that PlayStation one is the games are so large, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, compared to a SNES or NES ROM, those things are quite, quite larger. So that should be an interesting hacking scene for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely. What, what did you, so I imagine by now, cause you, you've had that now for several weeks, right? Probably oh yeah, a couple months, yeah, right? couple months yeah. Um, what are your two favorite games on that machine? And, oh, and they man. don't have to be just because it's the mini. What are your two favorite Neo Geo games on that machine, whether it's the Japanese version or the international version? Well, on the on the international version, uh, which I call kind of the U.S. version, um, Shock Troopers, um cross swords and these are both exclusives um metal slug x that's an exclusive um blazing star which is a shoot 'em up it's it's not an exclusive but those are kind of the four big ones uh, i mean like magician lord and cross swords mm-hmm. that's what i had when i traded the sega cd i had back in the day for the neo geo aes those were the two games i got um, for that trade. So being able to play those games again, um, was really nostalgic for me. And by opening that, that door of nostalgia, you know, I got me back into like, you know, the metal slug series. And then, you know, of course, you know, me glowing, glowing rice on Twitter. Um, I'm huge in the shoot 'em up. So, you know, immediately I jump into the shmups on there. Um, and blazing star is one that, um, you know, it just, it's just such an awesome feel to play that game. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Sengoku, yeah. um, and Zed blade and, and viewpoint viewpoint and Zed blade are a couple shmups that, um, are not on either system. And I, I really wish they would have paid more attention to that. Um, but, but Sengoku was, was huge over here. I remember, you know, me and my friends playing that all, all the time. So, um, you know, like Sengoku, Sengoku three, uh, is, is available, um, on both versions, but there's also a Sengoku one and a Sengoku two. I don't know why they jumped straight to three, but, um, anyways, they, they, I think they just really just took a sampling of their top games and just, bleh, you know, just spewed them onto the machine. Um, and again, I don't know if that was intentional, like eventually are they going to, 
you know, open this up for, for loading ROMs or, yeah. uh, you know, through a US, you know, through that USB C port, or are they going to release like an international version two or something that's more of the, you know, has the look and feel of the U S cabinet, you know, the red and white, right. Um, you know, who knows, but, uh, it'll be exciting to see, you know, what SNK does, you know, with this moving forward. Do you have some least favorites on that so far? I mean, any that you just scratch your head and go, Oh, I don't wonder why they added this in there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like top players golf. Yeah. Um, ick, you know, uh, I don't like it. Uh, you know, Neo turf masters was a much, much better golf. Yeah. Game. I actually liked that one. And that was one I remember back in the day that, uh, there was, there was a Neo Geo one in a mini Mart near my house. And I remember playing that and I don't think it was my favorite, but no, I thought it, I, I looked like a decent game and I remember throwing a few quarters in there and trying it out. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, of course, SNK, they, they have like a game called Puzzled on there. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. You know, whatever. You know, I just kinda, yeah. <laughs> there's some things you just kind of scroll past. Um, and I, I think really the appeal to this is the, the fighters, the shmups and the platformers, you know, the running guns like Metal Slug. Yeah. Um, are, are just going to draw people into these. Um, you know, the I, I honestly just, uh, you know, for the benefit of this conversation, you know, it. I'll just kind of say this. If you, if you go on YouTube and you watch people review these, um, I think, you know, people say quite a few negative things, but then they, they wrap the conversation with, well, you know, it's, it's a good unit, but you know, it's a little expensive for what you get. Um, I, I tend to disagree with those reviews. Um, you know, I think, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, for like the U S the, the international version, the U S version, call it what you will. Um, you know, to some people that might be a little inflated, you know, they might be more comfortable with like $80, but you know, it's Neo Geo. You got to know that, you know, it's an expensive, you know, just like collecting for it in the real world is expensive, you know? So, so to get this miniaturized arcade unit that's portable and can be hooked up to the TV and, you know, it comes with 40 games for a hundred bucks. Listen, I'm not complaining. You know, no, I jumped all over it. Especially and, in light with the, uh, in line with these other minis. I mean, that 40 games officially licensed Neo Geo games. That's to me, I didn't, I, I didn't balk at the price at all. I thought a oh, hundred bucks. That's about sounds right. Now I do kind of wish one controller had been, in, had been included. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is the reason. So some people might be asking like, you know, why this dude just go out and grab four controllers. That seems a little excessive. And the reason I did is because I was able to get the controllers for 25 bucks a pop, 24 99. And and this was at a time that these controllers were already, already getting 80 and $90 bids on eBay for them. And so I grabbed them and I didn't grab them because I'm a scalper or anything like that. It's just like, I don't want to miss the opportunity and then have to pay a higher price later. So what are the connectors um, on those? Are those they're USB, they're USB C and they're, and they're a right angle. So when you plug them in, the, the controller cord is facing the user, it's facing the player. Yeah. Um, but they're USB C. And to answer your question, I know you're going to ask, I've already plugged it into my USB C port on my, my uh, laptop and tried it with meme and other stuff and uh, windows 10 for some reason just isn't recognizing it. Now, I don't know if that's user error. I don't think so because I've got, you know, I've got other controllers to work with no problem. Okay. Um, but these ones, for some reason, windows just doesn't see the USB C controller as like a, you know, a general or USB C compliant device. Yeah. You know? um, so, 
but I'm sure, you know, in the hacker community and, you know, people like, you know, yourself and others on Twitter who, you know, are constantly pulling cards out of computers and soldering stuff and tinkering, um, somebody somehow is going to, you know, develop a, you know, a generic driver or something. Um, just because, you know, and I'll be honest, I would love to use these controllers with like me or another emulator. Absolutely. I think it would be great. All right. So we're pro- approaching an hour almost. So <laughs> we're going to have to yeah. wrap this up. But what, so your final thoughts on it, if I can, if I can kind of imagine, is that you, it's a pretty big thumbs up. This is something that you're probably going to keep and enjoy, right? It's a big thumbs up. I mean, between the two arcades, I've invested $240, you know, $100 for the, the American one, $140 for the Japanese one, and then another $100 just in controllers. So, you know, I'm in it for 340 bucks, which is still cheaper than you know, a switch and Xbox, everything else. And, you know, and I, and I get that nostalgia, I get that experience. And, you know, when I'm not playing them, the, the little arcades sit on the, the bookshelf and they're, they're cool to look at. And, you know, and if somebody comes over and they're like, Oh, what are these? You know, it's like, Hey, you plug them in and show them, you know, and it's just, it's a cool, you know, Kickstarter for conversation or just to get your, you know, your retro on or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, yeah, definitely two huge thumbs up for me. Absolutely. Awesome. That sounds great. You can hear my dog barking in the background. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Somebody's at the door. Gonna, it's going crazy. Um, no, and I was, I, you know, and I was just going to say, too, that, um, you know, again, I just caution you that if you watch YouTube reviews about these, um, you know, take them with a grain of salt. You know, uh, I would say if you if you want to try it out, buy, buy the international one. It's a $100 investment. Um, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. But, you know, if you really get the same feel from it that I do, you know, then you, from that point, you can invest forward and, you know, seek out the Japanese one or maybe pick up a few controllers. But, um, that's, that's my advice is, you know, go, go a hundred bucks and then see yeah. how you like it. That you know, sounds because awesome. I think I will pick one up. I, I, I'll probably wait till after Christmas, but I'm going to, I'm definitely going to pick one up. I love Neo Geo, uh, like a metal slug series is one of my favorite platform series. And, I love shmups too, you know, and and the funny thing is I haven't played a ton of Neo Geo shmups, so I'm kind of looking forward to trying out. I, I've played I've played Blazing Star, but I haven't played many of the other ones that are on there. Well, and and I know we're running out of time on the conversation, so I'll, I'll keep this really brief. Is that the Japanese one when the the power LED indicator is just a little blue light in the lower right hand corner of the screen, mm-hmm. but on the international US one. It's actually a blue LED ring around the joystick, and oh. it's, it just looks beautiful. And, of course, it's not authentic. I mean, the arcades obviously didn't have that. But it's just a, it's a little touch that they put on it to really make it stand out from, like, the Neo or, like, the Nintendo Mini or the SNES Mini Classics, you know, and some of these other consoles coming out. Um, and I just love how, you know, SNK, you know, just those, just those little things like that that, you know, it's like they, they – they touch on the nostalgia, but then they put a little, you know, a little flavoring of modern in it. And I just, and I love that. It's really appealing to me. So, um, you know, if you get one, get the, you get the international one. And then when that blue ring lights up, you know, it's just like, oh man, this thing, you know, yeah. the hundred bucks you spent, you're like, okay. It, I mean, the, <laughs> the blue ring makes it worth it. I mean, that's 50 sure. bucks alone. Come on. You know, <laughs> that is awesome. Cool. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss that. Um, I've been very interested in hearing, uh, you know, the opinion of someone who I trust, because uh, I, I have seen some negative things, and I, I I've heard a lot of positive things too, though. So um, that's it's great to hear about. Well, yeah, in, in knowing you and knowing 
you know, just knowing you through Twitter and knowing, you know, what appeals to you and what doesn't, I can wholeheartedly tell you that you, um, your wife, your kids, um, your friends are going to love the Neo Geo mini. I mean, honestly, it's, it's worth it. And it's, it's just fun. And like I said, when you aren't playing it, you can just set it on the desk next to you, um, set it up on a bookshelf and it just looks at you and calls to you. And you're just like, ah, this thing's just so cool, you know? And so, uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Anthony, I really appreciate you taking the time and thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Eric. Hopefully this episode will be up soon and, uh, people will learn about the Neo Geo mini, which I think is an awesome, uh, Looks looks awesome, and you say it's awesome, so I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. <laughs> All right, I will. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Six good games. All right, we are back with six good games. Metroidvania edition. There you go, Metroidvania edition. Eric's got me covered there, in case I forgot what we were talking about. But yeah, we each grabbed ourselves uh, six good games of the Metroidvania genre. And now again, what is a Metroidvania? Well, you can listen to our last episode and hear Eric and I dis- disagree about what they are. Um. <laughs> I actually did a little research, and I, I you were more right than I was. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to say I was wrong. No. Because everybody's got to... We are both 80% there. I, just I think so. But your, your element of getting power-ups to backtrack is a key element in metroidvania okay so you're right there but inherently in order to do that a visual map which is what your big thing was yeah is part of that because the map means you have to go back to other places right yep um inventory was that necessary yes okay yes it was in my mind upgrades are necessary to backtrack yep Inventory is lends itself to that very well, but I, in my mind, it wouldn't be necessary. See, and the interesting thing, like Guacamelee, which is universally regarded as a Metroidvania, oh, yeah. there's not really, really an inventory system. You can go to your closet and change costumes. That yeah, you, see, there you go. There's not really exactly kind of though, because the closet you go to, like the costumes, there are upgrades. Yeah, you can switch, so you can yes. just change your costume to get different level little power ups. Yep. So, kinda. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's... It, There's enough ambiguity uh, ambiguity there, but when you feel when you play a game, you're like, oh, this is Metroidvania. Yeah. You can feel There's a, a sense to it. You feel it. Exactly. Before we get too much started, um, we are out of beer. <laughs> we usually do th- three three beers throughout our show here. I should have brought three, and I, I, I've screwed up. That's fine, two. because I told you about an hour before we started that I completely was unable to go get beer today, so... We made it work. That's okay. You are now drinking a water, and I am drinking myself a scotch. Yep, and the only reason I'm not is i got to drive home. Do you do scotch much? No, I don't. I, I actually abandoned hard liquor quite a while ago because it oh, was really? it just doesn't sit well with my stomach. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good enough reason to not do it. Yep. That being said, steak doesn't sit well with me, but I still eat the hell out of some steak. I do, too. <laughs> that's true. Anyways, this one is called Lagavulin, and it's at this point, it's kind of a uh, major one. I get it at Costco now because it's like $30 cheaper at Costco. Oh, wow. But, um, it's a fancy bottle. But smell that. Do you, are you familiar with uh, Petey Scotch? I am. Yep. Okay. So that one's got a decent amount of peat. Gee, Merry Christmas. I like it. I love that peat smoke smell. Do you? Yeah, yep. I know. It's good. It smells good. So I enjoy it. That's what I'm sipping on. But anyways, moving forward. Uh, let's let you start this time. What's your first Metroidvania that you wanted to bring sure. to the table? Six good games means they're good. 
They're not a top 10. They're not a top anything. They're just some good games we want to talk about. We will, um, let's alternate here. But my first one is one we covered on a previous episode, so I won't go too far into it. Okay. But it is Yoku's Island Express. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So cool. this one's on, I played on Nintendo Switch, but it, I looked. It's available on everything. You can get it anywhere. You know I mean? Yeah. Xbox, PS4, Switch. I think it's on PC. I was going to say, if it's PS4 slash Vita cross by, I might be interested in because I like that portal wall aspect of it. Yeah, I don't know if it is, but God, it's ev- it, it seems everywhere. So it it is a, for people that don't know, Yoku's Island Express is a Metroidvania game where you're an ant and you're pushing a pinball, well, a ball around, and it has pinball mechanics to move you between different areas of the field. And Would you say it's more pinball or more platformer? It is more pinball, I would say. Okay. Yep. That's what I got the feeling looking at it. And I think right now I'm 30% through it. I'm going to go back, but I haven't I haven't gotten that far through it. But it is, it's awesome. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. What are the upgrades? What, like different? Um, God, it, there are, there are definitely upgrades. There, there are ways to unlock certain uh, ped, pedals, like some of the, the paddles in the game are locked down and you have to go get upgrades to unlock those paddles. Okay. Um, so it's more of a um, puzzle element than an upgrade necessary, but sure. still Metroidvania because you have to go somewhere, do mm-hmm. something to come back to reuse yeah. something that wasn't available before. Sure. And then like okay. Gu- like we were talking about Guacamelee, you do get powers that then you can go back to different levels to go and explore mm-hmm. things you couldn't reach before. So it's definitely got that kind of vibe to it, but the graphics are, are amazing in it. It's great. It's a good I just, one. When I, I know I've seen it, and it doesn't look this way, but when I hear Yoku's Island, I keep hearing Yoshi's Island. Yeah. So I imagine Yoshi's Island with pinball. <laughs> That's just what keeps popping in my head, and I need to uh, I need to actually get some time and play that one. That one does yeah. and there is, hit there, a lot of my buttons. There are definitely upgrades and an inventory system. You can get like this whistle that when you whistle, it, it makes certain things move in the game. Um, there, there's a bunch of different components. I, I gotta say, it's been a couple of months since I've played, so it's not fresh in my memory. Yeah. But there's a... There, it's there's, funny how quickly that stuff drops off. Uh, <laughs> when, when you're playing other stuff, you gotta cram other stuff in your brain, but... Nope, it's a good one. It's definitely worth checking out. It's one I'm gonna go back to, and I hopefully... And there is a be. map that you can opt to? Yep. Is the map... I've noticed most of these games that we're gonna talk about, they do use that Metroid blue with pink map. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, yeah. Like, I think it started really in Super Metroid. The first Metroid actually did not visually have a map. You had to draw it yourself. Right. Or get a yeah, Prima I guide. I remember that. Yeah, I remember <laughs> um, that. But then for every Metroid since has been this, these blue, it, well, it starts blue. You're usually the pink dots or there's points of interest, and then you'll open a new layer or world, and it'll be green or purple or whatever. Yeah. But they kind of have these same colors. They all kind of stuck to. Yep. But, yeah, the um, Yokozong Express, I... It has a very detailed map, but it zooms out. So you actually see yourself, and then it zooms out, and you see like a fog of war for places you haven't gone to yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's definitely not a rudimentary map. It's a pretty detailed map. Cool. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to ask you while we're on this, is is Kid Icarus a Metroidvania? You can't go back. You can't, can you? No. I couldn't remember. It's been a no, while. No, in so fact, that's always, when I was a kid, that was the hardest thing about the game. You'd go up, and you went up one pixel too far, and you try to jump down, you'd die. 
<laughs> so that's not okay. So no, I would not consider that one. That is I went through a Kid Icarus linear. phase like three. It four is an years RPG. Ago. Yeah, or like platformer with RPG elements. So it's definitely got that part of it. Yeah, that's one game I should I need to go back to and try to beat. But that that one gets tough as nails too. It does. That one you have to have a certain um, acquired taste for that game. I think. Yeah. A taste for eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna do mine. Again, I'm going to start with true retro and then work my way towards retro inspired. Okay. Um, so this is a game I actually decided to play this month to really dig into it because I've only played bits and pieces, well, not even bits and pieces, the same bit over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually a very influential game. Um, and uh, it is also kind of a Sega's uh, comeback to a Nintendo Metroid property. Okay. And that is Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap. Nice. Often considered um, by a lot of lists I've I've seen to be the best game on the Sega Master System, definitely in the top three or four. Yep. Um, and I had not really dug into it into it enough to see why. So I actually did play a few hours on this, and um, it's fun. <laughs> it actually it's really fun. Uh, it's interesting because it kind of we were talking about games that take a while to get into. Yes. And definitely on a much smaller scale, but. When you start this game, it's kind of this platformer, almost running gun at this point, where you're a dragon. I'm sorry, you're not a dragon. You're a you're a boy with a sword and everything, and you have a ton of life bars. Enemies are coming at you. You're killing them with one swing. You just feel like you're destroying everything, and you're just going, "This, what am I doing? This is like a kid's game. There's no challenge. You can sit there and get attacked over and over and over and over again and not die. Um, and then you even come into this." You finally come to this point where you're battling this huge boss. It's this mecha dragon. This me- uh, yeah, mechanical dragon. And it's jumping all over the place, spewing fire at you. You're getting hit. It doesn't really matter. You're losing a quarter of a heart at a time, and you've got like 12 hearts. And you kill this thing. And I don't remember the entire story at this point, but long story short, um, you are cursed, and all your powers are taken away, and you become a weak dragon. Oh, wow. And you start the game basically saying you, and I believe it's like a continuation from a previous uh, Wonder Boy game, and we're not even going to get into the lineage of Wonder Boy games because it is all over the map. Have you have you heard of some of this? I did. I listened to a whole podcast once about the whole oh my goodness background and Adventure and... Island games are Wonder Boy games, but with a completely different feel to them. And then yep. there's um, I've played a lot of another one of the Wonder Boy games, uh, Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Yeah. Um, on on the Sega Master System, and mm-hmm. that's a really fun game. It's more of a linear game, and I do really like it actually. Um, that was more instant for me to get into. Uh, so, anyways, you're at this point in this game where you're a dragon with a fire breath and one heart, oh, wow. and then go. Um, so it's pretty cool. Uh, your your basic mechanics are um, you know typical uh, platformer mechanics, but you can duck. Some yeah. games you can't duck. In this game, you can duck. So if you're, there's a lot of kind of scrolling left to right or right to left. You can go both ways in this game. And um, uh, fireballs are coming at you. you. You can either duck them or else you can actually breathe fire and your fireball will hit their fireball or any projectile and cancel each other out. Um, or you can duck under things, but sometimes the projectiles will come at you low, so you got to duck and shoot. Um, it actually lends its game to be very slow and methodical. So it's not a Metroidvania in the sense of Metroid or Castlevania, Symphony of Night and further. <laughs> Again, <Right. laughs> uh, l- listen to previous episode to understand that one. Um, 
but yeah, it's very much uh, kind of you're, if you're going left, you tap left a little bit at a time until something shows up, and then you deal with it. If you just run left, you're going to get a bunch of enemies at once, and you're going to get overwhelmed and killed. You kind of have to. Um, it's trial and error, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, you'll you'll hit a part a few times, die, go back to your save point, try to get a little further, die, back to your save point, get to the point where you collect something or kill something that connects to another save point, and then you can keep going. Hmm. Now, when you die, you keep your gold. Okay. Um, another interesting thing is when you die, you can hit continue, and there's this little um, track on the outside. It's kind of like a spinning wheel. And if you land on a full heart, you keep all your hearts. And if you don't, you start again with one heart, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, That's challenging. In which case, if you do that, really, it's not that big of a deal. You're usually, the save, save points are pretty close to a healer. Okay. But then you have to go spend money to fill your hearts back up. But it's kind of fun to have that extra right. element of luck. Um, that's an that's an interesting element, though, you discussed. There are games where you start fully powered, and then you get And you knocked. lose everything. Well, that's kind of a Metroid, Metroid thing, too. That's a Castlevania thing, too. Remember where, uh, what's his name, starts off with all of his powers, and then, like, he gets... Yeah, depend, Alucard, or... Yeah, depend, Alucard, exactly. You, but, side note, you know why that name is Alucard? Mm-mm, I don't. Is it Dracula backwards? Yes, it is. <laughs> ah, I just figured that out. It's supposed to be his son. Um, that's funny that you just figured it out. Um, this is a complete side tangent, but I don't typically get into anime. I'm not big on anime. I think we talked about this before also. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Studio Ghibli. Because I'm not big in anime either. Netflix had come out last year with a Castlevania they did. anime series. There's four episodes. And, and I heard it's really good. And I watched them and I loved them. They're extremely violent. Well, extremely violent. Right. So they just released another, I think, 10 episodes. So it went from four to 14 now. And I'm I'm watching them. The, oh, are you? I, I watch new ones all over. They're the old ones all over again. I'm I'm halfway through the new ones. But Is that on Netflix? It's Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, I should. I'm I'm gonna try to get, try to jump in there. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm not big into anime because usually the the way they explain things, whatever, just doesn't work. But this very much feels like a Western way of storytelling, just with anime graphics. Yeah, it's the anime storytelling that doesn't work for me, not the imagery. Yeah. Anyways, right on. Let's hop on back. Yep. So Wonder Boy. Um. So yeah, you can you you can go left, you can right, you can go. There's a lot of these doors. The whole thing is you got these wooden doors that you can go through, and sometimes they'll have a little sign above them, which usually means it's like a shop or a healer. Um, they'll have some doors with locks, which you have to find a key somewhere to come back to. Um, and it's definitely there's no like overworld map or anything. It's definitely you're. That being said, there's no map actually. You can't. Is there a map? You paused and you get your inventory screen. So there's no map. Okay. Um, but you kind of have to memorize where you're going and stuff and find doors. And um, it, it's just, it's pretty cool. Uh, your upgrades are, you can upgrade your shield. Uh, your shield, if you let something hit you. When you're in dragon form, you can't use a shield because you've got tiny little T-Rex arms. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I've reached my second form now, which is, the, they call I think they call it like Mighty Mouse or so it's a little tiny guy. Oh. And he's got a tiny little shield. And uh, he doesn't need to duck because he's already at that level. Um, but your shield can block things directly in front of you. You just can't be attacking. Otherwise, you will get hit. Um, you can upgrade your armor. You can upgrade your sword. And then you have, uh, kind of like Castlevania, you have auxiliary weapons. Uh, you can use a tornado, a fireball, um, things like that. Every time you kill an enemy, a coin pops up in the air and bounces around. You can pick that up if you get it quick enough. Or sometimes a heart to fill your health bar back up. Um, the killer on this one 
although it becomes a plus later in life, and I'll tell you why in a second. The save system is a password save. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's a lot on a lot of Master System games, yeah. Which is hilarious because whenever I'm showing family my family pictures of things we've been doing for the last few months, half the pictures are just random old video game password screens. Oh yeah, you should <laughs> you should take a look at my gallery right now on my phone. It's all just retro computers and retro machines and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. And between that and then for work I I do a lot of job walks where I take pictures of lighting or machines or things like that. Yeah. So between video games and just random people's <laughs> ceilings or, or or machines, people are just like, "What do you do all day? Like, there's where's where's your family?" Yeah. I'm like, "Somewhere in here, between the machines and the lighting and the video games, there's my family's <laughs> in here somewhere." Um, this also does kind of continue the uh, original Metroid style of having just invisible walls. <laughs> so it'll be in a room and. It looks like there's no way out, but if you just kind of jump around, eventually you just kind of go through a wall magically for no reason. Oh, wow. That's kind of an old retro, you know, yep. Metroid you used to just bomb random things on the ground or sometimes just walk through walls for no reason. They're just, yeah, they don't really do that anymore, but in this game they do. And um, kind of also, again, I think to counteract like the Super Mario game and Super Mario 3 probably at this time, um, there's some swimming areas as well. Yeah. Um, which is cool because I don't know of any other games that have kind of swimming areas <clears throat> that are also a Metroidvania RPG game. Um, I got one coming up. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to this point, but I know you can also at some point become like a bird in this game and fly. And of course, there's there's doors that are in the air that you couldn't get to before because you couldn't fly and hold up to go in the door. Yeah. Um, uh, a lion, a big lion, which um, not sure of his ability yet, but looks cool. Uh, the one control issue i've run into well anyways anything on a sega master system they've got that square d-pad yeah where it's kind of um diagonally heavy it's really easy to try to press left and right and accidentally get an up or down on there as well yeah so that's always a concern when playing a sega master system game do you have the little uh, joystick that screws into the i do on one of them okay do you ever use that I haven't, and I don't know where it went. I'm so mad, actually. I just I just noticed that the other day. Yeah. I don't have that. Mine didn't come with any of them, so I thought about trying to get one just to I feel I bet those are pretty them. rare at this point. I, I just a little joystick, because it just screws in and out. That can't be hard to replicate, though. There's got to be some way to mm. machine some of those. They are cool just to have. Yeah. They, I remember trying to use it, and it, d- it didn't work well. <laughs> I, I got to look, look on eBay. You typically we... just end up with your thumb on top anyways, using it like a D-pad. Yeah. But um, So the cool thing about this game is, we mentioned it last time again as well, they released it again on PlayStation 4 and I'm sure other systems. I think uh, Xbox One okay. as well. Yeah. And uh, No, actually, I know they, they came out with it on Switch more recently. Yeah. And that, that one has the, where you can switch between the, you can switch, you can make it yeah. exactly like the old one and you can modernize graphics and modern like orchestral music, which sounds awesome. What's cool about it is when you play it, it feels archaic yeah. a little bit. I mean, it's work definitely works. It's comfortable, but it does feel archaic. And I watched it with the graphic change. It looks like it's really smooth and like it feels completely different. So I watched a video where they're switching back and forth and you realize, no, they kept the gameplay the same. It's just the in-between running animations and things make it look more fluid, but the gameplay is identical. And I've heard that from a lot of people. They're like, no, the gameplay is the same, huh. which is um, probably one reason it doesn't get, I think it gets like eights out of tens, but the people who love it, love it. Yeah. And I think there's just people who don't know where it's from or don't know that it's retro background who are probably thinking, why is this game considered good? Is it's like chunky and, well, it's literally the old game with new coat of paint. Yeah. 
So. I, I've loaded them up. I've never played one for, for any substantial amount of time. Well, to my knowledge, this is the only, it's not the only one, but this is one of the few that is uh, Metroidvania. Most of, them is are, Metroidvania. Are, most of them are linear. Most of them are just platformers like Mario or something. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Um, okay. So what's really cool about the new version, and this is what I was getting at, is if you pull up the new version of the game, and this is what I might do here because I'm like two or three hours into the Wonder Boy game on my master system. Yeah. If I get the new one, I can still put in the password on the new one. It'll oh, still work. That's cool. And then I can save it, save state from there. And you have save states from I don't there. know if it saves states, but it, it doesn't password save. You still go to save points, but it'll do a hard a hard save. Oh, that's cool. That I think that's like... really cool because I was playing. So, I'm like, if I'm going to play it, I own the game. I'm going to play the legit game. But there's a part of me that's like, just because they did the password thing, that violates your. I uh, might pay twenty bucks. That violates your Prime Directive. Yeah. Even though it's a remake, I mean, it, it does have updated graphics. Yeah, oh yeah. Hmm. Remake? No, remakes don't bother me. Ports bother me. Yeah. It's, a, it's not. They don't bother me. I'm sorry. Remakes make it better, and I will buy remakes like I did with Resident Evil, especially if they fix a problem like controls. Uh, it's yeah, just ports from one system to another that look identical, and then I'm just like, why? Yeah, but anyways, I do love the game. I don't know if it's one of my, f- uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. I don't know if it's my favorite on the Master System at this point, but there's always that little nostalgia thing. I did own a Master System when I was younger. I had a Nintendo, and then I remember this is probably when I'm sure this is when they were blowing them out. Yeah, probably getting rid of the Master System. They Genesis already came out. It's already been out for a couple of years, and I saw a Master System two in a like a comic book or whatever and um it was the system that came with like three games and it was 39.99 i had no idea what it was because it was completely redone i had seen that master system i have now which is model one with the mauve yeah like the hard 80s angles yeah it looks almost like a a, um what's that car the vector (laughs) or like kit exactly Um, it looks like a kit car from knight rider in video game form but this is like a rounded early 90s um, Master System 2, and it had Alex Kidd built into the system. Yeah. So if you didn't plug in a cartridge, you played Alex Kidd, which I'll get to later because I do love that game too. Anyways, that's how I got my Master System. So those games are more nostalgic to me, but this game is solid. Yeah, my my best friend in sixth grade had a Master System. and uh, We all knew one kid. One kid. One and kid. the funny thing is I don't think we ever played it. <laughs> he yeah. had one. I don't think we ever... I, he I'm was ashamed. To, I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't think we played it. Because he got an Atari 5200 not long after, and we just played that all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A 5200 over a Master System? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's wacky kids. So you were that guy. <laughs> well, he got, well, he got rid of the Master System and got the Atari 5200, so I don't think we... That is a bizarre That's a, step backwards, even yeah. though the Master System wasn't as pop. Well, neither was the 5200. Yeah. This kid just bought every odd system out there. Yeah. Didn't have any of those Gosh, he was totally that kid. systems. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> anyway. What's your next game? So my next game is one you're familiar with, is uh, a Commodore 64 game, Night and Grail. Oh, I love this game. Yeah. When was I, this released? Do you know? I don't remember 20, the exact. 2012, 2011? 2011, I think. Okay. Cause it's been I I so when I got it I bought it and I got it mm-hmm. and I played it like crazy for about two weeks and I I honestly th- I know this is gonna sound lame but I just don't even remember if I beat it or not but I got really close and uh, 
I I thought it was just a masterpiece. I mean, I I loved playing it. The graphics were amazing. Uh, just a, a solid game. So you know, it, you're a knight and you have a sword and you you go through the game. It's got a map. It's got uh, you, you basically have to go get power ups and you. It's not complex. It's not complex at all. Not at all. But it does follow all the tropes that it needs to to be a Metroidvania game. Yep. And given that it's a Commodore game, yeah, single single screen. Yep. So you're on one screen, and did they, they each screen has a name? Is that correct? I no? think so. I think you're right. It's um, been like I said, it's been a long time since I played it. I think a lot of those older games. I know a lot of the ZX Spectrums games. I yep. shouldn't say I know, but from what I've seen, each screen will have a name that'll be at the top, and they'll kind of help you build the map in your head. I um, should have brought mine because I bought it, and it comes with a map. Oh, that's in cool. the box, yeah. So that is a game that was one of the first games I played when I got my C64. Okay. And again, if you gave me the top 10, if you asked for my top 10 C64 games, eight at least eight of them would would be games that are post-2000. Yeah. Like modern games on the C64. Mm-hmm. A lot of great stuff to dig and, into. And I did love Holy Grail, or Night and Grail. Night and Grail, and, yeah. And I have not played the, the Night and Grail 2, which they called something different. Yeah. And it has a female lead, but I cannot remember the name of the game right now. She, and she's like a wizard. Yeah, it's not soulless. Um, I played soulless, and that's um. I'm not. I'm not as big of a fan of that one. It looks pretty. It, yeah, it's a nice one. Um, Night and Grail Two had a different name. I think it was called Night and Grail Two, but there was a subtitle. Yeah. Um, let me. Oh, anyway, but I do remember playing that, and um. You just, probably have a better memory of some of the details than I do, but I do remember I, I loved it. It was a great game, and buying a physical copy of it had a lot of goodies. See, that's box. what I that's what I wanted to do, and that was one of the games I was going to physically buy when I was telling you about that yep. just, just, just a little bit ago. I played the game all the way through and beat it and just enjoyed it, and I want to say four or five hours to beat the whole game. Th- that's about, I mean, I was probably. probably four hours into it, and I was really close. And that's for me for a Commodore game. That's perfect, um, because you always felt like you were moving forward to something. You weren't stuck on something for too long. It was good, solid, chunky graphics. Everything, the reactions to everything, just felt good. I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to give the publisher some money for what they created. Because yeah. when I downloaded, it, I downloaded it free. Yeah. And so I wanted to buy it after the fact. I wanted to buy a physical copy. I wanted to get some of those feelies, if you want to call them that. I don't remember there being feelies at the time, but they're well, feelies meaning yeah. maps or things that come in the box. Right. Um, so I think what I ended up doing is just like donating $2 to their page or something because I just appreciated the game. Yep. I had five fun hours with it. I did love it, and I wanted to give them something for it. Yeah. But I think after shipping, it was going to end up being like 42 bucks. And it had really nice controls. I remember that, like for a Commodore 64 game, which is hit or miss with the controls. Yeah, no, yeah, they were tight. And yep. I played the whole thing with my Competition Pro. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Right on. So that that is one that I actually thought about choosing myself. Yeah, I looked up real quick. I couldn't <laughs> find a Night and Grail 2, so I don't know. Oh, we'll I'll have, have to, to find it. We'll have to look that up. Cool. I really want to play that one too, though. Absolutely. All right. So I guess I'm already getting away from retro and jumping into... Uh, I consider you in a couple other games. We can do some honorable mentions, I'm sure. Sure. Um, Symphony of the Night, the actual Castlevania Symphony of the Night that helped pen the term mm-hmm. Castlevania, in my opinion, because every Castle game, Castlevania game before that 
again, listen to the previous show, in my opinion, was not a Castlevania. It was just a linear, or not, I'm sorry, not a Metroidvania. Uh, it was just a linear game. Good games, just not Metroidvanias. So um, that was in the running. Um, a couple other games I thought about that were that were more retro that were in the running, but I really wanted to bring up a couple of games I played lately that just clicked with me, and I think other people should try. And we are um, Pixel Guide, and we're not Retro Pixel Guide. We could talk about exactly. modern games. We haven't, we haven't clarified that in a bit, but Retro Inspired is part sure. of Retro for us. Okay. Um, so, here we go. I'll throw it at you. Oh, here we go. Yep. That is a Nintendo 3DS game. Shantae's, uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Have you heard of the Shantae games? I have heard of them, but I've never played them. And so, I don't even know if I've seen them. Okay. So, the, the first game if I'm not mistaken, came out in the Game Boy Color. Okay. And it was an amazing game that went way under the radar. And if you would get like an original copy now, it's like 500 bucks. Oh, yikes. Um, I ha- That's the only Shantae game I have not played all the way through now is the original Game Boy Color game. Okay. Um, they came out with another one that was Game Boy Advance, which I have played most of. Okay. Very good. Um. Definitely Metroidvania. And what I've noticed actually literally today while I was looking over my list, very much like Wonder Boy 3. Um, definitely amped up, more modern, but very much like Wonder Boy 3. So kind of similar thing. There's no overworld map necessarily. You go left, you go right to get places. Now this is the, the I'm sorry, Shantae, Risky's Revenge is the Game Boy Advance game. Okay. And um, Are these all mobile? Well, Game Boy Advance is mobile. What do you mean by that? No, all the Shantae's. Yes. They're all mobile yes. platforms. There's yes. none on a console. I, well, I think they do. Yes. they. I mean, that one right there is Vita. I'm sorry. I'm pointing right here. Vita. Half Genie Hero, which is the Vita game there. Okay. That is also on PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. So you can get them. But yes, every single game can be portable. Okay. The primary systems are portable. Okay. Um. So anyways... The game Risky's Revenge and the next one, um, Shantae's a genie. Long story short, Shantae's a genie. She's running around trying to save her island of Scuttletown, and kind of like Metroid, they have to keep finding an excuse for her to have to fight off all these baddies and save Scuttletown. Yeah, just like in Metroid, you have to keep on finding reasons that uh, Aaron or Aaron, how do you say her name? Anyways, loses all her abilities and has to start from nothing again every time. Okay. So in that game, the big thing was. Through the game, you can turn into different animals to get through different parts of the levels, just like Wakamele, and yeah. previously, just like Wonder Boy 3, which I, we just talked about, Yeah, which is the connection I just made. Um, and the cool one of the cool things about that game is they kind of had a foreground or, or background. You can kind of go between things sometimes for to traverse between different parts of the land. Yeah. So anyways, fast forward to the game I'm actually talking about, and all three py- uh, or Shantae games I've played... I could have chosen for this list. They're all great, and I'd recommend any one of them. I chose this one because it was the one that introduced me to the, to the um, series, and it's on the 3DS, which I don't have a lot of 3DS games, so I'm like, why not pick this one? There is some of that 3D um, imagery, and it looks cool. Of course, it's not necessary, but it was a game I could definitely play the whole game through with it on. It kind of helped. Yeah. It was cool. Um, so, Enchante and the Pirate's Cursed... Uh, Scuttletown is under attack by the the bad guy in this game is the Ammo Baron. They have all these barons. <laughs> yeah. The barons have different things. This guy is the Baron of Ammo, apparently. It's really tongue-in-cheek, really cartoony, over-the-top. Um, 
and the graphics in this particular game still have that pixel look. They were definitely going with the retro-inspired pixel-y look. However, when there was like a cutscene, um, which there was t- plenty of, I wouldn't call them cutscenes. They were uh, that Japanese style of an anime person popping up and then text popping up at the bottom. Yeah. And then someone else would talk and they would get highlighted and come to the forefront and text would pop up at the bottom. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what, you call what you're that. talking about. Yeah. No, I know, I know what you're talking about. And it's hand-drawn art and it's beautiful and crisp and everything. But the gameplay is pixely, more yeah. pixely. And yeah. I would say 32-bit, probably like a Saturn uh, pixely uh, quality of imagery there. Um, so at this point, Shantae, because of the previous game, is no longer a genie. She's a half genie. <laughs> um, and her arch enemy in the pre- previous game, which was called Risky's Revenge, well, is a, a pirate named Risky Boots. Again, everything's really kind of cheesy and tongue-in-cheek. Uh, she's like this purple pirate character. And in this game, uh, slight spoiler, but not really, basically uh, they kind of have to team up to fight off this ammo baron to save both of their land. And uh, Shantae is basically going through in her power-ups. The things she's grabbing as she goes through are, are uh, parts, uh, the Risky Boots' effects that have been left around. So she'll find a pistol. She eventually finds Risky Boots' hat, which turns into a parachute so she can kind of glide down things. And hence the Metroidvania. You can go past things that you couldn't glide to before, but now you can. Yeah. Uh, mechanisms you had to shoot to, to open doors and things that you couldn't before. Um. Her main uh, attack is a hair whip, which is kind of funny. Have you ever played, um, oh, what's it called? There's a game on the NES where you're a samurai and you do hair whips. <laughs> yeah, I, You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. I have it up there. I just can't think of the name of it right now. It might come to me, but no, I played that. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a solid game. For it under, is. And it's like under 10 bucks. Well, last time I checked, it's probably $800 now, but yep. it was like under 10 bucks at the time. Anyways, your main... Your main uh, Attack is a hair whip, and you're, you can get upgrades to your hair, which makes it longer. I think it's shampoo. I mean, it's really tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And you end up getting your hair longer and, and, and further out, so you can attack more things. Um, the music is awesome. It's definitely, again, it, everything is very, um, I don't want to say stereotypical, <laughs> but we're talking about a genie, so there's like the, uh, this bass-heavy hip-hop Middle Eastern music that... Just when you hear it, it, I mean, it thumps. It sounds really good. It just gets you pumped to play. Um, there's vases all over the levels. When you attack the vases, gems and hearts can fall out. Um, the huge boss battles where you kind of have to figure out how each boss battle works. The first one, which to me was very reminiscent of uh, Rescue Rangers on the NES. Have you played that? I have. Okay. You know how all the boss battles in that are have to do with these balls that land somewhere and you have to like find out how to pick them up or attack them or throw them back at the boss? Yep. So there's it, a lot like a lot of games like that, yeah. Yeah. So each boss is definitely different. You got to figure it out, um, but they're very doable. And once you figure out the trick, it's not overly difficult. It's a good good amount of difficult. Um, let's see. Blah blah. I'm reading through my notes here, make sure I didn't miss anything. I think I pretty much got it. But for example, uh, her she has all these friends that are, that have different kind of personalities. One of the best ones is Roddy Tops. It's this zombie, and so. Um, the animation in this game is very akin to Metal Slug, where everything in the game is just moving yeah. constantly. So um, her her special abilities, she does a belly dance, <laughs> and some magic thing happens. She changes <laughs> or something changes. Um, Roddy Tops, of course, is like almost falling over because she's a zombie. She's half dead. And she, we find out she has a family, and there's a, all this, there's a, there's a stage where you're trying to save her, 
So you collect her parts up and try to run through a level. Um, there's even one point in the game where, um, and I will touch on this, the game is definitely family-friendly, but there is uh, absolutely the um, over-sexualization of all the characters. Right. They're all women. All the characters are women, and they're all wearing you know some scanty-clad clothing. Um, and, of course, in 3D, th- certain parts are enhanced and the other parts aren't. Right. Um, and it's also kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, so, for example, there's a part in the, it, where she's captured. You're captured as Shantae, and you end up in, um, I believe, a pyramid as a slave. And so you're dressed up as Slave Leia from Star right. Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all in good fun. Um, but that's definitely a part of it there. And so, um, yeah. Don't know what else to say about that. But it, the game is just solid. The action is solid. Everything just feels good. And every game I've played, so the one I was talking about a second ago was Shantae, the Half-Genie Hero, which is the next game, which is on the Vita and the PlayStation uh, 4. Okay. And that game is kind of more of the same. Um, We're not really here to talk about that one, but I will say that the graphics on that are all hand-drawn. There's no pixely bits. And um, it's kind of similar to the new graphics in that Wonder Boy game we were just talking about. I would recommend any of them, but for this particular list, I chose... Shantae and the Pirate's Curse on the 3DS. Now, this game, all these games, are made by a company called WayForward. Have you heard of WayForward? I haven't. Everything they touch is gold, in my opinion. Is it really? I, it's they're, they're a small studio, apparently. Um, they actually just came out with another Metroidvania, a couple more. Uh, but on the PlayStation Network, I haven't played yet, but I heard amazing things about it. And it, again, flew under the radar because... It's a really weird license they got at the wrong time, but it's The Mummy Demastered <laughs> is what it's called. But it's yeah. their own original game. And it's, I, I, it's not based on the movie at all? I think it might be. I'm not entirely sure, but it is a straight-up Castlevania uh, Metroidvania game, and it looks amazing. It's got great reviews for those who played it, but you would never think to click on a game called The Mummy Demastered. No. Um, <laughs> the, anyways, way forward, I would check into them. Um, they have this uh, intro screen on all their games with this little ditty. And every time I hear it, I just get happy. I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> I, I honestly haven't heard. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to look up a list of games or something. And uh, yeah, they've all been really solid. And they, I, th- I believe their first game was Shantae on the Game Boy Color, and they've continued since. That's pretty amazing. And I think at this point, they do a lot of um, games for other companies. Yeah. Um, they actually do the development of it, but they do a great job. Controls are going to be perfect on all their games. Yeah. That's cool. I, I honestly haven't played any of their games. I don't think I have. You, you say there's one on Game Boy Advance, though, right? Yes. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna write that down because I, I, I could probably put that on the EverDrive and play that. Very cool. So you are up. I'm actually, while you, while you do that, I'm... Um, you know what? Let me take a second. We talked about feelies. Yeah. And a few episodes ago, we, we talked about this. So this is my Shantae Half-Genie Hero on the Vita, Risky Beats Edition. And it comes with a soundtrack, which I've never opened. That's nice, though. But you can see there's Risky Boots there. Yeah. You can see Well Endowed. <laughs> and uh, Shantae's on the back there. So I haven't even opened that. To be honest, I've never been a big soundtrack guy. But the soundtrack on this game is just so solid and bass heavy that I probably would give that a shot. Um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, this is more modern than we would like as the only two things in here are the CD and then the game with no manual or anything. Right. That's the way all my Nintendo Switch Bummer. games are. They just literally have the cartridge and that's it. Yeah. We talked about Axiom Verge a few a few episodes ago and it had yeah. we opened that up and it had tons of stuff. So I was hoping to see the same thing here. But no. Yeah, I'm not a big soundtrack guy either, but um, I do recognize good music in games when I hear it. But I don't go. I seeking... love them in the game, but I'm not gonna like. It's not something I'd listen to in the car. Bump it in my car. Yeah. When I get the Rockford Fosgates thumping with some risky beats. The uh, some of the Guacamole songs get stuck in my head because I've been playing it so much. <laughs> yeah, and they are very fitting for the game. They are absolutely. They're but yeah, fitting. outside of the game, I don't know if I just like listen no. to them. No. But yeah. All right, what's your number? Are you on number three? Yep, this is my third. Last one for me is Master Blaster Zero, which is a remake of... Now, it is a true remake, which you would be okay with, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's a completely different game. Remake of Master Blaster on the NES. And it's not a completely different game. Oh, I I thought it was. No, some of the levels are similar, but they do... Introduce new mechanics, new graphics, new levels. There are it, they have added substantially to so the it's game. More, lots more okay. to it. Um, it does follow Metroidvania, though. I mean, you are in a tank called yep. Sophia. Have you you've played it before, right? I've played the original. Yeah, the Master Blaster. Yep. So you are. I don't know what the little guy's name is. I don't even know if he has a name. Everyone knows Sophia the tank. Sophia the tank. <laughs> yep. All right. This is really random. So, so you are Sophia the Tank. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I have to. They, I just looked this up recently when I was doing a little bit of research on Shantae to make sure I had all my facts straight. Yeah. And a few months ago, they released an update for everybody just to say thank you for buying Shantae games. Yeah. And so they updated Shantae the Half-Genie Hero with two new game modes. You still play the game through all the way. Yeah. But one, again, is that kind of hyper... Actually, it's, it's not as hyper-sexualized as I thought it would be, but it was called... Um, pajama party where she's in pajamas and she pillow fights all the enemies which is kind of wow that's Japanese yeah but then the second one is she becomes Sophia the tank I'm not even joking really it so she just gets squad squatty it's her head with like two wheels and a turret and you play the game through as Sophia the tank wow (laughs) do you think it's an homage to the oh absolutely okay do they I'll say? Have to show you that. It's do hilarious. they say, "Hey, this is Sophia yeah, the Tank"? Yeah. Oh wow! Absolutely. So that's definitely an homage. I just think it's hilarious. Sorry to cut you off. Can no, I- no, it's related. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Um, Keep going. But actually, Master Blaster Zero is just a you drive around in Sophia the Tank. Uh, I think the I mean it has all the usual tropes. You upgrade your weapons. You can fire. You have you know you can upgrade to firing three or four missiles. Um, but one of the more interesting things about this is you can get out of the tank and it's kind of like in guacamole where you become the little egg or the chicken, you know, so that you can go through the little tunnels. Um, this one, you become yeah. the little guy so you can go into different areas and then it becomes like a completely different type of game, right? Almost like a Zelda game. Because yeah. it's like a top-down, and you have a blaster, and you fire at things, and you collect power-ups and weapons. and uh, But there are certain areas where you can only access it as the little guy instead of the tank. Um, and that's pretty much it. 
I mean, it, it, it I, it's a pretty, it's not, there's not a lot to talk about with Mass Blaster. I mean, there's, it, it just follows the same kind of deal. You go through a map, you have to backtrack, you. But you, it's interesting because the, the NES game was released mm-hmm. before Metroid. Correct. Vania copies or whatever. I mean, Metroid games were really copied. Yeah. Before Super Metroid. Yep. So they weren't, it wasn't like. Yeah, I mean, that goes to prove the point that there's nothing original about it. I mean, it went all the way back to the NES. At that point, they were basically taking two different game styles and mashing them together. Yep. But it worked out, and a lot of people love that game. I I played the NES one um, for a while, trying to click with it, and it didn't quite click. I definitely could appreciate it. Yep. Um, But it wasn't something I was going to, excuse me, stick with and beat. It's definitely easier to play on the Switch, um, Master Blaster Zero, because... You know they they've upgraded the handling. save. Yeah. Okay. The yep. handling is better. The graphics are better. And that's probably where it faltered for me. It's the same thing as I'd play for forty-five minutes, and I'm like, well, if I can't find a save point, what do I do? Just leave. Yeah. You know, when we were kids, we'd left the we call it left left the, LED, the red light running. And, and, and this hope your mom didn't shut it off and see the red light. So you'd cover it with something and make sure she didn't see the red light and shut it off to save energy. Yeah. The the old one, you know, had a password system, if I remember right. The old yeah, I believe it did, but I think you had to get to a certain point you to did. get the password. You did. Now so it's the still new... kind of like a save point. And that's what one thing this remake adds is these little p- blue portals come up, and you can jump in there and save the game. And those portals okay. are pop up everywhere, okay. so you, yeah, there's no nice. lack of save space. Uh, um, it's a fun one. I I probably only thirty percent through it or something. And I what, what I did you play on. it on? I play on Switch. On the Switch, okay. Yep, and it's a great because the you know the graphics are nice, big, and chunky. It plays very well on the smaller Switch when you are when you go mobile. I can't tell if you can see that I can. or not. Yep. It's actually called Blaster Master Edition. Oh. And there she is at Sophia the Tank. <laughs> and then the other version is called the Jammies Edition, whatever. Yeah. Pillow Fights, which honestly didn't interest me. But the Sophia the Tank actually changed the gameplay a lot. Yeah, I can The bet. Pillow Fight one seemed like instead of her hair, it was a pillow. It didn't change yeah. anything. But this one actually looks a lot different. I'd be curious to try it. And the cool thing about it is I own the game, so if I turn it on, I can download the new version and just play that. It's yeah. a freebie they, they're they just giving out to people. Oh, that's Free cool. DLC. When do you hear about that anymore? No. <laughs> you don't. Cool. Last game for me. Yep. Now, this one's kind of a... Eh, I wouldn't call it... It's a Metroidvania to me. Okay. But it's kind of a stretch because it is not a platformer. Okay. Uh, Song of the Deep. Have you heard of this? I haven't. It's been out now, I want to say since 2015. You know what? I didn't even grab it to to show it to you. I do have it, actually. Are you able to grab it down there? It should be down there. In my PlayStation 4 section there. I do want to, I just want to see if you can find it so that you can take a look and see what, what the uh, the atmospheric feel of this game is. But basically, yeah, Song of the Deep is another indie uh title i guess if you want to call it an indie title um let me take a step back here and just explain why i even saw this game so i think i got that thing for like 10 bucks new yeah um and i probably i played through it played probably about 15 hours to play through the game so Um, you beat it oh yeah oh wow that's cool yep there she is so that's a the girl in the back her name is marin but you can kind of see actually the front there is very reminiscent of the gameplay yep only thing inside is the cd but you're in a little submarine. So when I was a kid, or even nowadays, for whatever reason, I just have this fascination with underwater. Yeah. Like, I'd be terrified in reality to go underwater, but right. in my mind, like, that's a whole different world, and 
seeking out caves and kind of the whole Nautilus thing and just like it seems like a different world that actually exists under there. Right. Um, I find it fascinating, but I'm I'm pretty claustrophobic, so yeah, I would so that, not feel good underwater too deep. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I I did go scuba diving a couple of times and loved it. My wife flipped out. We were down there at the bottom. We actually went deeper than we were supposed to go based on scuba. Yeah. What our protocol? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we look up and see a boat on the top of the water. It looked like a tiny little boat. It was a decent sized boat from where we were. And my wife just went, started going up. She flipped out, went up. And I did not have an issue with that because to me, I'm out in the open. I'm out in the water. But anyways, tangent upon, upon tangents there. Um, just love deep sea exploration, the concept of that, mm-hmm. um, it, both in reality and in fantasy. And this game, it just fits it to a T. So this girl, her name is Marin. Her dad um, is, a I want to say, a fisherman. But they live right on the coast, um, or else actually I think they maintain a lighthouse. I don't remember the story. It's been a few years now. Long story short, he goes out in his boat and doesn't come back one day, and she doesn't know why. So she builds a submarine out of scrap parts, yeah, of course. which of course works perfectly. Yeah, no. But leaks. it's this tiny little one-person sub. Yeah, hops in the water to go find her dad. Start. You're in the game, and it's just the coolest thing. You're just. It's a. Uh, it's definitely got some physics-based mechanics to it, but you're just driving the sub around and it's you know it's got momentum so you kind of have to fight momentum i'm doing this thing with my hand describing it yeah um and you start just a straight exploration game hmm. until you find your first power up which is a claw which can like kind of reach out and grab things that, or else it can also hit enemies um and then it's just super atmospheric the, the, it's this orchestral track that just leads to the whole feeling the whole thing um you know, she's driving around her self-made submarine. Uh, there's currents. Some sometimes the puzzles will involve currents going one way. There's mines. You can grab mines with your claw and drag them around. Yeah. There'll be uh, gates that you have to open. Uh, so there'll be like little pulleys that your claw can grab. But sometimes your claw's not strong enough, so you have to find another way or some something at the bottom of the ocean and take it up to the claw and hang it on. The th- I don't know. There's just um, anything you can imagine doing underwater. You kind of get to. Of course, it's 2D. This is a 2D. Um, so I don't know what you'd call that. If it's not a platformer, because you're not jumping on platformers, it's a 2D exploration game, I guess. Yeah. Um. It, it, your your store, of course, you have you have your inventory, right? So you're gaining coins and you're finding things. Um, your store is actually a hermit crab. <laughs> These hermit crabs are every once in a while, and and you you show up and talk to the hermit crab, and it can sell you stuff. I don't know if it's storing it in its shell or whatever. Um, there'll be like barnacles that can block your way. You have to find certain missiles or things that can get rid of the barnacles to find those spots. Um, there'll be parts of the ocean that are so dark you can't see, so you have to get a spotlight upgrade. And then the spotlight, of course, certain animals, when they see it, will will either run away or, or shrink up, and that you have to use that to part of the puzzle effect. Um, there are some parts in this game, again, like traditional Metroidvania games, where they have invisible walls you have to just go through randomly to find secrets. Yeah. They're, they're never necessary, but you can find extra things. Um, there's anemones. They shrink up. There's seahorses. You, there's actually even parts where you'll see little crevices that you can't fit the submarine through. So at a point in the game, you find... Um, you know, I can't remember what the power-up was, but basically you find a way where you can breathe underwater. <laughs> like a regulator or something? That something like get? that, Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's kind of steampunky that way. It's definitely yeah. steam, underwater steampunk. And so Marin can hop out of her, 
her submarine to find her way through these small cracks and crevices. That's kind of like Master Blaster then. <laughs> yeah, actually, there you go. Yeah, everything relates to the past. And at that point, you're very susceptible to damage and stuff, so you have to be really same. careful yeah, same as when you're doing Blaster, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of light underwater, like, um, again, steampunky. So there's a lot of mirror puzzles where you're trying to reflect different colors of light into certain receptacles to make things unlock. And then there's also a sonar ability. Um, where you can kind of find things and just all these puzzle elements. And uh, again, it took me about 15 hours to complete, but it was really cool. You definitely got into the atmosphere. There's parts of the ocean that when you got there, the music changed and the, the amount of light was so low that you just felt uneasy and you definitely wanted to get out of there. And there was happy parts and then there was sad parts where you saw everything was destroyed and, and there was death all around you. So you definitely evoked these emotions going to the d different places. Yeah. Um, but you definitely had to go back and revisit things to get all the... And it was definitely one of those games you wanted to 100%. Like, if you just played it straight through and beat it, you probably could do it a lot quicker. But you see that map, and you see all the things on the map that you've seen that you couldn't get to before, and you just have to go back and get them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I had to 100% it, and it, again, it took me about 15 hours. You could probably beat the game in 10. That's the one thing I like about Metrovania games is there's typically no timers. I, oh, I, can't, yeah, no. I can't stand timers. So the, the, whenever a game has a timer, I usually get turned off by it pretty quick. But not Mr. Driller. Not Mr. Driller for some reason. <laughs> some games are exceptions, for sure. That's cool. I've never heard of that, but it sounds really cool. I, I have a feeling it's not for any other platform than PS4, huh? Um, No, I believe it did come out on 360. Really? Or Not the 360. Some Xbox. Xbox One? Probably. Huh. I want to say I've seen it in green. Yeah, I've never seen it before, so that's why I thought that maybe it didn't. All right. Maybe not. I could be wrong. It's Insomniac, which they did like Psychonauts, and they did... Um... Yeah. I've recognized that name. Hmm. I'll, I'll look. I'll look around for it. It's, I think this is definitely more niche. Uh, it's very slow-paced compared to a lot of the other games. Sure. Um, it's more of an exploration Metroidvania than an action Metroidvania. Yeah. But you do. you definitely do have to get involved in battles pretty often. Um, but that's not the primary focus of the game. Yeah, when you're talking about going underwater in um, in Wonder Boy, like Master Blaster has underwater sections too. Oh, that, Wonder yeah. Boy? Was okay. that Wonder Boy you were talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Master Blaster has under it with Sophia the Tank can go underwater. <laughs> I never got to that point, in, at least yeah. in the NES game. Cool. I definitely remember that. So, And then Song of the Deep's underwater the whole time, right? Yeah, that's the whole time, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool game. It just it's one of those games where I think about it now and I can just sit here and stop talking to you and just think about the story for a little bit. Although it wasn't story, I mean it was story heavy, but it was given to you in bits and pieces. You were playing the story. It wasn't yeah. cutscenes. Yep. Um oh and and I will point out there's a um and this is probably part of what made it sell it for me is while you're playing, you're doing things and if you find something, you keep playing, but a woman is narrating over you. So it's almost like you're reliving a story. You're being told a story from this woman with a heavy uh, Irish accent. Oh, that's neat. And uh, but you're still playing. You don't stop to hear the story. You're involved in it still. Like right. you're, she's narrating what you're doing. Yeah, and a it, lot of games use that to pretty good yeah. effect. Like somebody will be talking in your headset. You know what I mean? Like if you're playing Gears of War, you hear it through your headset okay. or you, whatever. And that's a good way to go, other than stopping the action. Yep. Keep the action going. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Right on. All right. Any other topics you want to bring up? Uh, no, I think we're <laughs> I think we're good for the night. 
We got a couple other uh, uh, things we were going to talk about, but we'll save them for another episode. I think we want to um, try to stay below our four-hour time limit, our last episode. Yeah, our, the last <laughs> one. I think we turned off a few people who were like, oh, my God, it's so long. Uh, who are you talking to? There were some people on Twitter that mentioned the length, but I was just like, Did just hit pause. <laughs> I don't know I, why people are so against long podcasts. Just It's like getting... And, but but then they say, well, why is there so much time between them? Then just hit pause. Yeah, have you have you heard that time between them? I haven't heard that one yet either. I haven't heard any. Of these I haven't heard that but, yet, but okay. I mean, you know, I could see that coming. Well, that's I mean that's why we're doing this. It, we want to put out a regular podcast every month, roughly the same time every month. Right. And the best way we're going to be able to do that is get ourselves in this room once a month, and just talk and let it flow. And when it stops, it stops. So I did want to ask you, because you're more akin to these things than I am, but on Indie Retro News, I see the CD32 compilations yeah. that I've been putting together. for. So again, with my Amiga, my mm-hmm. big, my main turnoff to playing that as much as I would actually really like to is the fact that I have a joystick and one button. Okay. The CD32 had more buttons. That is correct. It had, it had more. And I've been hearing about these CD32 compilations. Um, and... On my Amiga 1200, I can play those CD32 games. And with the controller with more buttons? Correct. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, because again, we have apparently a majority US listenership now, which wasn't the case before. <laughs> right. They might not know what the Amiga even is. Um, so the the CD32 is basically a consoleized Amiga. Amiga 1200 specifically, because it has AGA, AGA graphics. AGA graphics, which yeah. are... American, we'll just say better graphics. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I'm just, layman's terms, right? Right, right. I'm still trying to get a grasp on these things. Um, but it kind of had, yeah, four four buttons, I want to say, on the on the face rather than one. So the CD32, I thought, had two usable buttons. Oh, is it only two? I thought it was just two. I okay. might be wrong, but I thought it was two. Well, you would know more than I would. So anyways, more, more, basically. It has more, correct. Two is 50% more, which gives you... Actually, a lot more options. A lot more options. Um, yep. But that being said, um, there's a guy out there whose name I did not research or remember to bring up, but he is creating and has been doing so for a couple of years now, compilations where we can actually, mm-hmm. I guess, an ISO, I'm assuming, right? Correct. And you can burn an ISO, yep. play them in an Amiga CD32, and basically they're kind of categorized typically. They're usually themed... Yeah, beat em ups or puzzle yeah. games or whatever. And I heard they're really well done. I mean, he and they're curates, are they mapped you know? to the correct buttons. Is that what they are? Yeah. So okay. the CD32, yeah, had a whole different like a gamepad. Yeah. And uh, the CD32 games were usually they were the release games. The, the yeah, there were some games that were made specifically available. for CD32, right? But there, a lot of them were just ports of Amiga yeah. 1200 games. Some some of them were ports of Amiga 500 games, um, but they are changed in a way where maps the something maps to the other button. And I really do think it's only two buttons. Okay. Well, and that'd be, yeah. and that'd be fine because... Yeah. And so my mind, I, I and of course the CD32 has gotten way too expensive already, but my mind goes, that's the way I'd like to play the games. Because yeah. plugging my Competition Pro into my 500, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's just, I don't want to say it's a turnoff, but I yeah. don't... So I, I don't want to take the time and effort to pull everything out to play that. I would yeah. I'd love to have a console with those buttons. I could pop this game in, play these compilations. They sound perfect. And I don't have a CD32 specific gamepad, but what I do have is I have this gamepad that actually says Amiga on it. It was from Amiga Kit that 
that store I told you about. Okay. I bought it from there. It's a gamepad and it has it it has three buttons on it, but when I plug it into my Amiga twelve hundred and I play a CD thirty two game, which there's a bunch of WHD load games that are CD thirty two games, it usually has another button that does something. Okay. So it either jumps instead of, you know, you hitting up or it it has a different firing mechanism, something, but it's two buttons usually. Okay. So but yeah, that's one cool thing about having an Amiga 1200 with a hard drive in it, which is really I have a CF card, is it, there I have a folder called CD32 and it's just CD32 games. That's and, cool. and I can play those. So that's why I really haven't sought after a CD32, but I do want one someday, but the prices for them are ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so are the 1200s now. Yeah. And so are the 500s <laughs> now, apparently. I yeah. got mine just the right time. Yeah. But, uh, I'm kind of because of the prices. I'm kind of stuck in this no man's land. I don't know enough about the platform or having the nostalgia to pay that kind of money to to dig into it further. But I do have my my GoTech and my Amiga 500. Yeah, and uh, it's a good combo. I just upgraded my GoTech to this firmware called Flash Floppy, which lets you uh, actually. There was a problem with the original uh, Cortex firmware. Okay. That. Um, you couldn't write to disks reliably. It would corrupt the disk image a lot. But this new image does it. So it opens up more disk games to that I can play and, and actually write back to the disk for scores or whatever. Oh, so that could be an issue with mine? It depends on what firmware you have. I, okay. I, we'd have to look at that. If it's Cortex... I think then, I got yeah. mine before you got your GoTech. Well, Flash Floppy's been around a long time too, but you might want to flash it to the latest Flash Floppy. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. The last thing I want to bring up is I uh, had an idea for a new segment for the show. Um, we've had a couple ideas for segments. We'd love to get to some of these. Yeah. We talked in the beginning we wanted to do a high score segment where our uh, community could join in on, on a high score game. We still have to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, we're ne- we're going to need to update our website or do something to make that more viable. Yeah. We want to get there. I want to get there. I yeah. Be, I, I don't wanna... think it would be too hard to incorporate it into our kind of Podbean website. Yeah. We could just put up a page. we can write whatever page we want i just want to make sure that i'm i have a, a an avenue to publicly humiliate you with which you will my gaming that's skills. that's why i'm not <laughs> over i'm not over excited about this because i it's gonna be like cody wins cody wins cody wins no i'm I, hoping we have a community in here that can yeah. shun both of us yeah. and we probably would to be honest let's um We'd have to pick games. You can just pick Paradroid every time because my mind, I can't wrap my mind around that game. So you oh. kick my butt every time on Paradroid. Um, I actually watched your YouTube video to try to figure out oh, how to did. play that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, back when you and I first met, I started watching those and um, I still can't. I thought I, I explained loved... it pretty well. He probably did. It's just a different mentality than gaming is nowadays. So It is. Um, I do enjoy the game. But it definitely hits a point where my mind can't think of all the things I'm supposed to do naturally, and I I seize up analysis paralysis, as they call it in board gaming. Yeah. Um, but the new segment I was thinking of, I, yeah, we've listened to we've listened to some of the same podcasts, and um, uh, there's one over in the UK that they do they, every once in a while they do an episode where they they call it Playground Wars. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. I don't listen to. I must not listen to that one. Okay. The um. I'm blanking on the name right now, but basically the whole concept is the whole uh, world, which I haven't gotten into yet until I get my my ZX next, uh, but Commodore 64 versus the Spectrum. Yeah. And then there'd be an, also a guy in there doing the, um, uh, shoot, what's it called? The CPC, Amstrad. So they kind of had these three guys 
and they each chose a system, and their job was basically to argue for their system as if they were kids on the playground, which was right. over here would be more akin to uh, Super Nintendo Genesis, I guess. You're correct. I mean, even Nintendo Sega Master System wasn't a thing because you had to have one weird kid in the town that owned that thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, I guess it'd be Genesis Super Nintendo. But over there it was Spectrum versus... Spectrum versus 64, 64. BBC, Micro versus... Uh... The acorn, acorn or something. I don't know. Those are more niche, I think. Yeah. From what I hear here. But anyway, so they do the show where they, they, they these um they battle it out and they try to fight for the systems, but ultimately they when they get down to it, they all kind of agree on a winner. Yeah. So what they would do is take ports of these games. Um so I wanted to take it a little step a little different and and it, I guess further to a point and choose games that are actually different on different systems. Yeah. Um and we, I don't know if we still want to call this Playground Wars or what we want to call it, but essentially we can take two different versions of a game with the same title that came out at the same time Yep. And pick which one's better. Yeah, you know, on my YouTube channel, you, we were just talking about that, uh, where you saw that I was playing uh, Paradroid. I did that with a couple of games. Oh, really? I okay. compared the ZX Spectrum version with the Commodore 64 one. I did Jetpack. Jetpack, I yeah. Did, uh, yep. I did a couple of them, and it was fun. Um, I, I think it's a... You but you were talking more like games that were different, right? Fundamentally, they're different. actually different games on different platforms. Is where I'd like to go, but we can just we can take it wherever we want. Um, but the first one that uh, had come to my mind was Aladdin. Okay. On the Genesis and the Super NES, because apparently they are completely different games. So I mean, they are, I think they are similar in style, but if you play them, they're different games. Yeah. How different? I don't know. I'm sure I can go online and get other people's opinions, but I think it'd be more, more fun if we both played that game sure. on both systems, came back, and um, yeah, and just kind of discuss it, hash it out, and figure out who wins the battles, uh, Super Nintendo or Genesis. Let's do it. Um, and do I had a couple of other games on different systems in mind as well. But um, So let's just pick one and try the segment out and see how it works. Well, Aladdin. Let's do Aladdin. Done. I'm writing it. All right. Cool. So it's Aladdin, and that's Genesis and Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Yep. I'm trying to think of which one I played the most. I've played them both. Have you? I've never gotten too far in either one. But... I can't even recall which one I've played. I do remember playing one. I want to say it's probably Genesis because I didn't own a Super Nintendo until I was in college, which was at that point, which was Dreamcast. I had a Dreamcast at that point. Yeah, and what I did is I put, I think I put the Super Nintendo version on my Classic Mini. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to just, because it's one of the ones that actually shows off graphics. You know, that was pretty sophisticated for its time. Yeah. The that was game. back when uh, Disney games, licensed games were solid. Yep. Well, and I remember, I do remember thinking the Genesis had better graphics, but I guess this is what how what we're going to explore. figure it out. We're going to figure it out. But It I would think... be fun if we each picked a system and fought for it. <laughs> but it's hard for me to to do because i actually grew up with the genesis and i know your like favorite system is the genesis it's it's one of up yeah one up there it's up there yeah which is odd I, I never had a genesis until it's the first system i used to kickstart my my retro revival yeah i got the commodore 64 and i loved it and then i thought you know what i never had a genesis and i always wanted one so yeah. i grabbed it so I don't know. It's funny because I'm not inclined to pick either one. I actually think I lean towards the Super Nintendo, but it's more because the games are better. Whereas the Genesis typically is, even though I know blast processing is a myth, is a, is a, yeah. but um, it, a lot of the games are faster on the Genesis. 
on the Nintendo, they typically are more methodical games. And I thought the color palette on the Genesis was a little brighter. The Super Nintendo has more colors. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't know. I think I'm we'd, pretty we'd sure to, that's we'd true. We'd have to talk to an actual programmer to figure out why this stuff happens. But yeah. I do know the um, uh, sampled audio on the Nintendo can sound much more clean. Mm-hmm. But the Genesis definitely has those hard edges, and they're kind of like they can fake metal music better. I thought, and I thought that was because <laughs> didn't the Genesis, if I remember right, have the FM synthesis or something for the the chip? It used. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't even pretend to know what chips do. I know there's a six eight hundred in there. What is that? Six? Right, but Whatever I think, that means. I thought that well, and I think a lot of the games use like FM synthesis, which is a much harsher sound. Well, synthesized, whereas Nintendo is sampled. Is a like sound fonts or whatever, like the sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have the echo effect, which made Mario World sound so cool. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting. Well, yeah, let's let's give that a shot and try it out because I had never did a deep dive into the Aladdin game, so that'll be a fun thing. Yeah, it's not a game I would typically deep dive into, except I know they're very different and they are solid games. So yeah. All right. All right. Aladdin coming up next month. That's right. At the uh, at hour four of our next podcast. <laughs> Sorry, you two people who complained about it. Like like Eric said, just listen to an hour every week and press pause in between. Yep. Next month, we will be back with our Six Good Games Shmups edition. Yeah. Which is uh, shoot 'em ups. Think uh, little ships going pew pew, either vertically or horizontally. Yeah, I was going to ask that, horizontal or vertical, right, or yeah. whatever. Either way, as long as it's a shmup. Now, I don't. I guess there technically are some 3D shmups. So if you want to push the envelope, you can throw in a Star Fox or something. But I don't think that's your style. It won't be in my top three or no. three good ones that I think about. Yeah. So shmups. Cool. Shmups. Yep. And I'm going to try to run the gamut from different. Uh, bits and all that stuff i'm gonna try to get it all over the place right cool. on all right well in the meantime you guys enjoy some retro gaming enjoy some beers and remember it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go, go alone, alone. <laughs> thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.